October the 29th. Spooky Halloween coming up for you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. I love me some Halloween. Big fan. Used to uh, used to go to uh, trick-or-treat when I was young, and we would, because I'm sure most of you who are listening to this and know the, the personality that I have and the way that I am, very competitive, really, really numbers-driven. So we would count every house that we went to. It would only count if we actually got candy from that house. So if like we stopped at the house and they didn't give us any candy, that's that's a nothing. And so every year we would start building up and getting to more and more houses. And then it got to the point where we hit 100. Then we had to go to 102, then 104, then 110. And uh, we'd always get a big group of people. And we'd uh, roam uh, the streets of Temple City as uh, having some fun trick or treating. Hope you all have a f- really fun Halloween Coming up, uh, pumpkin carving, carving the pumpkins. I'm a big fan of the the homemade pumpkin seeds myself. Love to get the pumpkin seeds out, cook them up, load those bad boys up with salt. Huge fan. I've been watching all the scary movies lately leading up to Halloween. Because what's nice nowadays with all the streaming services, you've got like Hulu, Disney+, Plus, Netflix, uh They've and even ones like Freeform and USA who's got all the Chuckies. They all have their Halloween collections. Peacock, so you get everything. It's so easy for us to to watch stuff nowadays as we get set for another episode. That's what G said podcast. A little bit of a Halloween tangent to start, but I love me some Halloween, and we have a fun weekend coming up. And gosh, a really crazy next few weeks coming up because. We are finishing up the baseball playoffs. The World Series is tied right now. Um, so early next week, we'll dive into what's been happening so far in the World Series. And early next week, uh, you know, probably about a week and a half, uh, probably not next week, because next week is going to be really Breeders' Cup kind of focused and centralized. We'll still do our NFL stuff with Eric. We'll still do wrestling with Chad, but it's going to be a lot of Breeders' Cup. We're going to have those big Breeders' Cup shows where we get a different guest to talk every race. We're going to probably end up having like 15 to 20 guests throughout our Breeders' Cup shows during the week. So that should be a lot of fun. So we will check in with the NBA in yeah probably like a, you know about a week or so. We'll, we'll always touch base a little bit with what's happening. In, in a minute, we'll do that too. But on this episode, we're going to get into an interview that uh, that we had um, a little bit earlier on today with Jack Fitzpatrick, the social media manager from DRF Sports. So daily racing form, we know from being the home of so much great information for horse racing through the years, past performances, articles, information, reports. Now DRF is going to be expanding into DRF Sports. So Jack joins us to talk all about that and what to look for for, uh, with DRF Sports. He also dishes out uh, a play for the weekend. Then we get into our NFL Week 8 game previews with Eric. Each and every game, real, real deep dives into each one of them. We'll talk what's going on at Stable Duel. We'll get to Friday and Saturday racing. So we've got Friday Keeneland late pick five thoughts. We've got Friday Santa Anita late pick five thoughts. We've got Saturday Keeneland best bets on the late. I think it's all the late pick five. And then Saturday uh, Santa Anita. We have uh, plays throughout the card, and we're going to talk a little bit about that Santa Anita Pick'em contest. We head over to Wrestling with Chad 
Cooper, where we get into the news, some uh, some things happen in the world of Ring of Honor and in Impact. We talk AEW, uh, Dynamite, Rampage, NXT 2.0. They had Halloween Havoc show last week, and then WWE Raw and SmackDown coming off of Crown Jewel. A loaded, loaded episode. That's one of the words I always go to when we talk about these these fun, stacked, loaded, loaded episode of That's What G Said podcast. That is presented by Better Than Vegas. Give them a follow on Twitter at BTV Bets. Turn those notifications on because they give away money every day. Every single day there is a public prop, and Better Than Vegas gives money away to one of you, someone who just follows them on Twitter, likes the tweet, and retweets their tweet. If you have a Nitro Betting account, Nitro Betting, one of the partners of Better Than Vegas, you will be able to get a bonus. So go check it out. You'll see every single day they'll post um, a tweet. It'll say, here's the public prop, retweet, like. If if you do, we will pick one of you, and we will give you this wager. And if the wager hits, you get the money. They send it right to you. Better than Vegas. Everything is free there. Videos from handicappers all over the world wanting to help you become a better, better BTV. That's that live stream schedule, free analysis all the time, leading you up to every Monday night football game, every Thursday night football game, where, hey, tonight in the Thursday night football game, uh, in the free live stream, I gave out the Packers money line, the Packers plus the points, A.J. Dillon over total yards, and the score prediction that I gave out was 24-21. You can go check that out on Twitter. Final score of the game, 24-21. We nailed that thing spot on. So hopefully we can lead you in the right direction some of those times. Follow along at BTV Bets as yeah, we take a just a quick look around what's going on in the NBA right now. Um, just through uh looking at the standings through the first couple. Oh, the Lakers had one of the worst losses I can remember over the last few years. They just spit out a 26-point lead against the Thunder the other night. Yeah, they were missing a bunch of players, but that was just a horrible effort from the Lakers, a no-excuse game there in the Eastern Conference so far, and remember, we're five games in, so when we talk, and we really do a a real breakdown of what we've seen, we won't do a full deep dive next week, but we'll do it following the Breeders' Cup, because then we'll have another week's worth of games and sample size to to really go back on and sink our teeth into, but the uh, the Knicks, the Hornets, and the Bulls, the Washington Wizards are all 4-1, and So uh, how about that? A lot of my former Lakers, Julius uh, doing well with the Knicks, Lonzo and Caruso with the Bulls, the Wizards end up getting KCP and Kuzma, and they're playing well. The Heat, the Cavaliers, the Bucks struggled a little early, lost a couple games, the Hawks lost a few, and the Nets uh, two and three early on uh, in the season. The Pistons are the only winless team so far in the Eastern Conference at 0-4. And you move over to the West. The Jazz and the Warriors are the two unbeaten teams so far. Top the West standings. Mavericks are three and one. T Wolves a nice three and one start the first four games of their season. And uh, and after that, everyone's got at least two losses. The Kings, Blazers, Nuggets, and Grizzlies at two and two. Lakers right behind them. Phoenix struggling a little bit to start the season too at one and three. And the Clippers uh, also at one and three. Everybody in the West has a win. It's a uh, Teams that you probably would have suspected towards the bottom of the West with Houston, the Pelicans, the Thunder, and the Spurs all at 1-4. So just a quick early look in at the NBA right now. And over in baseball, we are tied up heading to Game 3 of the World Series 
on Friday World Series tied one game to one after the Braves win game one the Astros come back and win game number two so that'll be uh, Friday uh, Friday night at what uh, 8 o'clock uh, just after 8 o'clock Eastern time for the third game of the World Series this year we are going to Jump into our first conversation We're going to jump into the interview That we had a little earlier on With Jack Fitzpatrick From DRF Sports He is the social media manager there And Jack is going to tell us all about DRF Sports uh, This new site, the expansion from Daily Racing Form And what kind of stuff we can find there uh, before we get into that conversation With Jack though, want to let you know about One of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said Podcast SarahCandles.com C-E-R-A Candles.com That's the website And if you use the promo code G-I-N-O It will get you 10% off your purchase Now what's unique about these particular candles Is they are actually healthier for you They're better for you They are non-toxic No toxins, no carcinogens, no pollutants Because of the soy wax that they use Which is not used by a lot of the other leading candle brands They'll use uh, paraffin wax That's just not as healthy for you And when you're around your family, your kids, your animals You don't want them breathing in that unhealthy air You want to get to sarahcandles.com C-E-R-A candles.com Check out all the different scents they have All the different seasonal scents they have Holidays coming up This is a perfect gift for some of the members of your family Or friends that you might not know what to get Get them a few candles It'll uh, really, really lighten up And kind of brighten up their home With the intoxicating aromas C-E-R-A Candles.com Promo code G-I-N-O Gets you 10% off your purchase Let's jump into our interview with Jack Fitzpatrick from DRF Sports. Very excited about the first-time guest we have joining us here on That's What G Said podcast. You have heard me talk for uh, months and months. Basically, uh, on this show, my whole life of handicapping, I've always talked about daily racing form, past performances that I use from there, uh, sharing information and, and articles and stuff from daily racing form from DRF, one of the most trusted, the most trusted source in all of horse racing. And now, as mainstream sports wagering is becoming legal in the United States, state by state, we are having a uh, Legalized gambling all over the place DRF is expanding And we are now getting into DRF sports So all of that same information That same trusted source Of DRF Going to be giving you that great information For sports, for betting, for previews And Jack Fitzpatrick The social media manager from DRF sports Is going to join us now To talk a little bit about that Jack, uh, love DRF As a horse racing guy growing up I mean, I always had the daily racing form That was like a a bible for me (laughs) I got got in trouble in class a few times For sneaking them in like Hiding them under my books When I was like 12, 14, 16 uh, All throughout And now that all that great information is going to expand over to the uh, the sporting world and we're going to give people, you know, the same sort of thing that Daily Racing Forum has given them with horse racing for so many years. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, if we could hire you to just give the breakdown, I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> that was the perfect, you know, elevator speech about what DRF Sports is launched in August and it's been a ride. I just came on board and yeah, taking all that data that's that's made a lot of people a lot of money with horse racing, putting it towards the sports world, and 
you know, already it's seeing some stuff uh, hit big and it, it's been a great time with all that data, all that insights, all the podcasts, all that, all that great stuff. It's, it's happening over at DRF sports. That's one thing that's really cool about the time that we're in right now. You know, um, 15, 20 years ago, like horse racing was always a, a gambling game. And, yeah. But you, you know, it was sort of taboo. You didn't hear betting lines talked about. In, in on games and on broadcast, nobody. You, you, it was always oh, you know, something that big. Uh, the the big leagues didn't really want to get involved in, yeah. and I think it might have been through like the fantasy sports kind of door that sort of created a bridge to where you you saw DraftKings and FanDuel stuff all over because everybody was getting into fantasy. Everybody loved season long fantasy, and that became the bridge to wow. Gambling is going to be legalized here now And state by state we're seeing Because all these sports books Pop up people with the ability to play All over their phones so now something That you know was was talked about Or people had to kind of do under uh, Under the rug or behind closed doors (laughs) is Actually a this huge New industry with Like all of these opportunities all this Content it's really cool I'd Imagine for someone like you someone like me Who is a big a big sports fan and who's Seen this thing really like change and Progress through the last few years Yeah 100% I mean yeah it Started with fantasy and then daily fantasy Took on and then all those other sports books Kind of took the bull by the horns and you know, now sports betting is such a huge thing. I mean, the XFL last year, or I guess two years ago now, rest in peace to the XFL, it'll be coming back. But they included live game lines and spreads and totals and everything like that into the into the broadcast itself. The NFL's kind of taken that approach with a lot of, you know, bet first kind of ideas. And it's everywhere you look. And it's it's adding such a layer of of analyst, of analysis, excuse me, to sports i mean i love statistics for a long time i was a statistics first person where if if russell wilson was throwing for more yardage per game than tom brady i would go to the go to my grave saying russell wilson was a better quarterback than tom brady (laughs) Um, i still will but now for different reasons and sports betting adds in such a layer of more stats more numbers that you can just sink your teeth into and that's what that's what makes it so fun then you can go to just to bring it back to DRF sports, you can go to drf.com slash sports and you can see all of the betting angles, the line movements, what the predictions have, what the Sims have. And it just makes it so much more fun. And now it's a full-time job and it's literally my full-time job. But even as a fan, it's a full-time gig kind of trying to decipher everything you can. So on Sunday, you can make the right bets. The look of the site drf.com slash sports is great too. It's very, it's visually very appealing. It's easy. It looks just like a sports book. Like yeah, you, it does. You walk right in the sports book, and the the right up on the top, it'll it'll have the game sort of in the big boxes in order. And what I like too is they are like in order of when they come. So you've got NBA games, then NHL. You've got some NH and NFL all throughout how they're tipping off or kicking off or how the games are going through today. So you've got what's what's the, if you're one of those people who just What's next? What's next? Yep. What's next? You know what? You can find right there. If you're someone who wants to go and just strictly look to the NFL, well, boom, on the left side of the page, you click NFL and then you get all the NFL information. Not only will you just find, you know, specific 
matchups coming up this week. So, uh, you know, everything happening on on Sunday. One of the the games that you see there, you'll have the the line and the information for Buffalo and the Dolphins there. Which right now, when you and I are recording, Buffalo is a thirteen and a half point favorite there. They give you the money line. They give you the total. You can click on the game and then get a ton of information for uh, for the matchups when you do so. Which is like that's the kind of stuff. I love and I think most of the the horse players will really enjoy getting the opportunity like the details and insights on each game that you click there is just a wealth of information and what's nice is it's all right there you don't have to click on a bunch of different you don't have to go to this site to find that or this site to find yeah. that you get a bunch of stuff right there on the page for you yeah and you get really in depth kind of angles so stuff that you're not finding anywhere else it's kind of Daily Racing Forum, DRF's claim to fame, that unique, in-depth, just mm-hmm. really, really, sometimes you read it and you're like, what does this, what does this even mean? Like, how does this apply to it? Yet, they come out on top and they come out winning. I mean, here reading the uh, the Miami-Buffalo game, Buffalo, when they outgain their opponents by 0.75 yards or more yards per play after gaining 400 or more total yards per game over their last three games, are 48 and 14 over the last five seasons. Like, that's something, I don't know how you figure that out, but I mean, you read it and you're like, how is that even going to come into play? And then it comes into play. (laughs) And you see the number, and what's great is you get, you look at each game, you click on the box, and then they'll give you like real basic stuff, just like a lot of the, Points and rut and yards yep. and, and things like that for on team offense and defense. And then the betting angles is the stuff that we're talking about right here, where they're just different. And that's what you want. That's how you gain an advantage because, you know, in nowadays, the one, one of the, I guess, one of the negatives about things becoming more and more public and more and more, um, you know, a mainstream is that more information gets out there and it, it you know, the baseline, it gets a little bit, everybody gets a little bit smarter. Everybody yeah. gets a little bit, you know, there's more information out there, like say, things that five years ago you, you could have called an angle or you may have had some advantage on. Everybody sees that now. Everybody knows that now. A lot of people are reading those articles or seeing those DVOA or things like that, you know. Yep. So <laughs> any advantage that you can have with something like this from DRF is great because you don't have to necessarily go in and, and like, for, for me, if I was to tell someone, hey, I like this horse in this race, I don't necessarily mean or, you know, to go out and blindly bet everything I say, but maybe it's just, it's always like how all the information, like you said, I want to be a sponge, absorb everything I can. So if there's a game that I was thinking about and then I click on DRF Sports and I see they've got an angle or two, that's going to make me. Feel a lot more confident and want to jump in That's what I love to do with information And that's the kind of things here where You can really pick a lot of these things From each game to help Kind of complement some of the the thing Like where you were already heading even Yeah I mean last week it was the I don't know if you were tuned into some Sunbelt action on I think it was a Wednesday oh, yeah. night <laughs> But I was leaning App State in that game going into it And then I headed I went to DRF and it Said our simulations had App State not only covering, but outright winning. And so I I sprinkled a little money on the App State money line and had a good night. Like, it, it really is. It, it gives you so much information where if you're leaning some way and then it reinforces what you were thinking, um, you can really double down on it or if it kind of leads you away from it. It really helps you. 
become an informed better. You're not betting with your heart anymore. You're betting yep. with, you know, actual numbers and betting with real decision making. And I, I think it was funny. I was doing um, a little video for DRF horse racing the other day, and it was just kind of sort of talking about, you know, what are the past performances in DRF. And it, I feel the very same with this particular site now, drf.com slash sports, in that this is what you want when you're ready to take that next step. From becoming someone who just, you know, throws a little bit in here and there, or like, you know, you're just kind of hanging around with your friends a little bit here and there. But when you really want to dig in and you want to find some stuff that's going to help you for even DFS, that's going to help you for wagering, that's going to help you for your survivor pick or whatever your picks yep. pools are. This is the that next level because you get all of this information and some of it. Can be more basic that you can just look at and go, okay, here are the yards, or here are how this offense matches up with this defense, or you can look at, you know, one of the tabs on uh, under details and insights for each game, the line movements. Some people love to just handicap off of movements, you know, yeah, that's that's how a lot of people in racing will watch how is the money going. I'm gonna either play with it or against it, so you get just. I mean, all of these tabs, team offense and defense, betting angles, line movements, key injuries. That's another one that that's one thing that you can do. Like everybody gets the injury info, but sometimes, you know, it's sometimes it's like the offensive linemen or defensive linemen that are a little bit more of a big deal than people will realize. A couple of them are out. The the points haven't moved all that much, but that might start to add up. Those are little things, too, that you can boom, click right there. Um, you and I are recording before the Thursday night football game. Most people probably won't hear this interview until afterwards, but man, that's a game where uh, some really key injuries in that Arizona Green Bay game. That line has moved like three, three and a half, four points in some places. Yeah, it opened at three. It opened at Cardinals' field goal favorites. And now I'm looking at the key injuries now that you say that. And I was going into this one knowing that, you know, Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard both were out. But now I was not aware that Marquez Valdez Scandling was downgraded to doubtful. So yeah. now you, I was coming into this in, into this game. I was leaning Green Bay hard. I thought now Me with too. six and a half points, I would let's hammer that. But now with MVS out and Devontae Adams out, and Alan Lazard out, and not to mention that their defensive coordinators out. Granted, this isn't going to help the listener <laughs> tomorrow. No, but the, it just we're, we're just showing you how things have moved. Yeah. You know the information you get here and how those those key injuries, any information that you can get, and what's great, like. You know, it's all right here. Sometimes I have to pull up 15 or 20 tabs when I'm doing some of my handicapping. That's what I love about the DRF past performances and the DRF formulator. This is ex- this to me is that exact feel. You go from betting angles to line movements to key injuries to results. You see, you go back and look at, you know, how everything has gone recently, head to head matchups, and then overall team statistics. Like that is as good of a sports information tab. From gambling for just like even if you're just a fantasy player and you want to yeah. come and, and read some of this information to set your DFS lineup to get an idea of what's the projected scores, right? How do they feel this game is going to play out? Is there one of these key betting angles that has to do with positions or something like that? You know, so it just I was in, in talking with uh, with you and and some of the people from DRF Sports over the last couple of weeks and just seeing the tab pop up and stuff. I was so impressed when I really dug into this website as someone who myself is, like you said, I'm a numbers nerd. I just, I I love it. There is some great, great stuff here. You guys should feel really proud about the site that that is up there right now. We appreciate it. And you know, the best part about the site 
you can sign up for free and get everything like that. I think that was one of the craziest parts. You get absolutely. in there and you can just for free get all of this insight. And it's absolutely it, it it's absolutely amazing. And so when you do so, when you go to drf.com slash sports on the bottom of the page in the right corner, it'll it just has a little uh, box that says stay updated with DRF Sports Insights. You can sign up there, put your email in, subscribe. They will send you information. Um Key angles, articles. That's another thing. There are, you know, articles, uh, preview articles for uh, all the games that come up. Just sort of, you know, weekend review stuff, and then the podcasts. You know, they're um, like really, really good, insightful stuff. If you're someone out there, I you're listening to this on a podcast. <laughs> I have subscribed to myself a hundred podcasts. You can. Uh, subscribe you can listen to DRF Preview some of the games while you're out On your walk while you're driving somewhere That's what's great the accessibility Flipping something on for just a few minutes um, And and kind of Being able to see Okay do, does what my what my Thoughts and my handicap align With some other people that I trust That's why I love to tune in to the podcast Here before some of the big games and some of the Previews yeah Matt and Sheldon Are our two hosts for the podcast and they do an absolutely Fantastic job going back to last week on their picks podcast on Friday. They called out exactly what was going to happen in the Sunday night game between the Colts and 49ers. They said, wait for the game script to finish for the 49ers. They'll score a touchdown. They'll get up a little bit and then live bet the Colts. And then exactly what happened. If you live bet the Colts and listen to the podcast, you knew that was going to happen. And then also when you sign up, you get um, a lot of newsletters and our Sunday newsletter, just for a little plug there on him. On uh, Scott Grambling, who does our newsletters, he's sixteen and five against the spread on his Sunday wow. newsletter. Um, absolutely fire start! So if you don't need any of the other information on it, you might as well just sign up for free just to get yeah. that letter and just bet along with Scott because he's on fire to start this season. It's actually kind of insane. Free, free, free! I love just um, listening to different people getting getting different because you can learn something from everyone. Positive or negative, right? <laughs> some things that you like that work for you Or some things that you hear someone maybe say And that didn't quite work And you go, okay, I understand that But that angle isn't one that works for me So I just love reading as much listen, uh, Listening, watching as much as possible And for some of you out there Who are listening to this show now And you're big sports fans And you're big horse racing fans If you are You probably don't know about this site yet Because it's relatively new and this is going to be a real wealth of information for you. I mean, you look at the, the the tabs on the side from NFL, college football, baseball, NBA, NHL, college basketball. Right now, you can get information about any of those sports. They've got all of the games coming up for today in order of when they come up. They got the betting insights with their articles. Uh, we mentioned the podcast. Heck, they even have uh, just little videos in the corner. If you're someone who's a little bit more visual, if you'd like to kind of you know, get to see things. I know some people are that way. They they want to click and see who uh, get a look at someone or um, get a look at some of the other uh, graphics that come on. There's always videos that that pop up in the corner with weekly best bets, uh, best bets for college football and for NFL. So uh, again, I this this is going to be a huge help for me in my weekly handicapping now <laughs> moving forward. Um, it's I think especially because like football we're talking about right now. We're in the middle of the football season. It's week eight, but I think when with everybody loves football, right? Everybody gets yeah. excited for football. Everybody has a kind of an opinion on football. I think when it comes time, when it's more the basketball stuff and just NHL and baseball, and it's not as much out there, that that's really when 
all this information that you're getting here, I think is going to help you even more. Yeah, when you're trying to bet a Wednesday night game between yep. two Mountain West teams in college exactly. basketball in the middle of you know January, um, that's not leading off first take. That's not going to lead off the herd with Colin Cowherd. Uh-huh. But you can get all that information at drf.com/sports, and that's the time. Of, that's the sports time of year that I am I'm very looking forward to. Yeah, that's where you get the you get to get advantage on the margins. If you're someone who puts in the work, if you're someone, and even if you're not, if you're someone who you know just has some fun and you like to look at numbers and games, you play a little fantasy. Drf.com/sports. Make sure to put this uh, favorite this send it have this in your bookmarks. I'm gonna start um, sharing around a lot of the articles, sharing around a lot of the stuff, sharing around a lot of the podcasts. I'm gonna have Jack on this show to have a, a hangout and, and dish out some uh, some best bets, and uh, we'll do some live streams and stuff too. So I, I asked you uh, leading in, do you have any games that you you've been looking at you like coming up this weekend? This weekend, see, I was I, I have some games tonight, but unfortunately, you know. We're recording early, so we're yeah. recording early, so won't be having much there. I'm a big Seahawks fan. Um, so with that being said, I'm looking at the Jacksonville Seahawks game. That's, Spreads- that's short, right? I mean, the way that that's telling you is that that the Seahawks are as bad as the Jags in yep. that. Uh-huh. And I don't, I don't know if that's the case. So I don't, and- I don't have them graded as in that same range of like bottom tier teams. And that's exactly, I was going to, that's where I was going with it. Geno Smith's undefeated against the spread. I mean, undefeated against the spread, I think dating back to 2014. We won't mention that he's only had about three starts since 2014. (laughs) But Uh, hey, he's undefeated. Yeah, exactly. Well, he's undefeated. So we'll just, we'll stick to that. But also, I mean, even in his last three games, two of them being starts, he's had the ball. The defense has done their part. He's had the Mm -hmm. ball in the final two minutes with the opportunity to, you know, take the lead. He's not, you know... He's not great, but I don't think that the Seahawks are as bad as the Jaguars. Um, they're no. also at home. Seattle is 0-3 at home this year, but you know, traditionally a power at home. So I'm hammering Seattle at minus three. I, I'd like that game too, because I just it, it worries me a little bit with you know the Jags, they're coming off their bye. They got their pick win. I'm I'm also, you know, who knows how they got kind of prepped um in the in the week there, but they just don't feel quite like the the Seattle team doesn't feel quite this. Seattle could have won both of the last two games. Yeah, they could have beat Pittsburgh or New Orleans. And also back to when Russell Wilson, you know, was still playing. They were two and two, and both of their losses to the Titans and to the Vikings, they had double digit second half. They leads. spit them out late. They just for some reason, whatever they were doing, it was like I I was joking because I'm a, as a USC fan. Um, <laughs> Pete Pete Carroll used to be the most incredible at halftime adjustments. <laughs> he would come out of the Not half. So it was like the anti-USC Pete Carroll Where they would just come in the third quarter I think for the first few weeks They didn't even score a point in the third quarter at all So you're they're, they're better than their record would, would suggest I don't think that the Jags are uh, yeah, I, at, at, they're, they're just a sloppy team So if at the number two If you if you were starting to get over the three Like if it was three and a half into four or five yes. I, If it was four or five I'd feel like Okay that's probably where it should be so it wouldn't like entice me to jump into it, but when they lay it at three like that, it's a little disrespectful. I think win or lose, cover or not cover, kind of to Seattle in, in this spot. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely on that game with you. Yeah, and I mean they could have won by six last week against the Saints if Jason Myers knew how to kick a field goal through uprights. Right. Yeah. Um, another game that kind of has an interesting line: Colts are minus one against the Titans. Um, a lot of money is on the Titans. I think the Colts can win that game. I agree. I like this spot too. The Colts, they're a team when you 
You dig into their schedule So everything went wrong for them In training camp before before yes. the, I thought you know Wentz going back there with Reich And the way that their team was built I was kind of thinking that you know The vision's not strong They they could be interesting this year And then the three weeks in the month leading up to the season Every single thing goes wrong Hilton's out, Wentz gets hurt Then the COVID stuff, they're missing linemen Then Wentz comes back, he hears both of his ankles, the maximum amount of ankles yeah. to, to hurt. He hurt. He hurt. And um, and now it seems like just the just some of the throws that he's attempting. He wasn't even attempting those throws in the first couple weeks, and he's looked good. They should have beat the Ravens on Monday night. They uh, a kicker injury changed that game. They actually could have beat the Rams earlier in the year. I think that was a game where they drove inside the ten yard line four times throughout the game and didn't get a point. I think three times. Early in the uh, in the first quarter, they drove inside the red zone and got nothing out of that, and ended yeah. up losing by a field goal and covering. This team could easily be like the the flip of what their record is, and I think Tennessee feels sort of like off of their two wins. Maybe they figured it out, and maybe they go on and they're really good, but they're very overvalued right now off of those wins. Yeah, exactly. They're coming off wins against the Bills and the Chiefs, two teams that in preseason we had pegged as you know. Super Bowl winners, not just contenders. People had them as Super Bowl winners. So, yeah, I think Tennessee's a little overvalued. And I think the Colts are in a really good spot. Awesome. Uh, yeah, we're on the same side on a couple of those. So, um, folks, you can send both of the the hate mails to to me and Jack uh, <laughs> if they don't don't score for you coming up this weekend. But, uh, Jack, um, anything else uh, on uh, DRF Sports, DRF that you want to mention or plug? I'd love to have you back, you know. Week every week, every couple of weeks, every other We can give out a, a you know, whatever works With your schedule, we can give out a play or two You can mention anything that's happening at DRF You just let me know, but uh, if there's Anything else that you want to mention or throw out there Feel free oh, Yeah, I love that, I'm down to, you know, talk sports Talk picks whenever um, And then you can keep up with DRF Sports On Twitter, that's DRF Underscore sports We're also on Instagram, DRF Sports No underscore on that one and then Facebook, you can find us at DRF Sports Data. So keep up with us on the socials. We try and you know put out some some good plays, some good information, and just keep everyone updated over on the socials as well. I look forward to it, man. This was a lot of fun talking sports with you. I I, I look forward to uh, many more conversations. And some of you who are probably listening to this. Either late Thursday or early Friday Jack is also going to pop in and join me On that Friday live stream that we've been doing Um, That live stream starts at 11am Eastern time That's actually a central Like a a horse racing focused live stream Where we go over Keeneland races for Friday And then Santa Anita races for Friday But Jack's going to pop in Talk a little DRF sports also And give us a a game or two for the weekend We'll probably talk uh, similarly About some of the games we just discussed So if you want to hang out Talk some uh, horse racing We're also going to show you what that DRF Sports website page looks like So you can see all the information I'm going to pull it right up on the screen During that video And you can uh, you can check out that live stream If you just follow me on Twitter It's me, Gino B It'll pop up right at 11am Eastern Time uh, Right there uh, on the tweets And uh, you can follow along We're actually going to have some giveaways too We're going to be giving away uh, a free wager on a horse And a couple other things So Come hang out, take a look at what that DRF Sports page looks like And uh, hear a little bit more from Jack Thank you so much, buddy I appreciate you uh, carving out some time to hang out And like I said, we'll work something out Where, um, you know, if you can come on once a week Every couple weeks, whenever we do live streams I'd love to uh, incorporate you And all the DRF Sports people uh, as much as possible Yeah, sounds good Thank you so much for having me It was a blast and I look forward to tomorrow
Make sure to give them a follow there on social media And uh, you will be updated The the website one more time DRF.com slash sports Don't go anywhere folks Still plenty more discuss On this episode of That's What G Said Horse racing fans Many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering. Multiple formats to view. You got the overview page with recent speed figures, current day's odds, easy access to expert selections and analysis. You got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse. And you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. Great stuff from Jack, and really excited to uh, catch up with him um, as much as we uh, as much as we can. Get some plays from him. Hear about everything happening over at DRF Sports. So much information over there, folks. Anything you can use to help make your uh, you know your you know, profile a little bit stronger, right? To, to some of the angles that you look at, uh, some of the reasoning for each team. You always want to be improving. You always want to be feeling like you're expanding your horizons. Check out all the information they have there at DRF Sports. As uh, you just heard about the uh, DRF.com, we're going to get to some of the racing in a little bit. But next, we're going to get to NFL Week 8 with Eric. Game-by-game previews, deep diving into Every single game on the Sunday and the Monday slate coming up for NFL Week 8. Kick back and enjoy. Time for our game previews here on That's What G Said with our good friend Eric Etoff. 2-1 Sports joins me again, and we'll be going game by game through everything on the Sunday and the Monday slate for NFL Week 8. We're recording right now as the uh, Thursday night game is going on. It's about halftime right now. Packers are up 10-7 on the cards. Eric, we come off this week 
seven where from a gambling standpoint for me it wasn't quite as ugly as uh, a a couple of the the weeks prior but from just a pure football standpoint it was a sunday day was a bad day of football there were 10 day games there were there was one of those games that was a one score game and that was between the mighty falcons and dolphins there were eight games that were double digit differences when it was all said and done Six games that were more than 21 points Five teams scored 10 points or less We had a 20 point favorite cover a game Ugly day Yeah, it was a disgusting, disgusting day of football I mean, there was, you know, a couple good games The Miami game was entertaining The uh, Detroit game was entertaining But, like, you know, that that last window of games was Oh my gosh, and just so uninteresting Not a lot of good teams against good teams And and any of the matchups that on paper looked like they might be Were very just, they were out of hand early Very lackluster And so what ends up happening now, you know, we've discussed this There has not been one closing underdog Of more than seven points to win a game outright this year the the two biggest outright winners so far have been the Giants when they beat the Saints a couple weeks back. That game was actually like eight, eight and a half early in the week, but it ended up closing at seven. And the Giants win that game straight up. And then this last weekend when the Bengals were six and a half point underdogs in, in a lot of places and they won that game straight up. So, you know, it's, it's not like this week it's coming. But there are going to be some big underdogs that win games outright coming out uh, the rest of the year. It's just inevitable that it's going to happen. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think it happens this week, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, stuff's going to start to trend back to the norm. And they keep bumping the numbers because they covered a 20 point spread last week. So the numbers are going to keep getting bumped in in some spots until everything just kind of regresses to the mean and starts to, and evens out. It always happens that way. Yep. Yep. And you know, if I was a chalky better and bet money lines, this would be the week I'd be worried about. I mean, yeah. everything's like you said, is going to come back. This was a really hard week for me in, in a couple of the survivors that I'm in because the, the teams that are big favorites anyways, I locked in. And the one that I think everybody's jumping in on, I do not like in the Bengals, and we'll get to them in a minute. That's the game that scares me. So I did not want to take them. So I sort of couldn't take them. All the other big chalks I had. So I j- ended up on the the Chargers, and we'll get to, to them a little bit later on. But we're going to go through game by game as we do each and every week here with Eric. Let's start with uh, your team, Eric. We've got the Lions and we've got the Eagles here. The Lions are a three and a half point underdog at home. Total in this game is forty eight. And honestly, the more and more I get through this season, there are, I think it always happens this way. There are a few teams that you just have a hard time figuring out, getting a feel for. I mean, I don't think the Eagles are very good. They've had a couple games where they've covered and, you know, some games that are a little deceiving. I don't know if they should be a three and a half point favorite here on the road against the Lions. This game, that this feels like two or three points, maybe too many. Oh, for sure. Um, the Eagles' play calling, their lack of cons- consistency has been astronomical to me. And the thing that I'm realizing is these young coaches like the Skifansky, the um, the guy with the Chargers, Staley, 
Stanley Staley, the they're bringing in some sort of veteran type coach. So like to kind of help them, like Skifancy Brian, like Bill Callahan, who's been around forever. Kind of neutralize them a little bit, you know, keep them grounded a bit, you know. But to like learn from them, you know what I mean? Because they haven't done this stuff. Exactly. If you like you rewatch the games too, the play like Sirianni like can't manage the game and call the game. He's completely clueless on the sidelines. They're not running. He just the looks ball lost. Up. He does. And I mean, for them to go in and completely lay an egg against the Raiders when the Raiders were missing their two best playmakers and Darren Waller and uh, uh, Jacobs because Jacobs yeah. left the game early. Yeah. I mean, it speaks volumes to me about like where they are. This they were down thirty to seven. Yeah. They were down thirty to seven, and they. they they just looked really bad and they scored garbage time points late. Hertz is like one of the most deceiving fantasy football quarterbacks, you know, because he just gets so much garbage time late. He gets a lot of rushing and they always score a gar- late garbage t- touchdown or two. That's totally meaningless in, in pre when everyone's playing prevent. Um, he did have three drop passes from his wide receivers last week, so his adjusted completion percentage was a little bit better than it looks, 75%. He did have two big-time throws, and he ran the ball well, but all of that's in garbage time. And do we know yep. Miles Sanders and his stats? I don't think he's not going to play. Um, he left last week with an injury. Yeah. And the whole thing is, like, there's no adjustments. I and, mean, like, the, the Raiders game showed that. Like, they scored 7-0, then boom, nothing. There is just no adjustments. Whatsoever at all, they're down. It just the game just fell off. Um, also, when they were doing the coaching, the search, and everything, the guy that really wanted the job was Deuce Scaly, the longtime running back for the Eagles. Um, he actually is the running back coach now with the Lions. So this is kind of a Deuce revenge game. Um, he's highly regarded in the Lions um, coaches by their players. This Lions team, we saw it. They fight to the very end. They're in a position to actually win the game against the Rams. Um, the books I have all have this at three and a half. I'm going to wait to see if I can get this like at a four, but a three and a half I like. Eagles are fourth verse, worse versus the run. They average giving up seven receptions per game to the running backs. How this Lions offense is built is just DeAndre Swift. So, I mean, Swift's going to eat this game. He's going to get a ton of receptions. And Goff thrives, again, playing against teams that don't, provide pressure. The Eagles seem just as back in the zone like the Rams do. They don't really rush anybody. Goff was able to kind of chew up the Rams defense. I expect them to do the same. Um, I'm going to lock in the Lions at the best number I can find and sprinkle on the money line too. Yeah, anything over three, I'm definitely jumping in. I mean, if, if it got lower than three, I would still lean like the Lions side and play the money line, but I wouldn't want to get, you know, this is a good number at three, three, three and a half uh, where you can find that. And yeah, the Lions... They they played really well last week, and I don't you know at the, right off the bat I thought oh, okay maybe do they have a little bit of a letdown because they got up really big for that game. But the reason why I don't think so is because I think that that game probably had to make Jared Goff feel pretty good, right about about this team and hey they they played their asses off kind of for him you know um to to for their quarterback and he played really well for about three quarters of that game he had. You know, two or three bad passes, and that ended up being the difference in the game. It wasn't like he played terrible there. They they did a bunch of crazy stuff. They ended up going 0 for 5 in the red zone. 0 for 5 in the red zone. They really could have won that game. So I think the team in golf is going to feel really good about how their coach 
Really tried to do everything he could To get them to win that game They convert an onside kick Two fake punts And two fourth downs Before the Rams even got the ball That's pretty cool <laughs> they yeah, all that before the Rams even touched it. They went all out. They wanted that game big, and I mean, I would have loved to see him get it, but you know, it More is what it is. This yeah. team's gonna fight, and like I said, I don't think Campbell is the long term guy. I think he's a good right now guy. Um, and you know, I think I think they're in a good position. I think this Eagles team. I think the the wheels are slowly gonna start to fall off because now there's rumors that Minshew. They were in the Watson kind of talk a little bit, right? Yeah, because they they cleared up some space. They got rid of Flacco, right? And then Minshew's now their number two. And when they brought Minshew in, we've never been like I think Jalen Hurts is a good football player, like overall, and a good like a a good backup quarterback. The pro a good backup quarterback if you have a like to a Lamar Jackson, right? He would be a good backup quarterback for Lamar or someone even like a Josh Allen. He'd be okay for someone who's got sort of a running kind of system to where if they went down, I would actually think Hertz could come in and win you a game or two, but I don't, don't think he is a franchise quarterback. We've never thought that with him. The conversations that we've had from him from the very beginning have just never been that he was going to be the guy and you could see it. You know, last year it was just, he came in and he was Better than Wentz because Wentz was really bad and that line was awful and so at least Hertz could run around a little bit and and now there's film on him for a year he's not a great thrower it's I it just it's it's unfortunate because he's just he's not the guy there and uh, the Lions had more total yards total plays yards per play than the Rams they also had eight penalties that hurt them for 77 uh, yards a couple turnovers in the red zone they ran the ball really well 4.9 yards per rush they had three different players with a rush of 14 yards along that's really good Swift had 48 yards rushing 96 yards receiving Lions played well yeah we're both on the Lions side this week as uh, we move along to game two we're going Bills Dolphins so now we see some of these Spreads really start to get juiced Up the recent history and Trends between the Bills and Dolphins Are incredible With this particular Coaching staff uh, Flores For some reason I think he's A fine coach this year he's been Some exposed in some games Here and there but I still think he's a There there are a lot of bad bad Coaches out there I don't think he's in that Group but for Some reason they just get their asses kicked when they play the Bills. I mean, they've gotten destroyed. Average margin of victory is just blowout after blowout after blowout. It happened again early this year, and it's all been with Flores. Even when they're good, Miami, and competitive and feisty, they get crushed by the Bills. This game's a pure stay away for me because that number's so big, but I just, I've seen this story before with these two particular teams, and so I'm staying away. I mean, I want to take God. Do I want to take the Dolphins so effing bad? Me too. Here. I do. I, mean, I do. I really, I really do. But I would want to take them if the Bills would have went into the bye with the win. You know, the fact that they lost to the um, to the Titans and went to the bye like that, I just can't. I just can't back them. But I mean, yeah. it's getting to the point. I mean, like right now, I'm looking at. Um, at, at bet stamp and it's at 14 I mean if this gets to like 15 16 I know, just on you, principle alone I would never take the bills would never take the bills in this spot I just 
it, these two particular teams do not match up well. Keep in mind now the Dolphins are going to have to play. This is a, their second week back after London, and that's going to kind of wear on you a little bit too. They lost to the Falcons even though they had more total first downs, more total plays, more total yards, over nine minutes more of time of possessions, two turnovers, and then six costly penalties ended up hurting them. Tua actually had some okay moments in that game. He had one of the worst interceptions you will ever see a quarterback throw, and his other one wasn't beautiful either. And so it's just, it's unfortunate. Hey, I won, I won money with Tua last week. Yeah, you did. You got the right, you got the number, and that, and that's the situation that we're in again, right? You, you didn't look like a fool. You didn't look like a fool. I won money with Tua, and like you know, at the and end of were, the day, even though you were foolish at the at the yeah. time, you still got in there. Um, you know, it it's just we're seeing what happens, like. I we talk you and I talk about turnover regression with defenses and stuff coming back to the norm. The Dolphins got every single bounce on the defensive end last year, and when that doesn't get it, this defense isn't as good as it no. was as it shown last year. No, so stuff always goes back to the norm. So I'm just like, yeah, I this game, I want to bet the Dolphins, but it's just to stay away from. One me. of the things you harp on all the time, uh, line in particular, offensive line. It's hard to be a good football team. If you don't have a good or at least competent offensive line Four of the five starting linemen gave up multiple pressures last week Austin Jackson, he's just been terrible He gave up five more uh, They, You know, they came down late They were down 13 with less than with less than 13 minutes left And just, uh, it's, it's, you know But I mean, co- the thing is, is like I said, I don't think I I don't think we talked about this But like, I think I sent you the message Like way back when About when, like, because First thing you and I did, like I was like adamant against Tua for that NFL draft, just adamant, hands down, against Tua. And then I I sent you the message, like, did you see the press conference when they announced him? And like the owner was like so pumped. Flores and the GM, whose name I'm spacing on, you know, kind of didn't seem that into it. Like kind of like they didn't weren't really that too happy (laughs) with the draft pick. Yeah. And now the owner wants to trade for Watson. It's like. It just shows you, like, these teams that are run well, the owner has zero influence on the player personnel. You know what I mean? They just let people do their jobs. And I think, like, for as Dolphins as the up-and-comer, they're done. You know, and the Eagles have their first-round pick, I think. So, I mean, that's their like to- another— Wasn't their total, like, nine this year? Yeah. The Dolphins? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they— their over under yeah. was like eight and a half or nine. There were it a lot of cashed. people that pe- <laughs> there were a lot of people that were picking them as like a possible division winner pick, you know. And yeah, they're they're in some trouble right now. As we move to, I mean, how crazy is this, Eric? In this next game, the Falcons are three and three and could go to four and three. They're a three point favorite in this game. With an opportunity to go to four and three, and they're playing against a Panthers team that they they have had four straight losses since starting the season three and zero. And it's funny, like you you look back, and and the reason why I played some of the Panthers stuff early in the year, some of their futures over, and some of their like to make the playoffs was because exactly the way the schedule was. They started three and zero, and look at the games they lost. They should have beat the Eagles. They spit that game out. They had an overtime loss to the Vikings that they could have won a game they could have won. And they lost last week at halftime. The game was close. And then they got blown out in the second half by the Giants. Like those are three winnable games for this team when they were healthy. We 
you know, this could have very easily been one of those teams that we would have looked at and been like, the Panthers are six and one right now, and they're not that good. If if and I don't know who knows if they win all three of those games if McCaffrey Curry is around, but you know, Donald's obviously looked really bad in a few of them. But they, it's crazy how a team like this still isn't that far off from having a really good record, but they're not very good right now. And the, the same for them, I think, is what I was just saying about um, Miami. Is their offensive line is horrible, and Darnold's been really bad. I'm not going to try to, you know, say he's been good at all. But the receivers haven't been good, and the line has been bad. And you're just not going to, you're not going to win games when that's the case. Darnold got benched last week, and then when he gets benched, PJ Walker comes in. He goes three of fourteen for thirty-three yards and takes three sacks. That actually that made Darnold look a little bit better. It's just the whole Darnold. The reason the Darnold move didn't make sense to me is a just by fit. Um, Brady needs a mobile, mobile quarterback. He needs a quarterback that do, can do the RPO. Burrow before his knee injury was doing that at LSU, and that's not what Sam Darnold is. PJ Walker is that, and it like that's why the whole. Trading for Darnold just didn't make any sense to me just because of the fit. Um, in terms of betting this, well, game, I mean, and he's not that good, like, he's not, yeah, he's not very I've been good. saying it for a while, like, but he's not, not, but you could time. see, but you, like, if you were an NFL organization and you were looking to give a guy another chance and it wasn't going to be that expensive and you weren't going to lock him up long term or anything like that, like, you could see why teams would give him a shot. And he looked, he, well, we're going to have our quarterback conversation coming up in a, you know, in like a week or so where we're going to kind of rank the quarterbacks. And at, you'll probably realize, I think we'll both re- realize quickly the same thing. There are so many bad quarterbacks or just like incompetent quarterbacks or quarterbacks that you just wouldn't want to go to battle with. After you get through like six or seven that you feel really confident about, there's probably another Five to ten, like after you get to about halfway through the teams, maybe to fifteen, you're starting to really like. I, I don't. I wouldn't want that Drop guy to drive. Yeah. yeah, like I would. I want to trust that guy late in the game. And so, you know, you there are some upside. You, you're always going to kind of take swings on guys that seem like they have a little bit of upside. Unfortunately, what we've seen with Sam is that I think sometimes you just develop such bad habits that you can't get out of them. And when things get a little bit difficult or there's a little bit of pressure, he just he looks so bad. He looks way worse than than like the average quarterback looks with pressure. And he looks good to above average when there's a clean pocket and he's able to move around. He can make throws. He has a really strong arm. But as soon as things go a little off script, he's in so much trouble. And you can't have that be your franchise guy in the NFL because you're never going to be able to have things stay on script. No, no. It's, it's like, I will never forget my buddy sent me this interview that Darnold did. And as soon as I heard it from the combine, I was like, this guy doesn't have it. Like, I mean, just, I, 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 I'll have to find the, the text message I got and send it to you from my buddy, but the audio clip, but it was, I could just tell this guy didn't give it. Um, in terms of the game, there's certain people. I just don't lay points with, and that's what Matt Ryan is to me right now in his career. I just don't lay points with Matt Ryan. I didn't do it last week. Um, I can't do it this game. And there's no way in hell I'm taking points with Sam Darnold. Um, If P.J. Walker was announced the starter, I would contemplate taking the Panthers. 
But right now, this game is just a pure stay away from. And it. And, it, and the problem is too is like you were saying is like if PJ Walker and, and this if they came into a season or off of a bye with PJ Walker and had given him reps and had let the guy run an offense and get com- comfortable and familiar with it, then sure. And but they're not going to do that because right now. They don't they don't have the kind of time in the middle right now to do something like that. And unfortunately, he didn't look as good as he could if he was put in a better situation last week because he's just not like a great thrower of the ball. You know, he's not gonna just drop back and be a great thrower. And they when they're getting behind, they're trying to do too much of that right now. They just it was this I gotta say, I like their coaching staff, but I was a little bit disappointed in, you know, in what they did. When McCaffrey went down It's never easy when your best player Who everything revolves around goes down But they just They didn't really get creative at all They didn't try to do anything outside the box They didn't try to buy themselves time There were a lot of winnable games still That they, that they you know, spit out um, I'm, I can't play either side in this game You know, they couldn't run the ball The Panthers last week Defensive lines failed to create consistent pressure um, it, it, You know it was five to three at half. They didn't score a point in the second half. They got blown out uh, to a bad, depleted Giants team too. And then the Falcons, they get the game-winning field goal kick last week. They very easily could have lost that game, but they're quietly three and three, and will probably get to four and three, and then put themselves right in the playoff picture, which is which is absolutely crazy, just which nuts, is like, which is crazy, but just nuts because you a know team, a team that's going to be in the mix with them right now. Is a team like the Vikings And you, you look at the Vikings schedule And it's brutal coming up Who the Vikings have like the next four or five weeks We'll get to them in just a little bit um, Yeah, no play here for me uh, 40, 46 and a half uh, or so is the total there Falcons a three point favorite They've clicked up It was two and a half ish uh, The last couple days As uh, we get to Big rivalry game here, Browns-Steelers Now what do we know right now about the quarterback situation For the Browns? This game is they, Browns minus 3.5 over under 42 Um, Baker was limited today in practice There's been no official Official like, hey, he's playing or not playing He was just a limit He was just limited in practice That's the only thing that I was able to find out So the the conversation about this game, I think, is an interesting one because this is one game that you and I were talking a little bit about the other day, um, back and forth messaging, and this is one of the one of the struggles I have as a gambler, uh, as a better when when there's a game like this, when we have a I'm looking at this game and the spot and the number, I I probably want to lean Pittsburgh, I, I you know at three at Pittsburgh plus three and a half. I feel like these two teams in a divisional game, you know, the Browns are still decimated with a lot of injuries. And if Baker plays, who really knows how, you know, healthy he is going to be? Um, and, and if he doesn't play, I know a lot of people are on the like Keenum might be as good as Baker thing. I can understand if you think that, you know, from a fit for your team standpoint, spending a lot less on a quarterback than having to pay Baker max. I can understand that. I just don't think Keenum is like as good as Baker. I think Baker definitely has your gives you a much higher ceiling than than Keenum does. Um, just like this year moving forward, if Baker's healthy. But so that's what that's what's hard for me as a gambler here because you and I hate the Steelers this year and coming into this year, I don't think they're very good. I still look at their record and they're another team where it's like 
they're three and three. If they win this game, this is going to be another one of those freaking Steelers years where it's like, oh my gosh, they're four and three, and again, like right in the playoff picture when they had a kind of bizarre win against the Bills in Week One, and their other victories have been just sort of those head scratching ones where you're like, oh, they played kind of a banged up Dolph or a banged up uh, Broncos team, and I they got beat up by the Bengals. I don't think they're good, but I don't. I would not ever lay the Browns in this spot. I just don't know if inside of me, I'm like debating with, do I like the spot more than what I really think overall about the Steelers this year and coming into this year? This is one of my hardest game, like kind of games to play as a gambler. For me, um, I was taught by the guys that taught me this stuff. Like you just, you do your preseason reads and then you have to treat it like a completely different animal during the season. Like you, you just have to go week to week. Yep. You have to look at the numbers. You have to look at the situations. Yep. And that was the hardest lesson as a gambler, but the best lesson I learned. Yep. And I mean, this guy, Jason, this guy, Brad, I think these guys to death, I think those two guys. And I mean, those guys are like, um, I made the comment about um, young coaches, like bringing on an older guy to like, kind of teach them the ropes and everything those guys taught me so much shit when I was like in my in my 20s to my, even my 30s and I you know I still talk to the guys these days like hey what do you think of this just because like sometimes I feel I get so analytic and those guys have been around so long just simple basic stuff yep I just completely just kind of look over you know yep. and that's why it's important like these guys you just got to be able to Talk to guys and like the more guys have been around the game, the more they know. They may say some crazy ass shit, but they just they no. Just you get it's, you get a feel. You know, it's like a feel yeah. that that some of the older the older generation of players have just like a sense of like this. Yep, this is the one to play again, and that's the thing that we all kind of start to learn the more and more we play. And so this is just one of those weird games for me where like it would not shock me if the peeler the Steelers just get beat because I just don't think they're that good. But the spot tells me that. And then that number, so I definitely would never lay the Browns. I think you said you already locked in the Steelers at plus three and a half. Is that right? I'm and they're waiting, coming off the bye, right? Is, yeah, because this this is what I'm thinking here. I'm thinking if Mayfield plays, this game's going to go up to four. And with how many missed extra points, you know, key numbers of six and four are starting to become more and more. Um, so I'm going to wait to see if he plays. Because if he plays, I really think a banged up, Mayfield isn't as good as Case Keenum. Yeah, if he's like banged that, up. No. Yeah, that injury he had last, like, when he just kind of fell. I mean, that was, like, really, like, nothing. You know what I mean? So, I want to see if he's playing or not, because I think if he plays, I can get a better a better number. Um, This is the ultimate revenge spot, too. I love backing teams to have the revenge spot from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we were, Steelers got their fucking asses kicked in that playoff game. And that was he a... Did. They that did. was an embarrassment. And the funny thing was, it was like, that was right um, during the, the playoffs. And the girl that I was dating at the time was from Pittsburgh and went to Ohio State. And, like, Ohio State got murdered by Alabama that Monday. So, she like, it was hilarious because, like, she was – that was a rough time for her because, like, she was this huge Steelers fan, went to Ohio State, hated it, dude. It was kind of funny. Um, But anyway, like, I'm looking at the numbers here. Skafanski – Last year, 0-6 against the spread against the AFC North. Uh, Tomlin is 40-20 and 20 as a dog, 67%. 
Big Ben as a short dog, that is three and a half or less, is 67% against the spread. Every number in the book I'm t- I look at tells me to play the Steelers. This is a rivalry game, a revenge spot. I'm not saying that the Steelers will win, but I could easily – I see this game as a 24-21, 17-14, yeah. one of those ugly-type grinding games. Yep, that's what they both want to do. Yep. They both want to just take the air out of the ball. Neither one of these teams want to make you have a bunch of possessions. They just want to run, 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 run the clock, um, you know, nothing fa- fancy, nothing flashy, and get out of there. The yeah, the next three games for the Steelers. So they've got Cleveland and then they got the Bears and the Lions. Like they could they could win this game and have an opportunity to get to six and three. So let me like one of my buddies like told me this. Now tell me what you think of this. His thing was like DraftKings and FanDuel have the cash out option. Like right now, the Steelers are now this is something I would never do. Steelers are 20 to 1 to win it all. He said, put money on the Steelers to win it all. If they if they win their next three games, then cash out. Yeah, because then then it'll flip back and the schedule will get yeah. tougher because yeah. they haven't that had. Was, the, that, that's what yeah. he did, and he was trying to talk me into it. It's I not, just, but that's a smart play. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, yeah. I'm yeah, I'm not. That's not my type, but that's that makes sense. You understand why why that's something to be done. They're number sixteen overall in DVOA. Uh, or c- coming into last week, they were number 20, 16. They were the number seven. Uh, number twenty offense, number nine defense. Uh, overall, the Browns they coming off that Thursday night win against the Broncos. They had to fill in running back Johnson, who ran really well and kept them in that game. He had twenty two carries, one hundred forty six yards, two two receptions, and twenty two yards. He broke five tackles, and the Browns had all five of their offensive linemen play the entire game because they had a couple injuries, and they they played pretty well. They they did their best. Um. Denzel Ward, you know, they're banged up now in some of the key spots. That's something to keep an eye on, too, for the Browns. He left, he hurt his hamstring. He was ruled out of that game quickly uh, last week. And they had nine penalties for 60 yards. This is something that Stefanski really has to work on. The Browns are now fourth from the bottom of the league with 49 total penalties in, in their seven games. But they are actually number one in the league in penalty yards. They have the most penalty yards this year, 488 total penalty yards. If you're a good team and you're going to be in a couple close games, I mean, the the Browns put themselves in such a bad spot in the first quarter against Arizona because of those penalties. They it was what seven or eight in the whole, in the first quarter. It was yeah. and they were and they were just done. It was pass interference, and there were a couple that were bad calls that weren't, but. Then what ends up happening is you have one, you do one or two stupid things, and then you sort of get that reputation that the refs are going to continue to kind of pick on you, you know? Yeah, yeah. They just they still make silly mistakes. I mean, at the end of the day, that's it. It is important to know that I personally, I would never, I locked that in. You and I locked that in. I think I was a three or whatever. I never would have played that game if I knew both their tackles were out. They no, were I never would have played that game. No, and I mean, like, I think like. Them not having their tackles really, you know, was was the thing and, you know, was, you know, what happened and everything. So I just, yeah, it is what it is, you know, but I just, yeah, they just make too many mistakes. I really, you and I debated this back and forth for a while. I don't think you can win with Baker, um, but yeah, I think I love their defense. I love their running game. You know, they're getting chubbed back, but all the numbers and the situation and the revenge spot. All that tells me, gotta lock in the Steelers plus the three and a half. 
We're going to get the Brownies making a little uh, little run to the Super Bowl later this year with Baker running around slapping people's asses, and I'm just going to be loving it. I'm going to be loving it, and we'll probably make some money along the way because we, we'd probably be able to get the Browns in some, some good uh, underdog spots with some nice value along the way. As uh, I'm looking for in this next game, this to me, win or lose this next game. This is like the ultimate spot that, you know, eight, ten years ago when I was younger coming up and was not un- really understanding as much about betting and what you have to do. I would have always wanted to play the Bengals in a situation like this and just go, wow, the, the Bengals looked so great last week. Like, they're just awesome. Now they play the Jets and the Jets are really bad and the Jets are going to have their backup quarterback coming in and – and man, the Jets looked so bad. They gave up 50 plus points to the Patriots last week. Win or lose, Eric, the Bengals are as highly valued and overvalued right now as they will be coming off of their win last week where they beat the crap out of the Ravens because the Ravens were coming off their big win where they just beat up the Chargers. I could never lay. Ten and a half points myself with the way that I play With a team like the Bengals This this should be Something around six or seven At the most If it, if it got to anything over a touchdown In, a, in a, another one of these games Where it's like the total's 43 They're a ten and a half point favorite on the road In a 43 point Game Coming off of a really big emotional win You beat your big brother A team that's kind of picked on you You look awesome and you beat them up this has got to be one of the flatter spots you could possibly imagine for the Bengals. Now, you and I always talk during Sunday about lines we see and everything. Guess what this line was Sunday, like during the games? It was like six and a half, seven, right? No, dramatically lower. It wow. was Bengals at 12 o'clock kick at all the way up all day. It was minus one and a half for the Bengals. That's what it opened at last week. Minus one and a half for the Bengals Okay And then boom Money just started pouring in 24th End of the day on the 24th Which was Sunday It was eight and a half 25th got up to nine and a half And now it's And then uh, The 26th It got to ten and a half So I mean it's just been But this Like I get Zach Wilson is hurt is Zach Wilson worth nine? Well, that's the that's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how much of a downgrade <laughs> is any is is replacement player over Zach Wilson? And I mean, right? it's like mind boggling to me, like nine points. You know what I mean? And like, and they're like actually the- like Mike White. He- here's the thing: there is a little bit of a variable that this guy might be okay because he here's might the thing. be competent. Wilson likes to do is he likes to chuck the ball down the field. Mike White's more of a dink and dunker, dump it off and everything. Hopefully won't have a bad turnover or, you know, as many bad turnovers like Wilson will try to get. Yep, and against a defense that likes to bring pressure, like the Bengals do, they like to try to get after you, that's what you need, someone that's going to try to get the ball out of his hands quick. And, I mean, it's not that, like, not that bad of a matchup. I'm not saying, like, that's, like, you know what I mean? It's not... It fits the scenario about what they need to do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's a dirty number. Like, my buddy E is in this group chat. He loves it when I say I'm going to get dirty. I'm getting dirty this week, man. Yeah, you know, this is – I'm taking the the Jets here. 
Bengals are coming off what? What is it? Their biggest win in what? How many years? Like four, five, six? 41-17. Unbelievable. And, and they were good. And they're, and they're playing really well right now. I'm, I'm not saying they're a bad football team. This isn't a me thinking the Jets are a better football team. This is the ultimate letdown spot. You see that Jets team over there. It's a, it's a mental thing. They're, we're all humans. You see that them on your schedule. You know that you just went to Baltimore and beat up Baltimore. And you know that they've got a backup quarterback coming in. And your defense has been strong. And so, it, uh, you know, Chase has been awesome. Chase has been great. He had 201 yards and uh, a touchdown. He's five explosive plays, seven first downs, and a touchdown. He destroyed Marlon Humphrey. He's on pace for 80 receptions for 1,700 yards. And almost 14 touchdowns. Only seven I mean, rookies like, ever have even come like 50 receptions, 1,000 yards. He's been great. Azuma looked really good. They ran the ball fine. Their D-line was excellent. They sacked Lamar a bunch. I, that's when I love to play against the team because it seemed like a lot of their offense was humming. Their defense was very good. They have more sacks so far this year than they did in all of 2020. It's the first time they've ever beat Lamar Jackson at, since he's been around. You have to play against them, especially to, you, once this crept over a touchdown, and especially once it crept into the double digits. But the thing is this is like a they have the Browns on deck, another big rivalry. They're going to play the Lowson Jets. This is exactly the spot where we played the Titans and we cashed the Titans on the money line a couple of weeks ago. Like what was that, week two, week three, whatever it was. Now, this is what you have to do. You have to like just go a week. It's a week to week league. You play the number, you play the situation. I this was one and a half. A week ago you know what I mean Like Zach Wilson isn't worth nine points Everyone's just dramatically Overreacting I'm gonna Wait you know I have my alert set Up there was this down to ten I'll play it but I'm gonna wait I think I Can get more I'm gonna be on the Jets Best number I can get stays Anything above ten I'm locking in and I'm gonna sprinkle a little bit on the money line because 23 and oh straight up On spreads that are over Seven and a half or over this year, that's not going to be attainable. No, this is the week we're going to see the big upset. I and this one game. shouldn't have been, shouldn't be this high as it is. This thing I mean, should who are be the Bengals. like literally, like who are the Bengals? You know what and, I mean? And They're like, just laying three against see, the road of Detroit. They yeah, should have lost see. the game. They should have lost the Jaguars in week whatever, two, three, whatever. So this just, thing should be in the four or five range, honestly. Right? Yeah. Like that's that's where it should be. And that's where it would feel like, ah, okay, I don't feel like I need to play the Jets if it's there, right? Because yeah, they'll probably cover by a touchdown or, you know, they could be really flat. I, like I said, this is the gimme game that everybody's taking in their survivor. And I didn't because this game scares me. I wanted to stay away from him. I just, I still don't know if this is the kind of game that Zach Taylor can have them ready for, you know, to, to come out firing. And maybe it's just the case that they're a young team and they're fired up that they're not. Like a veteran team that thinks that thinks so much of themselves yet, you know. So maybe they, they don't do, want anything. They yeah, so, want one goddamn thing. And, and so maybe yeah. they come out and know that too, and they just play well, and they're better than the Jets, and they win and they cover. But I would never lay those points. And in a, every time there's a number that jumps that much, you gotta take it. You gotta yep. take. Got it. Play the number. You play the situation, and that's what we're gonna do this weekend. One game and one little uh, note from for the Jets, just for like one little tactical thing. Now Wilson did get hurt on a pressure last week, 
But they only allowed uh, six total pressures from the offensive line They're improving a little bit And if they just are a little more uh, competent Just a little bit better A couple less sacks, a couple less pressures That'll really help someone this week Like a uh, you know, like a Mike White who's going to be back there against a, a Bengals front that will put a little pressure on you. So Hilltopper some... legend, dude, Western Kentucky's finest. Yeah, Mike White. As uh, we move along to a really important divisional game, and this number has moved uh, a little bit throughout the week, huh, Eric? Because this was Tennessee favored earlier in the week by I think about one, even some spots, maybe even like two, and now it's up to the Colts. Minus two and a half The Titans are coming off of Two really good wins for them I mean they absolutely destroyed the Chiefs And they did it by Holding the Chiefs to only three If you would have said that the Titans beat the Chiefs Like it it was a game In the 30s or if it was like 40 To 20 something you know where they both scored a bunch Of points that wouldn't have surprised me But the fact that they Allowed the, the Chiefs to only three was pretty impressive They beat the Bills the week before And so they feel to me like another team That is kind of at the peak of their value This is a team in a game though That it's now up to Colts minus two and a half If you got the opportunity to lock this in Earlier in the week Where you know I, I was able to lock in the Colts I just took a, a money line when they were at plus one It's up to, to minus two and a half now And you and I were talking about Possibly another bet to make You know if you like the Colts winning this game a good bet to make would be, you know, locking in the Colts to win the division before this week because this would give them, you know, an opportunity to to really even things out. Just feels like a game to want to play against Tennessee. I mean, they look great. Scored on all five first half possessions. They were up twenty seven nothing at half. Tannehill was awesome. Twenty one for twenty seven. A touchdown, interception, ten yards per reception. He finished with an adjusted completion percentage of over eighty percent. Play action, he was awesome. Couple big time throws, 173 yards. He even threw an interception in the red zone. Like they could have won that game by even more. Um, Henry was great again, 102 total yards, 86 yards rushing, 29 carries. They didn't really have to dominate the run that much because they were up so big early on. AJ Brown looked good. He looked back to himself, 133 yards, eight receptions, three explosive plays. The D line was great. They just destroyed the Kansas City offensive line 30 pressures, 5 sacks All that tells me to play against the Titans this week um, Exactly I mean, they know. beat the Bills they, They're coming off back-to-back wins The Bills in overtime And then a short week being, being Kansas City um, Kansas City to me Like, I said it during our pregame um, speech Like, I wasn't I think I had Both were under days, I think. On their yeah, unders and, Yep um, Defense is worse than I thought it would be. Offensive line with the I thought it was going to be a lot better. Stuff's just not clicking. Nope. You know, and it shows the Ravens were smart not to move Orlando Brown over mm-hmm. to the le- to the to the blind side where he wanted to be because you know what, not that good. Um, yeah, th- that game toward me spoke more of Kansas City's issues than the Titans. Colts are shocked. I think Titans Colts are second DVOA against the run, so I think they'll be able to limit. Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor's playing at an insane clip. Um, oh, actually, I, I misspoke. Colts are one DVOA against against the against the uh, against the run. Colts run defense; they're giving up 103 yards per game. I think this is going to be a heavy Jonathan Taylor game. They're going to ground and pound it. And I said it the last time they played. Colts have dominated this series. I mean, you look back at the game they played in Tennessee. Carson Wentz had what? 
two sprained ankles. Um, Tennessee needed what, like three turnovers, and like the Colts, like go getting in inside the five twice and going for it and not scoring to barely win that game. Um, yeah, this this game for me is all Colts, all Colts. I locked in at plus one and a half. I took them to win the division. I think at like plus three hundred, three is either plus three fifty or plus four hundred. Because this is going to be the same thing. If they win this game, it's going to drop. I messaged you before the Bengals game because we both like the Bengals money line. We do the we same take thing. The Bengals, yep. yep, we should take the Bengals at ten to one here to win, to win the North because it's going to drop to two to three to one. And this morning's at plus two fifty. So if you see like a situation like this, you always want to like look ahead and try to get a good future. Number. Especially if you didn't get the benefit of the the line here with the Colts, and you're like, ah, eh, you know what? I I didn't get them earlier, and I I necessarily don't want to. Take two and a half or maybe even three If it gets there but I do Still like them let's play them in their Division price now Before this week you know that that could be a way To still get some Colts money if you Don't want to get the the worst of the number Right now this is another one Of those teams where you dig into Eric Um, We like them early Early when we talked about the season and then Everything that went wrong for them in The preseason and in uh, training Camp injuries Offensive line issues Bunch of COVID stuff where they were missing key players I mean, right off the bat T.Y. Hilton's hurt Wentz hurts both of his ankles Ever since, you know About two weeks after the uh, the ankle injuries He's just seemed a lot more comfortable Confident, light on his feet He's been kind of planting And throwing the ball down the field a little bit more You know, last week it, Last week, the stats and the numbers Were sort of hard because that was a really Weird wet weather game for them That they still came away with And they honestly They they did dominate that game They won the time of possession by almost 8 minutes They just had 4 fumbles as a team In the wet weather So I don't you don't blame them as much when it's wet like that They ended up losing 2 of them And Wentz was in a situation where he just had to throw it up sometimes So there were a little more turnover worthy plays than normal But tough to be too hard on them They got the win in that spot And this is a big spot for them To try to you know Turn their season around I mean it looked early on like they were going to Be in a situation where it might be Let's call it quits early and tank But now dig into their games Should have beat the Ravens They were up big there The the kicking issues are the reasons why the reason why they didn't win that game And they probably should have beat the Rams Drove down Was it three times inside the 10 to the was so brutal Rams game and didn't score And they ended up losing that game by a field goal And, and still covering You You were on them that week And those two games flip the other way. It's just brutal. You know, brutal, and brutal, brutal. Those are two good teams that the Colts were right there battling with. They're one of those teams when, you know, you some some teams you look at games and weeks and it's like, what the hell happened that week? They're just kind of games that you put a line through and you, they don't make sense. With the Colts, you go week by week for them. Like every one of their games makes sense. What happened? You look at it. Yeah. You go, oh, well, they I didn't play that well, but they were kind of banged up. Or they, you know, oh, well, they played pretty well, and they actually could have won that game. It's just their form is is easy to, to decipher. It for, That doesn't mean they're going to come and win this game, but every game you look back on, you go, oh, that's why they won. That's why they lost. It's not like these some of these teams, like I said, you, you watch the Saints sometimes, and it's like, how the hell did they win that game? Or you watch it, you know, you're like the Eagles are like, they covered? There, what the hell just happened? You know, they they were down by so at least the Colts feel kind of like uh they're getting back to where we thought they might be. As and important move. for the Colts, they got Go Nelson back um last week, which helped offensive line. 
they're getting Smith back. So their offensive line is finally fully healthy, which is really going to help against this Tennessee front four. Let's get to 49ers, Bears. 49ers are a four-point favorite on the road here. Total on this game, 39-and-a-half. The 49ers are also coming off that uh, game we just talked about with the Colts where just they didn't look very good. They had four turnovers in the loss. Again, I won't be too hard on them for the turnovers in the wet weather. Jimmy G didn't look great. Um, oh, the thing that I, I'm starting to get more and more disappointed in with this team is, is Shanahan because they opened the game up, and Elijah Mitchell – is just running all over the Colts. You even tweeted out, great start for the Colts, because it's like, this guy just runs right down their throat. They cannot stop him. And then the Colts turn the ball over right away. And we're going, oh my gosh, there's no way. And then they just stopped running the ball with him. I don't know what, it was like, Like, what are you, if they just handed it off to him 35 times, they would have won that game. The Colts couldn't stop him. It just doesn't make sense. And, like, I I said it when, like, you and I were on earlier today um, about the Packers and their run defense. Some of these coaches just get too goddamn cute. Cute. You know, yeah, know. You know what I mean? Like, the Packers, for the last three games, are giving up 5.5 attempts rushing. Edmonds and Connor right now have seven rushes, and we're in the fourth, starting the fourth quarter. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't How are they so not— how are we huh. looking at that, knowing <laughs> that, and these coaches not, right? It just doesn't make sense to me. Like, you attack you attack the weakness. It just I, – I just don't get it. Um, Shanahan, look, I have never seen a guy lose as much as he does and get as much credit. I was looking at his career coaching record. It's 44%. He's got the one good year, right? 44 – yep, 44%. The and one good year where like, he blew – and he blew the Super Bowl that year. This They're, guru analytic guy, and he doesn't even win half his games. They and even got just, lucky on that play where they kicked the ball into the end zone and it ended up being a touchback. That could have that could have destroyed them. They, they it was what it was like one of those weird rules in the rule book where it's like the 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 kick returner made a, a bonehead play by accidentally touching the ball instead of just staying away from it, but he got lucky. And they get a touchback there It could have very easily been a touchdown the other way He has They're two and four now right He hasn't been the same play caller And they've got these weird issues now With with like Ayuk and with Sermon What's happened with them You, you, you know you spend high draft capital On some of these players and they can't get in the lineup Or they There's weird stuff about their behavior Or I just don't get good feels Coming out of them And the- I I'm taking the the Bears here at plus four. He's at home. supposed to be some. Oh yeah, he, for sure. I mean, he's supposed to be this offensive type genius. And I mean, they had that one game. I'm spacing it to they scored 41 points. Uh, after that game, they've only gone gone. To was the Eagles? Points. No, no. It was it was at the, the it was the Lions. Before. Lions. Was it the, right was the, yeah the Lions? Yeah. The right off the bat, the and the Lions came yeah. all the way back and still yeah. covered and almost won late. In the, they you know late yeah. Yeah, they've only scored after that game. They've only gone over twenty points once, because they scored so many points. They're averaging eighteen points a game, and this guy's supposed to be this like offensive genius. Like what? Like you know what I mean? It just physically just doesn't make sense to me. It's like as soon as you get in this guy's doghouse, your career's done there. I mean, it happened to uh, a couple years ago. The kid from SMU, Dante Pettis. This kid was all over the place, and then he got in the doghouse. Just boom, completely done. And then um. And then Sermon's in the doghouse, and um, 
I, like you mentioned, Brandon Ayuk's in the doghouse. It's like he just doesn't – you know what I mean? Once you get there, you're just stuck there, it seems. Um, Trent Williams, I don't know if he's going to play. That's big for the offensive line. Um, and as crazy as it sounds, I think the Bears are going to be more locked in with Nagy's asset not there. I agree. We don't like Nagy. Quit. And yeah, think about he, the last couple years, right? When Cliff was gone, who we didn't love all that much, they played the Arizona was fine. Um, it, you know, I like we like Stefanski and think he's a, a, one of the better coaches. In Cleveland was fine without him when he had to miss in the playoffs last year too. I think they sometimes you missing a guy like him. There's just like a little less pressure. Lasers fine calling the plays, and you know maybe they just. They're coming. They're really undervalued right now because they just got the crap kicked out of them. That was an ugly game last week. They were down so big so early, so early in that game. It was like, oh, they're down twenty-one nothing. It's like three scores and the game is just over in the first. Quarter, I mean, like, oh, you could kind of see that coming because Jalen Johnson tweeted out the letter he got from Nagy, fining him like fifteen twenty grand for being like three minutes late. And like, I started thinking, I was like. God damn, dude, like, to do that to a coach basically says you've quit. You know what I mean? And I really think, yeah. like, the co- him not being there is actually going to help. These guys are actually going to fight. And, like, that's what we like to do. We like to take the Bears at home. Bears are a completely different team, home versus away. I love the Bears here. I'm going in the Bear Cave. Looking at Shanahan, Shanahan, as a coach, is 32% against the spread as the favorite. You know, that's all you need to know right there. I mean, how do you not love them here? I love the Bears here. I'll take the four, and hell, I'll, if it gets over plus one fifty, I'll sprinkle on the money line too. The Bears are number eight overall in defensive DVOA, and the the Bears defense last week. This is another one of those things where were the Bears ever going to win that game? No, but their defense ends up looking worse than it was because they faced six short fields because of the offense. The offense had three interceptions. They got sacked four times, and they kept putting the defense in this horrible spot. Any defense is going to break when it's a short field every time. Five of the six scores for Tampa came on drives starting on short field. And, and you the know, thing that, the, the thing that doesn't get me is like, I hate to reference another girl, but the girl I'm hanging out with now, um, she was watching the games with me, and she's like, why don't they just this guy pretend he's gonna block and then go where there's nobody at? You know, and this girl doesn't know football at all. And you're like, you know I know I mean? like, that's what they like, should be doing. That's what they. I'm like, Ange, that's what they should be doing, girl. Like, Nagy's <laughs> just a dumbass. Yeah, and like her who knows nothing about football, she's able to disciple that. It's just, just absolutely, positively mind-boggling to me. Fields, uh, poor guy, man. He's he's on the uh, pace to be sacked the most times ever as a rookie quarterback. He's been sacked 20 times in five starts, and uh, the record for a rookie quarterback is 31. They have to have to find a way to get Allen Robinson the ball, man. He had two receptions for 16 yards last week. I think in my fantasy football rankings, he's like in the 40s. Like, it's like, how are I, you not? I, I'm playing in the one of the leagues we're in. I, I benched him for Randall Cobb tonight. Thank God. You have to. I, how could you play him? I mean, how it's just mind-boggling to me how they're not giving this guy any effing love. Uh, let's continue along. Uh, talking NFL Sunday games, we move up to uh, another big point spread here where we got the Rams, a 14-and-a-half 
Point favorite on the road And uh, the total in this game is 47.5 They're playing the Houston Texans And it looks like they're going to be getting Tyrod Taylor back Do we know, he's off IR Do we know if he's going to play for sure this weekend? They haven't said, and I'll be honest Like, If Tyrod's in I'm totally locked in on the Texans Absolutely Like I know like Twix tweeted out F this bullshit when Ingram was traded But look, Tyrod This was astronomical to me Tyrod went out in the second half of the second game. The Texans haven't scored as many touchdowns as they had during that stretch. When, that stretch. You know what I mean? It was just mind-boggling to me. He was they were playing really well against the Browns. They yeah. were playing and well against the Browns. He's a, competent, he's a competent quarterback, you know, and he's, gonna, he's not going to turn him a, the ball over. He's going to put him in a position to win. Not not position to win, but position to play a competitive game. And this is kind of a flat spot for the Rams, man. You know what I mean? Playing the AFC Texans. I mean, I don't. You know, off the top of your head, who do they have? Um, yeah, I'll pull it up right back? now. I know they. Yeah, I'll, I'm pulling it up right now. Um, I agree. It's kind of like the the last week's game was was sort of an emotional game too because you had Goff coming back. They were down early, have to end up coming back. It was it was everybody talked about Goff. It was also a you know, a Stafford probably emotional game too, playing against the team that he had, you know, been against for a while. So the Rams have Tennessee coming up uh, the week after, and then San Francisco, and then oh, the so I mean, like Tennessee. Yeah, I mean that's another. I yeah, mean, nothing, like nothing San Francisco too, yeah, or like yeah. the Arizona, but nothing too much. But I mean, like it could kind of be like a little bit of a sleepy type spot, and like yep, very much. I don't know. I kind of like. Yeah, I. I like the Texans here, but I can't back long neck Mills anymore. Anymore. Like, I, I, I played like, him a few. Like, yeah, I did it a few times. And if he would have won me that money line against the Patriots, oh my God, I would buy that guy's jersey and I would like donate money to whatever foundation he has. But yeah, I just, I just can't burn against, money. Like last week in that spot against the Cardinals, that was exactly the, the template and the game script. For what we the anyone that played against the Cardinals was hoping and wanted, it was like ugly early. They got a safety. They were up like five to nothing. That there was like seven to five, and Arizona got a third and twenty seven, and then they scored a touchdown right after that. It's like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? And they could not move the ball at all on offense. They were so ugly. They were five nothing. They allowed thirty one straight points. They only had one hundred and sixty total yards, three point three yards per play. Eric, they had eight first downs. Some teams get that on awful. in a drive. Some teams can get awful. that in one drive. And but I mean, like at the first quarter, the game was still any midway through the first half. It was still competitive. In it was seven quarter, to five with two minutes and forty five <laughs> seconds left in the first half, and they gave up the third and twenty three. It was a they gave up a forty one yard pass. Then they scored a touchdown. Right at right afterwards, and now all of a sudden, instead of seven five when you're in it, and Arizona would have probably had to punt at fourth and twenty three, they they're down fourteen to five, and then it's over. Mills had zero big time throws. He failed to surpass one hundred and fifty yards passing. He had four point seven average depth of target. He got sacked three times. They had eight penalties for eighty yards. They lost the time and possession. Still should have covered that game. And if Tyrod's in there. I think they have an opportunity to cover the game this week, but if it's Mills, oh, I'm just staying away. Yeah, if it's Tyrod, I'll be invested, but if it's not, I'm just I'm just staying away and just letting it do the thing. So we uh, get to Jags Seahawks. So this one is at uh, 
three, three and a half. I think that's kind of key for me with this game because at three, I think that's where it should be. At two and a half, I actually would play Seattle. Uh, at anything over the the three, I would probably play Jacksonville. I don't think these two teams are equally as bad. Um, and and I, you know, Seattle's last couple weeks they've been in the games late. They've had chances to win against both the Steelers and the Saints. I, you know, Jacksonville's coming off the bye with Herb. Who knows what their prep is going to be like? So I don't, I don't know if I love like I'm when when there's a game like this where I'm so close to the line on either side, I probably stay away. I just do think that it probably feels like I, it should have been like four or five, maybe even with Geno Smith, because I just don't know how good the Jags are. Um, what about you? This this kind of feels like a game where you might be in on Herb. Dude, I'm telling you, man, like, I think in the future, like, you just need to have that Christina Aguilera song, Dirty, queued up. Yep. And I'm just going to say, time to I get can dirty. T- I know you now. I know some of your games. I know your style. You just, you just <laughs> cue that up, because, I mean, I'm being dirty here. This is me. I mean, and, and it's funny. There's, like, people that message, message me that listen to this. Oh, dude, the Jags again. You know what I mean? And, like, find the Jags again, man. You know, like, I look at this, and to me, don't get me wrong. I'm two and zero with backing Geno Smith. He did his dirty work for me, but now I'm off of him. In what world are we at when Geno Smith, even against the Jaguars, should be laying three points? Now, you don't want to. You don't want to lay. I mean? And for me, it's the hook. The hook yeah. is the key. Like at a field goal, I understand why he, they, if they say that they set this with with him there. But as soon as they start, they putting up the hook. If it gets, I saw it in a couple spots where it was two and a half. That felt like a game where. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't want to play the Jags at that spot. But if you're getting over a field goal in this situation, um, you know, the Jags do one thing pretty well. They have the number one run DVOA. <laughs> number one, the Jacksonville Jaguars, which y- you probably wouldn't have. Uh, I-, I guess they're number two. They're number. T- I think they dropped to number two after the bye last week. So Cleveland's up to number one. But heading into week seven, they were number one. And James Robinson was the number two overall running back based on DVOA, defense-adjusted yards above replacement. The guy was only ranked behind Derrick Henry. Um, They're coming off their first win uh, in Miami. Then they had the bye after that. So we'll see if uh, Herb can get them to win a few. They got Geno Smith in Seattle. Short week week for Seattle is, is what concerns me a little bit, too. You know, short week. Oh, for sure. And I was diving into the, some numbers here. Um, Jags average 121 yards rushing per game. That's 10th best in the NFL. Seattle is giving up 134 rushing yards per game. That's third worst. So, I mean, that's definitely a strength against a weakness. Um, James Robinson, his touches, he's up to, he's now the last three games having, averaging 17 carries a game. So he's definitely like, Urban's figuring it out. I have this guy here. This is my best guy. This is my chance to win. We need to give this guy their ball. I think they're going to be able to run on Seattle. I think it's a ground and pound. I'm going to have James Robinson in every single one of my DFS lineups. Him and DeAndre Swift, they're probably going to win me a million dollars this weekend. So I, I love the Jays here. I'm, I'm going to lock in the three and a half. I haven't done it yet. I think I can get a four just because people disvalue the Jags. But, yeah, I love them here. So this number in the next, this next game has moved a little bit over the last couple of days. Um, when I saw it, it was it was uh, Chargers around five and a half. 
It's now down to Chargers minus four. They're playing the New England Patriots. Total in this game is over under of 49. And it was a perfect time for the bye for the Chargers, right? Got your asses kicked. And you're you were feeling really good about yourself leading into that Ravens game. Then you get your doors blown off. So as a coach, it's perfect. You go into the bye with a ton of stuff to work on. A ton of things to make sure that your team is hungry and and to try to get focused on throughout. The the real key to me in a game like this is, you know, the we were just talking about, you know, matchups and and strengths. Well, it, as good as I think this Chargers team is and as good as you know, they have a chance to be. They are number 32 rushing DVOA, dead last in the league in in rushing def- in defensive rushing efficiency. And that's one thing that you think of New England wanting to do. And New England last week, their offensive line got healthier. So that's a big plus for them. They were mostly intact now. They will try just to run the ball a lot more against them. They got two of their starting offensive linemen back. They had no QB hits, and they had just one hurry uh, combined with those two players. They got back in over 80 pass protection snaps last week. They had 11 different receivers catch a pass. Five different receivers had over 40 yards. Mac Jones looked pretty good, and Belichick is such a dick. It was like, dude, you're. It was three minutes left to go in the game, and and the Patriots. He's throwing the ball with Brian Hoyer to get to 50. It's like, oh my God, really, dude? This isn't even your old badass Patriots days where like you were a really good team. Again, the reps, man. Again, some, the reps, dude. Some good teams could do that to them, you know? Like teams against this Patriots team could put a 50 spot on them if they wanted. That's just such a di- it's like, why throw some of your wide receivers out there to run an extra route? Just hand the freaking ball off if you score again, great. But don't throw the ball when you're up 47 to 13 with three minutes left. Um, I The number is starting to wor- concern me a little bit, though. Like, if, if you were telling me at the Patriots closer to, to plus six or closer to a touchdown, then, then yeah. At around four, with the Chargers off the bye, kind of feels like the, the Patriots had one of their big games last week. They beat up their rival. They Kick the crap out of them. They score 50 points. Now they're going to go and play a Chargers team coming off the bye. Um, I, I I told you, I actually had played the Chargers in my uh, Survivor because uh, I, I didn't have any other sort of obvious teams to, to jump in. And I, I, I think they're going to win this game. Like, I think they're better than the Chargers and they're coming off the bye. So I, I probably, I just don't, there are very few times, I think, for most people that are listening to this, like, how often do you hear me or Eric? Giving out or excited to play a team that's laying a lot of points, just very rarely. It's a rarity. It's, it's a rarity. rare. It, like, and, and so even in a spot like this, where it's like, yeah, if you t- if, if this was like a standalone game, or if this is like a playoff game or a Super Bowl, and I'm looking at it, like I probably I wanted a little action here and there, which is not what you you do as a gambler, and so you definitely don't do that week in week out. But I don't. No, I I I think the Chargers win. I think they win pretty handily, but I don't. I don't want to bet this game at that number. And so I'm kind of steering away. What do you think about this one? This, this game is a pass for me. I mean, excuse me. It's a great spot to play the chargers because they are, they got embarrassed in Baltimore. Then they had a buy. They're coming off the buy. Patriots just destroyed the, um, the jets. It's a great spot to play the chargers, but I just can't do it because you hit on the head. They can't stop the run. And that's what New England wants to do. New England wants to run the ball. So that's a big worry. 
another also, another the other worry go ahead. excuse me was uh, the special teams yes um, the chargers special teams terrible are they 32 dvo 32 31 they, yeah, Excuse they were me, they're, 31 they're last week, and now they've dropped to 32 in yeah. special teams DVOA. And it's the kicking situation, field goal point, field goal and extra point DVOA. They were number 30. They there are just a couple things that I think they really needed to fix. You know, they were you, you kept hitting on how they weren't that great on early downs, and yeah. on like first and second downs, and on they were forcing themselves into these third and longs and fourth and longs that are just impossible to to continue to complete at the percentage that they were and things are gonna sort of even out and for them it all came crashing down in that one game like it, it very rarely happens like that it sort of like evens out little by little throughout the year but for them it was just like oh back here we go you're not gonna you're not gonna get any of those thirds or fourth downs that you need this week they they have to get better in those situations if they want to be a very good football team they have to have you, you know what? I'm I'm aggressive, and you are too. And in, in what we would want the our coaches to do with play calling and with going for it and stuff. But you need a kicker, like you need. Yeah. There's you're just gonna need some situations where it's like, yeah, it's fourth and eight or it's fourth and ten. Like we have to kick a field goal here. We have well, to just take the. Well, they did sign. Um, what's his name? Uh, Dustin Hopkins, the guy okay. to be for the the football team. So the old guy capable. He's been there he's, before. He's okay. He is a huge upgrade, but he's not. A top 10, top 15 kicker But he's a definitely a big upgrade Of what they have And there's going to be a time Where they need to make a field goal To do something And that's going to be The million dollar question And so yeah I mean at this number It's four and a half I think it dipped a little bit Because Eckler missed practice today But I think that yeah. was just precautionary um, So yeah I wouldn't I, I This is a stay away for me Just a pure stay away I love the Chargers mm-hmm. I like them to go far In the In the uh, In the in the playoffs, but in terms of laying a number, I just can't do it. Yeah, and it started, it's even starting to kind of creep into some of Brandon Staley's play calling because we've seen some weird situations when it would have probably been smarter to just like late in the game, run the clock out, and then kick a game winning field goal, you know, with no time left on the clock. But he didn't even want to do that a couple times and he just said, screw it. I need to just go get up and then just that's what, that's how I have to play it. Cause I'd rather have Herbert and Eckler. The ball in their hands than this kicker Who may miss an extra Point so how do I trust him in this Situation and so they have to Get just okay In that area so that way Staley Can at least feel like he Could kind of coach a normal game You know not have to do some Weird weird things here and there uh, As uh, we move along A couple games left to talk about on the Sunday slate and in the Monday night game we got Bucks Saints here and this is another one um, very similar to that Pittsburgh game that you and I were uh, were talking about earlier in that I, overall, I do not like this Saints team. And I, for me, too, I'm a little like I don't necessarily even like the game they are coming off of. They won Monday 13 to 10. They didn't look great. They very easily could have lost that game to Seattle. And, and perhaps it was because they were looking ahead to a big game like this where they had, you know, the rivals coming up. A home game, a division game that they know is very important to them. They only had 300 total yards uh, just over last week. They had seven penalties for 90 yards. They only had three yards per rush. Seattle missed two field goals, which ended up being the difference in the game. Uh, the Saints were only one for four in the red zone. They only had 4.5 yards per play. Their entire offense in that game, Eric, was just dumping it off to Camara. That's it. Yep. 
That was the whole offense for them And they were in a situation where they were pretty lucky That they were playing another team that Wasn't that great offensively And the weather was sort of weird And it was just sort of a, a ugly schmoz of a game I think the Bucks are a much better team than them But the Bucks do have some issues The Bucks are a team where they just beat the crap out of the Bears So they're a little overvalued Probably most people are looking at this game Going oh yeah I'd much rather play The Bucks than the Saints I don't know how much it's reflected In the number I, I guess that's still a pretty good a good number For the Bucks on the road Like in the four and a half range It should probably be closer to a field goal I'd say um, So I'm, I, would, I wouldn't lay the number With the Bucks here The, the gambler in me wants to play the Saints I just don't think they're that good I I, I don't um, Yeah So I, I think you're probably you, you said earlier in the week to me you're, you're on the Saints side here And that's like if, if I had to make Force me to make a pick We're picking every game every spread or anything like that Or 20 bucks which way is it going Gino I would take the Saints plus the Four and a half at home and think that the Bucks Probably win a, a tight game here where You know Brady's got the ball Driving with a chance to win late and they Know score a touchdown or kick a field goal to win But I if you tell me That the Saints just aren't very good If like our preseason handicap Catches up in a game like this against A very good team that's sort of the Difference that I have in this spot versus The Browns spot I feel like I have A little more reasons to play Against the Browns there than Maybe I would with Tampa Probably still being one of the better teams In the league talk us into why you uh, You like the Saints here all right, so I locked in the Saints plus six and a half. No, excuse me, plus six. Yeah, great I number. Also got great number at plus two ten on the money line. Um, a the Saints are starting to get healthier. They're getting Gavin Davenport back in the defensive line, which is huge for them. Um, you look at these teams when they played last year. Um, Saints won thirty eight to three and thirty four twenty three four in the thirty four twenty three in the regular season. So I mean, they've had success against this team. Um, defensively, they've locked them up. They basically do have the same defensive guys back there. Um, and then you look at dog, 64% against the spread as a home dog. Bucks have faced only two teams that are top in the top DVOA teams in the season. Um, and they're 0-2 against the spread in both of those games. Bucks have struggled on the road this year. You look at their games against the Rams and the Eagles, struggled in both games. I think they just struggle on the road, and that's just who they are. I love them here. Um, Also, Saints lead the league in um, knockdowns. Um, So they're knocking down the quarterback. They're getting to the quarterback. I think they're going to be able to get to Brady. Playoff revenge angle. And I can make an argument. This this is a Halloween in New Orleans in that stadium. In in New Orleans, right, where people are just crazy as it is, and probably going to be dressed up in the weirdest cost, you know, like all sorts of weird stuff. Th- this might be just an insane crowd. <laughs> I can make an argument too that this is the best defense they're going to play against too. You know what I mean? Because how yeah. good is the Rams' defense without the back four? I mean, I absolutely love love the Saints here, so I, I lock that this bad boy in. Man, the Saints defense right now is the number three overall defensive DVOA, number six against the pass, number two against the rush. Very, very good there. And uh, yeah, this is a uh, one of the more marquee games on the week. This we'll get a better idea now of who this Saints team is. Like they're one of those teams where you go game by game, and like they could have maybe won one game this year. 
You know, the, even that game against the Patriots where it's like, oh yeah, they beat the Patriots up. Yeah, they got a pick six and then an, I think three interceptions from Mac and two of them gave literally gifted Tampa touchdowns right in the red zone. That wasn't like a game they played well. They played well in week one when it was more about the Packers playing poorly. They got crushed in that bad spot by the uh, by the Panthers. But then we can also flip around and say this team was playing their first few weeks and they weren't even practicing at home. That's a really tough spot to be in. They had a, all that natural disaster stuff to deal with and uh, family stuff. And so now they're probably kind of getting their legs, you know, coming off of a, a, a buy, uh, you know, coming off of a situation where, you know, you, you got a little bit healthy, you, yeah, this is, I, you know, this is going to be a good game. I just, I'm not sure if I can quite get in on the saints. I might, I might talk myself into it as we uh, move along to the Washington football team, Denver Broncos. And then every week, Eric, you know, like I, I have my um, sort of my kind of process when I'm when I'm uh, doing my rewatches is I usually will early Monday morning go through uh, my rewatches and as I I watch each game I'll uh, I'll just take little notes of things throughout the game that I notice plays or this happened or that should have been a penalty or that was this or that was that or you know just things that why aren't they doing this like you said somebody points out why weren't they running here and. I think every week this year And then so what I'll do is I'll watch him And then I'll go and I'll start to like Look at some of the like the Pro football focus and football outsiders Like box score recaps where they'll do, You look at like snap counts and Plays and they'll give you like a little bit of their DVOA stuff with those and they'll kind of Grade the players and so I'll see if what You know like meets my what I See with my eyes matches What some of the analytics and the numbers Say in the write-ups and Every week this year I think I've had the most notes About Washington Every game Because it's just Their games are like a circus They're Yeah it's just It's it's insane They lost 24 to 10 to the Packers In a game where they had More first downs More total yards More yards per play They won the time of possession By almost 6 minutes They were 0 for 4 in the red zone They had 2 total turnovers and it's just weird. It's like weird things. They're tied seven-seven with a chance to go up. They had a forty-two-yard field goal blocked, and the kicker for Washington. You just talked about how Washington uh, cut Hopkins. Do you know what the name of their new kicker is? Who? Blew it. <laughs> Blew it. It's like that's the guy you signed for Hopkins. You bring yeah. in Blew it. It's just like one of those things. There was a kid from from Kentucky a few years back named Chance. Poor he was the field goal kicker I was sitting here one night and I bet Kentucky and I needed them in like a money line situation And and Stephanie's sitting here watching The game with me and I'm all excited and she's like oh, Okay what, what do you need as a like, Kentucky wins They're gonna just kick and all of a sudden the, the, the announcer goes And here he comes for the game winning Kick chance Poor I was like you're shitting me There's no way that I gotta Count on chance freaking Poor to, to give me a game winning kick And now you get blew it Blew it for Washington Out there getting field goals blocked So they're down uh, they, Then they Blocked Green Bay's field goal But they can't score They turn it over on 4th and 3 at the Green Bay 27 So they're down 14-7 to start the second half They get the ball Second play Heineke fumbles They give it right back to Green Bay At the Washington 27 yard line So 3 plays later Green Bay scores a touchdown they get back into it. They're down 21-17. Washington goes on a 76-yard drive 
And I don't know if I've ever seen a quarterback do what Heineke did. He he had a wide open touchdown to run in, and he dove. There was nobody around. Idiot. Him. There wasn't Idiot. even like he didn't have to elude a tackler. There was there was nobody within five yards anywhere of him. Like he could have just run right in. It was sort of like when you see Lamar like do the flip into the end zone or a you know, guy. But Heineke sort of just dove. And honestly, the fact they called that a penalty was pretty absurd. That they said he was like giving himself up or whatever. But it was just. The stupidest thing I think I've ever seen So they end up getting stopped Instead of, you know, scoring a touchdown And going up, they end up getting <laughs> Getting stopped And and uh, it it's the uh, fourth and goal No, it would have been 21-7 Instead of cutting it to 21-14 there uh, They end up getting stopped on fourth and goal At the one, Green Bay punts the ball uh, Washington then drives 56 yards to the Green Bay Three yard line But they can't get a first down It's fourth and two, they get stopped at the three it's like this doesn't even feel real If I was writing this in a script for a movie You wouldn't believe it You know when like if I kept going with it On their next drive Washington moves it all the way down to the Green Bay 12 But they throw an interception on third and eight On the 12 yard line It's like it's not real how how these games happen But I mean like also but, on the flip side of this Like um Excuse me my buddy one of the old Old timers Jason made a statement to me He goes he goes dude he goes Goes back to the regression angle. Packers were one of the were, were the worst one in the red zone in terms of giving up points. So there was going to be that game. You know what I mean? Where stuff kind of regressed to the norm to the norm. Mm-hmm. You know, if yep. teams not scoring in the red zone, and it just happened to be when you and I were both on Washington last week, <laughs> which epic sucks. But you know what I mean? That goes back to the point you and I say stuff regresses and it regressed last week against Washington. This team, I just don't. It's just flabbergasting to me how bad this defense is with how much yeah. talent they have. Yeah. Offensively, that's fine. You want to say like Fitzpatrick isn't there and uh watch McCullough isn't the guy. That's fine. I get it. I understand it. You if you're all of their losses you were with, in like low scoring games yeah. that were defensive games, but they couldn't move the ball. I would totally get it if they were oh for the year and those were the way they lost. But I would not if you told me that they have the number 28 overall defensive DVOA that they were 29th in passing DVOA. And I, I just, I wouldn't believe it. I wouldn't believe it because even if you have bad coverage with the way that their defensive line is, you would just imagine that those guys are going to put so much pressure on that. It's going to make up for lackluster coverage. Yep. Yep. And it's just, it's, it's just my, like with all, like I said, they like, can't get the, to the quarterback, the linebackers can't cover shit. And what does this say about William Jackson? Like the Bengals defense last year was absolutely awful. This year it's actually pretty good. He goes to Washington and they're god awful. You know what I mean? Like, is this related to William Jackson? You know Jackson. what I mean? It, it kind of kind of makes you think it thinks a little bit. That in terms of like the Broncos, offensively, they just can't do anything. Like, I really think like they need to kind of like give Javante Williams the ball more. He's only playing 40, 40% of the snaps. Do you know who leads the NFL in running backs for broken tackles? Javante Williams. Williams. You know what I mean? Like, it just blows my mind. Like, and I will get, like, I don't think Chubb gets enough touches. I've been adamant about this, but that's because Kafanski understands that the running back position, you need to get a little rhythm. He gives Chubb a little run, gives Hunt a little run. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's pretty good about even it out. Like, 
with how Shermer and uh, Vangio cycle out um, uh, Gordon and um, and Williams, not, neither one of them can get any rhythm going at all. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, Bridgewater, Bridgewater is the guy that we like taking when he gets points. We don't like mm-hmm. laying points with Bridgewater. I can't lay points with Bridgewater. No, me neither. I think like they need to make this team needs a shot in the arm. And to me, it's simple what they need to do. I'm not saying Drew Locke's a long-term answer, but he's at least more explosive in offense. He'll throw the ball down the field, and he just gives the offense a different look, a different feel. Well, I, I and you think, gotta, you gotta, you gotta start Javante Williams. I mean, I that's what they gotta the, do to save it, save their season. Well, I, in my eyes, I think with some of the injuries on the defensive side for Denver, that they they may have to be forced to play a little more aggressive. You know, yeah. if if they had their whole team. And all their defense and the entire team that they had in those first few weeks, even because I feel similar to, with them to Carolina. Like I didn't think either of those teams are going to be Super Bowl contender teams, but they're they're not as bad as they've looked in the. They're they're a little bit better than they've looked in the last couple of weeks because those teams did get beat up by some injuries, and and they, I just we never who knows if they're going to ever get back to to where they were, but. Uh, yeah, I just I, I can't lay the points here. It's three. The total of this game is forty-four and a half. Uh, we got a bounce-back game last week for Terry Mack. We uh, and Antonio Gibson's playing with like a broken shin. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what, yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, is it, like your season's over. Like, and that's another thing. Like, how are they going to respond? Like, honestly, like losing that game, that means their season's over. Like, it would take an astronomical feat for them to make the playoffs right now. And as, it's just going to be interesting to see how they they recover, not recover, but like respond to that. As we see Green Bay literally spitting out this freaking game right here, where they got stopped on the one yard line or multiple times when they had the opportunity to put this game away two scores, and now, you know, it was the third down and long, and it almost looked like they got a safety, and then there was a third down and long, and Arizona gets it. It's like then you know they're gonna get they're gonna win this game, and I'm just gonna be fear. Oh, he almost snapped it over his head. Oh my gosh. So. uh you're getting some of the play-by-play here for the end of this Thursday night game. And I'm going to be – I like, I never play props, but, like, I, I was like, I can't give out stuff and not play him because I don't want to be that guy. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? And once you've so done like, the, the, the I, work to, like, look it up, you're like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to play this. And So, I mean, I played I, – I have Aaron Jones over 61 and a half yards. He's at 59 right now. Like, it's oh. like, Jesus Christ. But, you're hoping a field goal tie, and then you, yeah. you're probably good to go. Um so we'll see what ends up happening. I mean, they were, yeah, they got stopped right on the goal line a couple times, and that I was. I can't believe uh, they overturned that. Like, I, I know. Like, yeah, that's that's something that you don't see happen all that often. As, uh, yeah, the Denver team last week, Teddy didn't look that great. They do have a couple extra days off of that Thursday night game. Nine penalties from Keith Cleveland kind of kept them in the game. They struggled trying to contain Miles Garrett up front, and they've just. Now Johnson and Jewel are done for the year. Their linebacker group now is a major weakness. They are just so beat up. And right it now. was like my like a the Browns had their their tackles back, but watching Darius Johnson run, it was like slow, slow, slow. Linebackers bit. Oh, let me cut and go. You know what I mean? Like those linebackers they had in yesterday, which last week, were just absurdly bad. You know, it's just astronomically bad, but. You know, it's just, I don't know. Like, they they got some major issues going on. Sunday night football, Cowboys at the Vikings. And this this line has moved quite a bit because Dak's a little banged up. 
right? Uh, there were there was some conversation about that. I mean, I, I don't think the conversation was ever that he was not going to play, but this line a few days ago was Cowboys minus two and a half. It is now Vikings minus two and a half. Total in this game, 53 and a half, 54 ish in that range. And you've got a, a Dallas team who's five and one coming off the bye. They are the number five overall DVOA team, number four offense, number 10 defense, which has been a little bit surprising. It was the calf injury to keep an eye on for Dak, who is number six in pro football focus passing grade, number two in uh, DR, uh, DYAR for DVOA. They play Minnesota. And they play a banged up struggling Denver team And uh, Atlanta uh, You know they're, this is a, a Kind of a big game for the Cowboys Because they have an opportunity here to win this game And like I said you got Denver You've got Atlanta You've got a struggling Kansas City team Home versus the Raiders A pretty winnable schedule coming up This one's interesting Like at that number now I wouldn't really want to lay points With the Cowboys on the road but if you're telling me you you could get more than two points with the Cowboys in this spot, I might start to lean that direction. I mean, you might as well cue up Christina because I'm getting dirty, dude. I'm taking the Vikings here. I love the two and a half. So what number? What number did you get with the Vikings? I got two and a half. I okay. locked in two and a half this morning. Um, Cowboys are six and zero against the spread. Best team to ever start off against the spread was eight and zero. I don't see this team. You know what I mean? They should a lot. They should not have covered against the uh, the Patriots two weeks ago. Um, they're in their de- this defensive regression is coming. There's no way they can get as many bounces as as they're getting. Diggs is literally trying to break an INT all the time. Like I just their defensive regression is coming. I heard this stat with um I don't have it in front of me, but EPA um. It just like what it is like doesn't match up with how much production they're giving up. Um, yeah, I love taking small home dogs. Mike McCarthy is a freaking absolute idiot with his time management. You know what I mean? And those blunders are going to cost them a game. I feel I'm getting a huge advantage in Zimmer. Offensive line for the Vikings has gotten better every single game. Defense has gotten better every single game. And like you said it before, we don't know how healthy Dak is. You know, I don't think he's 100%. Zimmer at home as a dog, 60% ATS. He's 65% as a dog against non-divisional teams. I just, I love taking the Vikings and Mike Zimmer as dogs, especially at home. I love this spot for him. I'm going to be all over him. Yeah, they're one of the weirder teams in the league when you start to go game by game with them too. Week one loss in overtime, right? Like when they by a, a field goal to the Bengals after the fumble late should have won that game. You get a week two loss on a missed field goal to win the game from 37 yards. You get week three down 17, uh, you know, down 17 to seven, and then you score 23 unanswered points against Seattle. You beat them 30, uh, you beat them 30 to 17. There was a point, and, and that's then. Where they looked like they were going to be 0-3 And that was That's their season And then all of a sudden the second half of that game they come back Weird week 4 Against the Browns Where they score on the opening drive And then they don't score again in a game where they lose 14-7 to Week 5 They're up 10 with 2 minutes to go And Detroit cuts it to 7 Then a fumble gives Detroit the ball Detroit goes up and then they need a 54-yard field goal To win the game and then week six, overtime, after blowing a late lead to Carolina, they win in overtime. They're three and three. They could be five and one or even one and five. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so they're probably they're just, where they should be. And hey, at least the Packers look like they came away with a, a game-winning play here for I mean, us. You and I bet a shitty number, and we still won. So we I got him. I know. I'll gladly. I think. Take that. See, this was this was one of those where it's like this was some of the the evening out of Arizona getting lucky and getting the bounces in a couple games this year where they may have been able to. They could have lost three games this year. Oh, and Murray's hopping off now. And yeah. Like, and I have a Rams future for them to win the West. So, I mean, this this helps that. Um, for next week, though, it sucks, though, because I really want to take the 49ers at home plus the points. <laughs> like, and, you know and, what I mean? Cause I'm... And uh, I don't know if you, uh, if you noticed earlier tonight when we predicted the scores on uh, fourth and inches, the score prediction of mine, 24-21 Green Bay. Spot nice, dude. on! I, I nailed that right, right on the number. I think you said twenty-one seventeen. Yeah, right. So we were close in both in the same range. But uh, how about that? So, but look at the poor Vikings. This is a really big game for them, though, because if they don't win this game and they go to three and four, they ha- they go at the Ravens, at the Chargers, Green Bay home against Green Bay, at the Forty ers and then they've still got. A uh, home and away with the Bears left They've still got a home with the Rams And they still got an at Green Bay on the schedule Like that is That is rough They have to win a game like this this weekend Where it feels like it's kind of winnable for them And they're coming off the bye So big one for the Vikings Playing the Cowboys as we get to the Monday night football game One quick thing about the Vikings though Like everyone talks about the Cowboys Oh they have so many weapons Vikings have weapons too You know they have Thielen, Jefferson, Cook Vikings are going to be able to score enough points to be able to keep up with the Cowboys, too, if this gets into a shootout. We need to remember that because the Vikings, this team, they got some fucking weapons, man. They can put up some points. And so if their defense just starts clicking, I think this is going to be a sneaky team that could make it into the playoffs. But like you said, this game is so big for them because they need to win it so they can keep their playoff hopes alive. And uh, they, yeah, Cook off the bot, a little time to get healthy for him. He's already a little bit banged up early in the year. Now with uh, a few less hits over the last week, week and a half, he uh, yeah could see a little more spring in his step. As uh, God, I don't know what to do with this game, this Monday Night Football game here, and the Chiefs who have been really bad, it, they're a nine and a half point favorite, even a ten point favorite in some spots. They failed to score a touchdown for the first time since Patrick Mahomes took over under center, and. Like normally you don't get a team That got beat last week like they did The next week as a 10 point favorite like normally it's a good Spot to play the Chiefs because it Any team that got Crushed like that would generally be Coming back the next week and a little Bit undervalued every because everybody's Talking about what's wrong with the Chiefs Are they Mahomes is banged up He got out of that game who knows what's going to happen This and that but it's not Really reflected in the number At all that's and, and the problem for me in, in you know maybe playing the Giants here is that the Giants are kind of coming off a week where they actually probably looked a little bit better than they should. That game was close at halftime. They blew them out in the second half. They uh, neither offense averaged over five yards per play. There was only two total game plays in that whole game that went for over twenty yards in the Giants Panthers game. Daniel Jones was fine, uh, twenty three for thirty three, two hundred three yards. He had eight carries for twenty eight yards rushing. He actually caught a pass for sixteen yards in a first down, which is Kind of a stupid, it's like, okay The only guy that's like Remotely healthy for you right now Is Daniel Jones, who is coming off Of a bad looking concussion a few weeks ago And yeah, let's have him Line up as a wide receiver and go out there And maybe get hit, you know like 
I, I just I don't know if that's necessarily the right thing to be doing, but um, they didn't have their top three wide receivers, Galladay, Shepard, or Tony. Fine contributions from Slayton, Ingram, and Pettis, all with at least five catches. Couldn't run early. They started to run the ball a little bit better late. I mean, the D line destroyed the Panthers, five sacks, 10 total pressure. So they could feast on what's been a really, really shitty offensive line for Kansas City over uh, recently. Um, I just, man, that's that's a that's still a big number for a team that's struggling. I just, I, I I'm staying away because I don't know what to do here. Like for me, tomorrow is a huge day because um, Shepard was limited today in practice. Um, Barkley and Tony didn't play, didn't practice. So I mean, I got to see if Barkley and Tony practice. That's going to be my first thing because Giants, when everyone's healthy, they do have some offensive weapons. And I understand, you know, the Chiefs just lost primetime spot in Arrowhead. But when you just look at the Chiefs' body of work this year, in what world should they be laying this many points? You know what I mean? Like, they just – None. They're None. getting the respect of last year's Chiefs team. And that everyone's falling for it. Like, there's just nothing that they're doing that says we should be laying this many points. Um, and we saw it – we see it with Rodgers. Like when teams go too high safeties and not let him throw it down the field, he's content with like hanging it off and doing the other knee stuff. But it's like Mahomes isn't. He's like running around, forcing it down the field. And they quit last week. Like that, like I haven't seen that team quit. There was times where there was like one play where ball was thrown to Kelsey in the third quarter. He just didn't even attempt it. He just kind of put his hands up in the air and then he just jogged off. I mean, it was a pitiful effort. By the Chiefs, they're down twenty-seven to zero. They're kicking a field goal. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? You need to score there. I just, I don't know. I understand the get-right spot, prime-time spot, Arrowhead spot. Giants are a mess, but I just, I, I can't lay the points here. I, to me, this is Giants or nothing. And I've said it all the time, Jones is sixty percent against the spread as a home, as a on the road. I, I'm te- really tempted to take the Giants here, and if I find out that. Barkley and Tony practice and are going to play I'm even more confident I'll probably sprinkle On the money line but right now this is a pass for me Like this yeah this Chiefs team's a mess Defensively they can't get the quarterback They like can't the, protect Mahomes at all And there's been no adjustments Whatsoever Andy Reid is the one I've been re- the more disappointed with Than Mahomes because you, you, When we're watching the game like there's only so much Mahomes can do out there Even, even with for him and then what ends up Happening is their defense Hasn't been Great over the last few years But they were at least okay Enough to where they could get a three And out here and there they could get a turnover Here and there they they could make a play To where Mahomes didn't feel like He had to score a touchdown every Time the Titans scored the first Five times they got the ball last week Like what And so no matter how good you are He in his head is going Well uh oh it's third down And or it's like second and long and if I don't make this throw right now It's going to be third and long And then we're going to probably have to punt And then we're not going to get the ball back So I better force this second and long And then boom, what ends up happening? You throw an interception You know, you put the ball in a bad spot Those are things that he was never really having to do In the last couple of years Because their defense was still okay enough And their offense was so efficient They were good They weren't turning the ball over at all You know, if you like, when you look at their like Their efficiency numbers and stuff like that They're still... Very good. I mean, they're the number five offensive DVOA. They're the number eight passing DVOA. They actually have really good rushing DVOA numbers because they don't run the ball a whole lot. So they're kind of efficient when they do. But 
their offensive line now it's doesn't it, it just that game the other day felt like the Super Bowl where they just couldn't do anything and we're not even talking about an incredible defensive line like the Bucks had against them in the Super Bowl we're talking about a Titans team whose defense was like a sieve coming into that game mm-hmm. yeah like, the Giants have a better defense than the Titans do the Titans back four is a mess but the Titans were able and their front four isn't that great either but they're able to get to Mahomes like it just I don't know. It was just astronomical to me sitting back and watching watching that. It pisses me off because last last week I was on and like I was like I think the Titans are a live dog and I but I thought Kansas City money would come in and the line dropped from five to four and a half and then no five and a half to four and a half and it just scared me off of it. Um, you mentioned Andy Reid. Like I just now I just kind of popped in my head. Um, you think like the off the field stuff with his, with his son. son. Right? And then I know the trial's been set, I think, for yep, April. 100%. He doesn't seem Maybe. as focused. He hasn't had a game this year where it was like he called a really good game. Even the game they, like, dude, they should have lost that game to the Browns. They got really lucky with some of the things that the Browns did late in that game and shot themselves in the foot. And they haven't looked like that really good humming along Chiefs team. They've got another one of those sneaky games in there against Washington where we know that Washington. Ends up hurting themselves more than than any other team So their box scores and their games are always a little bit deceiving When you start to dig into them I, yeah, I don't I don't want to say that they're done Because this would be sort of a good time If you're looking at season-wide stuff Like if you think this team is going to be getting back to You know, having an opportunity Then yeah, they're probably undervalued in those sort of situations I'm not ready to completely write them off and say that But things need to change big time for them They need to make some adjustments They need to make some improvements They've got to figure out something on that offensive line um, To make life a little bit easier on Mahomes Because it just doesn't seem like Reed has been focused And then off the field stuff with his family, with his son Then earlier this year he, he had a game where he went to the hospital after the game How healthy is is he stressed, a little stressed out With a little too much going on um, I can't imagine he's feeling incredible If you go to a hospital after the game one time So never could lay The the points like that in this situation No, not at all Not at all, I mean I'm pulling up Right now for futures, I wonder what their future Is to make the playoffs, do you think it's plus money? No, they're still my, The Chiefs are minus 200 to make the playoffs That's still Plus, plus one. 55 to not make the playoffs. That's still, yeah, that's just. That's, that's just, that. there's just respect. That To me right now, I would still play the plus 150. I think they're plus, God, I want to say like 700 I, at the beginning of the lot, season. I think a lot of it is, is because that last playoff spot right now in both conferences isn't going to be the greatest team in the world. You know, if you look at the way I that mean, they. They're only one so, game out of the playoffs right no, now. That's what, that's the point is that. Like they're, you know, they're right there in the mix with the Browns and the Steelers. Who knows what happens with those two games this week? They're right there in the mix with the Colts and the tight with the Colts. You know, like who, if they they could easily lose the game this week to the Titans and then be right in that conversation with them. So they win this week and they're right there. But yeah, it's that's not enough value for me to play. But yeah, well, we'll see with the Chiefs. They're definitely one of the but, more polarizing I mean, topics I, this year. I could easily see them losing this game as crazy as it sounds. Like I, know. I just sometimes you have like you have to hit rock thing. bottom, like, rock bottom. So right? many, there's going to be so many parlays. Like you look at you look at the board, 
right now, the three biggest ones are the Rams, um, Rams, Bengals, um, Bills, and the team we just talked about, the Chiefs. Those are going to be the four team money line parlays that everyone, that all the amateur betters are doing. And I guarantee that one of those teams is losing this week. This has to be the week that one of those teams will lose. Eric is going to be here with us each and every week. You can follow him on social media at etof 21 and at etof 21 sports Eric also has a podcast, has a website where he provides rankings each and every week for fantasy, power rankings, all sorts of different stuff. Uh, Eric, let me know, uh, let us all know what's uh, what's coming up this weekend on the podcast uh, that you've got. Uh, podcast this week, um, I have my boy uh, Dylan coming on. We're going to talk about the NBA. Um, I mean, it's just fast. It's There's always something in the NBA, so we're going to talk about um, some teams that have disappointed us so far to start the season. Are the Bulls for real? Fortnite's for real? For real? And when are my Pistons finally going to get a first win? We're going to talk about that stuff a little bit. Um, my buddy Brandon, who's a professional iRacer, is going to come on. We're going to talk NASCAR. And then um, another, my, this guy, a sports consultant from Instagram, is going to come on. And this guy is a math major, and he's going to all talk about, like, how, like, number movement and implied totals and everything. It's just going to give you guys a complete, totally way of looking at an analytic way of betting compared to, like, just the, the um, situational stuff. Thank you so much, buddy. Appreciate it. Uh, we uh, we uh, talked a little earlier tonight, previewed that Thursday night game, and uh, went well for the both of us. So that was nice as uh, we were able to get the uh, the Packers home there. And, and just like I, I don't like to, we, I never let the emotions get the best of me. But there are always those teams that just frustrate you as a better because you're like, I know they're not that good, and and you just you're waiting for the good spots to play them. And and that was kind of one of the with with Arizona with me, you know. And I, I was I had told you the same thing about Baltimore for a while. So I I extra specially loved Baltimore, seeing Baltimore just kind of get beat up a little bit last week. And it was nice to see Arizona not come back and win this game late because there there were a couple teams that they're good, they're playoff teams. I'm sure they'll be in the mix there, but they got a lot of things that bounced their way. And when I go back and watch all those plays, it's so frustrating. It was like the Dolphins of last year or the Steelers of last year, teams that I I do think both. The Cardinals and Ravens are better this year than those teams were last year. But that's that type of team where you see three or four of their games where you're like, gosh, that very easily could have gone the other way. And it makes you it makes you a little more excited to want to play against them when that number is right. Oh, for sure. For sure. That's why it's important to watch the games. And if you don't watch the games, you know, Gino and I have your six and we'll uh, lay it out for you and let you know what you think. Because, I mean, this team to me, she lost the 49ers, she lost yeah. the Jaguars. This team has a lot of holes in them. Yeah, well, uh, Eric, uh, we'll be here again next week. Make sure to listen to uh, Eric's podcast coming up this weekend. Give him a follow there on social media and uh, tune in on Sunday morning to hear from uh, myself and Eric. Sunday morning on Twitter, you can follow at BTV Bets or at It's Me Gino B. We have about an hour long live stream where we do. Just like we did here with a couple other guests We go game by game and at that point What's nice we know all the final injury Information all the final numbers That we're looking at we might have seen Things move over the last couple days As you know Eric kind of touched on Some stuff that pops in on Friday or Saturday how people were Dealing with certain injuries so Always nice to be able to give you some up To the date information there come hang out With us on Sunday and uh, Eric Buddy good luck uh, over the next couple days And I'll, uh, I'll be talking with you all weekend Sounds good. Good luck to you too, my man.
And do not go anywhere folks We still have plenty more on a loaded episode Of That's What G Said Stay tuned Thank you to Eric for helping us out And make sure to give him a follow there Check out all the uh, the great content he has coming up this weekend And then head on over to CindyCarava.com C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com Full service realtor Cindy Carava She can help you out in many different ways Like buying, selling, leasing If you're just thinking about home improvement She can connect you with the right type of vendors Talking about Gardeners, landscapers, painters A lot of the folks that she's used in her own home And in her own homes And she can help connect you with the right kind of lenders Maybe you need help with a loan, getting pre-approved She'll put you in touch with the right type of people C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com She is the most kind and genuine person you will ever meet Exactly what you're looking for When you need somebody helping you out with a home This is stressful There's a lot of things you have to worry about She will take care of all of that for you She's going to make your life so much easier CindyCarava.com Let's head into the uh, horse racing portion of this episode And we want to talk a little bit about the Stable Duel weekend schedule StableDuel.com Totally free to download the app And then what you do is you you pay the entry into the contest that you want to play Sometimes there are free contests that doesn't cost you anything You can enter and you can win actual cash prizes It is closing weekend over at Keeneland So the final couple days to win some big money in those Stable Duel Keeneland contests Friday, October the 29th You've got Charlestown, a $40 game Gulfstream Park, a $15 entry Keeneland has three different games a $2 game, a $10 game, and a $100 game for some of the bigger players. You've got the Penn National $100 double up. Santa Anita has a dollar top three game. Only costs you a buck to enter that one. They also have a $50 game and then a $200 triple up. So three options at Santa Anita, three options at Keeneland on Friday. Over on Saturday, October the 30th, you've got Charlestown with a $50 game. Golden Gate has a dollar, a buck game. At Golden Gate, Gulfstream with a $10 entry Keeneland has a $3 top 10 Then they've got the big one, the $150 Keeneland Finale With the, that big 150 entry fee $15 game for some of you who couldn't quite afford the 150 Then Santa Anita has a $75 game and a $200 triple up Sunday, the week closes out on a Halloween with Gulfstream, Laurel Park Santa Anita, there's a free ride at Santa Anita And three options there Woodbine is a $25 game The entry at Laurel is 2 bucks, And at Gulfstream it's a $50 double up Get those entries in And play, race, win As we head on over to Keeneland for Friday We're going to be doing another one of those Friday live streams In the morning, 11am Eastern Time And 8am Pacific Time where Darren Zocali and Barry Spears will join me Andrew Champagne's going to pop in uh, Jack from DRF Sports, who you just heard a minute ago He's also going to check in And we're going to go over the 6th through 10th races For Keeneland Friday card And we're also going to go over the final 5 At Santa Anita for the Friday card Races 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9 So we'll go race by race We'll, sh- we'll show you the daily racing form Past performances, we'll pull up Some of the replays, some of the charts And Really give you a look as to why we like a lot of those horses It's a ton of fun We really go in depth It's been like an hour and a half to two hours Over the last few weeks So we'll get you you know, a good look at each and every race As I just kind of give you a, a brief look at, With best bets and some horses I'm looking to play At Keeneland for Friday So let's flip 
for Friday, Keeneland, October the 29th. We're going to flip to race number six, and I'm looking at the six in here, Carrillo, who has only raced three times, lightly raced three-year-old. He wins his debut going long, going a mile at Aqueduct, which is not easy for Chad Brown. Career start number two, he changes Barnes, and then they take a shot in the Risen Star. He's behind Mandaloon and Midnight Bourbon. That was a good group of three-year-olds down in Louisiana. Doesn't run from February to October. Comes back in October off of a long, long layoff. And he just kind of up into contention outside of Sheffy, but flattens out a little bit. It actually is a little better than the race looked on paper from a wide post. That was his first start since February. And, you know, going long, going a mile and an eighth off that kind of a layoff, that's not easy to do. They thought enough of him to try the Risen Star in career start number two. Distance won't be an issue for him. Second start off the long, long layoff. If he takes a little step forward in here, he could be right in contention with this group at a very fair price of 10 to 1 on the morning line. I'm going to use along with the 1, Sheffy, and also with the uh, the 8, Laughing Boy, who I feel like is the, the horse who's just much better going a little bit longer. You want to toss those sprint races, and you're left with some good efforts going long. Last out, he had a good start, but... His rival from the outside wanted the lead. This guy was handled aggressively. He cleared off by a length. He was headed at the top of the lane, but he did battle down on the inside. Tired a little bit in the final 16th. Laughing Boy will be in a lot of my exotics. Like, first line wouldn't shock me at all either. Um, you know, just kind of being the measuring stick for this race. But I, I like uh, I like him stacked 6-8-1 with a play on the 6 if we can get anything over 5-1. to one. We move along to race number seven, uh, an allowance non-two mile and the 16th on the turf course here. I love the eight. Lucky boss. Absolutely love lucky boss in here. So he debuted sprinting on the dirt. Career start number two breaks the maiden going long in a race that was taken off the turf. Comes back in career start number three and tries a a juvenile stakes at Ellis Park and runs second there in in a good effort behind Roger McQueen. Last time out tries the bourbon in what was actually his first turf start. He just wasn't really asked after an okay start. He was taken back to dead last after showing a lot more tactical speed in his other races. In He kind of had a shift to the inside, but there was no room. He kind of ran into traffic. He again hit some traffic in the stretch multiple times. He was, he was forced around by others. And he had a lot more run than his finish would have suggested. He just never got the chance to stretch his legs Lucky boss, he's better than that last out finish He has a lot more early speed than he showed And Hernandez is jumping back aboard Hernandez has been aggressive in all three of his starts And has put him into a good striking spot early on Look at that October 22nd work Which tells me they're trying to get a little more speed Back into Lucky Boss I would treat him like an exotic single in some of the lates I'm singling the 8 If you want to play another ticket where you go a little deeper uh, the one, Dewayjack Chief, obviously makes a lot of sense. Um, wasn't bad at all. Finishing fifth last time out should save all the ground from the inside. He was one of four to exit the bourbon, and he finished the best out of those four. He was sitting third, and things got a little bit tight. He had to wait, tried to angle off, and he was kind of bumping in some tight. He just couldn't go on with the top few. I did think the uh, Britain's Kitten, coming off of that pretty solid third at Kentucky on the turf, and you know wouldn't be a complete shock in here. As uh, 
Britain's kitten could offer you some value. Kiss the sky obviously makes sense behind Tis the Bomb last time out, who came back to win the bourbon. So Kiss the Sky is probably the one they'll all have to beat. I had him stacked eight over uh two three one in race number seven at Keeneland. If we can get anything around three to one, I'd make a win wager on Lucky Boss and I will single in the exotics. We move to the eighth race. The Myrtlewood, $150,000 stakes race, six furlongs the distance. I like the seven, Majestic Dioro, who was a debut winner at Indy Sprinting. And then they just took a shot stretching out in the Pocahontas last time out. And she just didn't want to go that far. She was close up. She was in a little traffic. She moved up to third, fourth, and in the clear. She loomed up into contention just off. But Hidden Connection just draws off. And no, that was... Against legitimate graded stakes company Now you got the the cutback in distance The drop in class back to a sprint You know this is a filly that can sit off and pass horses And she might need to in a spot like this With you know some other pace signed on The one Jester calls no joy She feels like the one to beat But I am a little worried about the rail draw If she was drawn more towards the outside I'd love her There, You know she probably will have to get forced But if she doesn't break well in a sprint race like this She might be in some trouble She was she bobbled, she got squeezed back in her last start Then she kind of waited to go But she was in some tight in, She was in some tight quarters in between Nowhere to go, looking for room She tried to move to the inside and then angle around But Zulu just opened up On that field and Number one, Jester calls no joy As we move along To uh, the other exotic uh, Horse I'm going to be using The 10 sweet Danny girl Who was just Super impressive in her debut She sat off nicely at Churchill At 45-1 to 1, And she ran down the 4-5 to 5 favorite Sweet Danny Girl Hopes to get another similar type trip Sitting just a few lengths off I had him stacked 7-1-10 in the 8th At Keeneland on Friday Moving along to the 9th at Keeneland The grade 3 Valley View I thought the 8 here So we've got the Breaker of Chains So I'm, I'm talking about Daenerys Storborn of House Targaryen, the first of her name, Queen of the Andals and the First Men, Protector of the Seven Kingdoms, the Mother of Dragons, the Khaleesi of the Great Grass Sea, the Unburnt, the Breaker of Chains. I'm talking the number eight, second time in the U.S., second start off of a little bit of a, a, a break coming in from Ireland, not really, I mean like a month or so, but only making career start number four, second time um, in the U.S. and playing and facing winners here. She completely missed the break She was 10 off early She settled last And she just angled to the outside And then instantly She was right within striking range She was right up into contention At the top of the stretch 3-4 wide A powerful performance From Breaker of Chains I'm going to put her on top of A lot of others underneath And play them in exotics Like the 11 and 12 Lady Spitespear Who uh, is a Braid one winner and she's very nice But I'm just kind of curious what kind of trip Will she get from out there when we've only Seen her be forwardly placed Queen ship in her race at Cork Last time out she was close up and in a little bit Of traffic she was just behind the second flight She was loaded and as soon as she got A seam she exploded for the Win it was visually pretty impressive I'm going to be using her in some of the exotics There the, the three inside horses will all Be on uh, you know in some Ticket some way shape or form crazy Beautiful Kind of a wild card I just don't know how good she is She won her debut race going long on the turf Hasn't run on the grass since She's a three time graded stakes winner She's a nice animal 
she's just one of those that you feel like I've never played. I feel like I'm always kind of playing against her. Uh, but I would use her at least in the bottom. And the prices of the one and the two are, are massive. Core values. Put a line through that race last time out. It was going a mile and five sixteenths on yielding turf over at Kentucky. She could absolutely run a lot better in here. She put together three good races in a row. She beat the boys in one of them. On August the 7th, she beat two next out winners. One of them was Royal Prince, who's a multiple stakes winner. He got put up via DQ in his next race, which was $150,000 stakes at Indy. Fourth place finisher, a credit, won a $700,000 stakes next out at Kentucky Downs. The two, Serenaya was dead last, settled, angled out. Closed pretty well for fourth. Wasn't too far out of second. Now you're going to go second start off the short break. Stretches back out to a route. Expect better from that one. I had him stacked eight over 11, 12, 1, 2, 3 to use in uh, underneath some exotics. And we move to the 10th and final on this Friday Keeneland card. Maiden $20,000 claimer, seven furlongs, the distance. I thought the seven was really interesting in here. Doctrinaire, who did not race from February of 2020 to October of 2021. And when he came back off that long layoff, he dropped from Maiden Special Weights into Maiden 50s, but he drew the rail and hooked a next out winner and hooked a very sloppy racetrack. There are a lot of excuses. 20 months off, runs into a sloppy track, and this is a $20,000 purchase. This wasn't one of those horses that they spent half a million on and now is in for 20. This is maybe where this horse belonged all along. He's got a couple competitive races against Maiden Special Weights, which show you that there is some ability here. Second start off the long, long layoff. Legitimate excuses for the poor performance. Let's throw Doctrinaire in the mix. We'll also use the nine in most exotics. That is Kolsch, who feels like getting off the rail, he can pass some horses. Second start off the bench. First start off the claim for a very solid claim barn. I really like the Friday card at Keeneland. Come hang out with us Friday morning. At 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and we will give you even a little more in-depth analysis for Keeneland for Friday as we bounce over to Santa Anita for Friday. So get your past performances out. We're going to look at Santa Anita races 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. Santa Anita Friday, October the 29th. We're going to look at races 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. Flip those past performances to the 5th. Six furlongs, a turf sprint. I thought Saul's call was a, a tad disappointing in his last start. And he's a multiple winner, and he's the one to beat in here. But looking at the way this race shapes up, I did think that last Renegade would at least be able to show a little bit of speed. I'd imagine that Mr. T's Thirsty is going to be at least pressing Saul's call. And because Barsabas draws the rail and adds the blinks, he will likely be more forwardly placed in here. I thought 1-2-4 and were the horses to include. I like Barsabas a little bit better. The, uh, I like Barsabas most in here at 9-2 to two on the morning line. The damn one on the turf. He was third inside in his most recent start on the dirt. He was about three lengths off. He just couldn't make up a lot of ground on the top two. But he could get better race shape in here. And he might just be better on the turf. His One of the siblings won on the turf. The other sibling was 0-7. But in, did have a good second on the turf. And Barsabas adds the blinks. I wish he was drawn a little more towards the outside to give him the opportunity to sit off a bit, but I still would include him. Saul's call doesn't really have a whole lot of direct turf influence. He's the one to beat. I thought the four double the gold is actually kind of interesting too. Put a line right through his last start. Yeah, he was well beaten by Saul's call and Barsabas, but that race didn't really shape up for him. He 
he's the only one in the field with a turf race. It wasn't that great, but at least he's been on the grass. Last out, he was bumped at the start. He broke out a bit. And so after that, he just he spotted the two that were in front of him a couple lengths, and it was just hard to make up ground on them. Let's say that Mr. T's Thirsty is pressing. Saul's call is on the lead. Barsabas feels like he has to go from the rail, and Last Renegade doesn't want to be too far out of it. Well, now all of a sudden, there could be a couple versions of this race where Double the Gold just sits a really good trip and sort of falls into the wind like he did on September the 2nd. That's race five. At Santa Anita, anything over, you know, 7 to 2, we'd probably play Barsabas on the win end as we move along to race number six. We've got 12 5 claimers a mile on the main track here. The five is the one to catch and beat Lady Robin. Robin of the Vale, Erin of the Vale. Peter, please. Lady Robin, she's the one to catch. Her last three dirt races, second beaten, uh, second. Um, when defeated by a back-to-back winner Mongolian window Was a win versus an allow- a starter allowance 16 And was second beaten ahead at Turf Paradise Those are the last three dirt races for Lady Robin She looks like she is the one to catch and beat in here, no doubt But maybe Perfect Ice Storm next to her Gets aggressive and they try to show a little bit more speed there I thought the three hot on the trail Second start off the long layoff Now, she hasn't hit the board in 10 straight But... The last time she did hit the board was going long on the dirt. The only time we've ever seen her go long on the dirt. All three of her wins are on the dirt. She's 0 for 13 on the turf, but we've never seen her go long on the dirt other than that one time when she ran second and ran really well. And in that race, she was second against optional claiming Calbreds, which was a, a pretty decent spot. Second off the long, long layoff, hot on the trail. I think she's got a major shot in here. I'm going to use her along with the five, Lady Robin. The two, Convince, sort of feels like the horse who should sit in a good spot. And Jonathan Wong is really, really good off the claim. Item stacked 3-5-2 in race six at Santa Anita. Hot on the trail, 6-1 to one morning line. Anything around 9-2 to two feels fair as we move to the seventh race, Intense. I feel like that's a, a horse's name that's meant to describe me. Intense, always, always intense Sometimes I'd like to relax a little bit more But that's just not my style And Intense will hopefully pop the gate and go flying So he's stretching out from sprints to a route And he actually has shown like legitimate sprint speed before He won a race when sitting just off the pace And they were going sub-22 at Los Alamitos on July the 5th Now since then, he hasn't really been as close in some of his races Now stretching out with the rail draw, Tyler's just got to send him hard. Bold Voyager and Harbor Sky both have a little bit of positional speed, but they're coming out of much, you know, they're coming out of longer route races that are just a little slower early on, whereas Intense is coming out of these quicker sprints, quicker early fractions. I hope they send him hard. I'd love to see him open up because his career best race came when really close to the lead. Send him hard, Tyler Bays. Bold Voyager should sit a nice trip. Harbor Sky is probably the one to beat in here. And then you've got Launchpad. Shout out to the uh, the DuckTales, right? The life is like a hurricane here in Duckburg. Little Launchpad McQuack. Launchpad had a slow start in his most recent race. Broke out of the gate. Launchpad was a fan of those slow starts in the airplane. Blinkers come off today. He was chasing lone speed last time out. Horse named Backring Luck, who was actually... 
on a big dro- uh, class dropper who ended up winning that race wire to wire. So Launchpad is in a much softer spot here than where he was last time out. Maybe second off the break, if they do go quick early on, he should benefit there and come closing. And hopefully Edwin, who's a, a very good speed rider, can maybe just shake him up a little bit, get him more involved early on. Had him stacked one, five, three, two, six. If you wanted to kind of put him in order in this small field race, the only one who I would be a little surprised winning would be Vegas Moon. I can't envision the trip or the way he would win, but I do think you could make a case for most of the others, and that's why I lean towards Intense because Intense is the best price. Race number eight. Looking at the one nine, uh, twenty five starter allowance mile on the turf course here. I like the one East Rand who comes out of the race with. The uh, with a couple of the common uh, opponents in here, and East Rand, it was a 50 starter, and this is a 25 starter. He was a step slow. He got caught three wide towards the rear, seventh, about five lengths off. Then he was in between horses. He got shuffled out of a spot. He had to launch really wide and in between. He was chasing lone speed against tougher. Now he gets an inside draw to save all the ground. Third start off the very long layoff. A really solid. Underrated barn They are excellent when they have a good horse And I think East Rand is a solid Well spotted animal in here The number one East Rand um, I'm going to use in all exotics along with the nine Fly to Mars who Was a runner up last time out And Fly to Mars is one of the four that exit That September 4th race It was a good start but he took back to 5th He was too deep about 3 lengths off And he got kind of trapped waiting for room And he had to angle down inside I bet Pratt wishes he had that one back And he's aboard today I think he will likely give this horse A great opportunity to make amends Tactical speed, sits close He might be on the lead in here Because there's not very much pace signed on Fly to Mars, number 9 I'll be using all exotics along with the 1 Final race on the Friday card At San Anito We move to the ninth. optional 50 6 furlongs on the main track here I'm looking at the 7 You to your honor Who is a debut winner at Los Sal on September the 26th She didn't break all that well She was dead last about 5 or 6 lengths off And she just kept To the outside Kept wide in the clear And a nice big sustained move Visually pretty impressive Now no clue how good the group she beat was It was a group of maiden Calbred $50,000 claimers At Los Alamitos She's going to have to improve But it was nice And she's drawn well in here She's drawn to the outside. Empire Pass right inside of her has got a little bit of speed. You'd imagine half past 12 is going to be forwardly placed. Sally Stanford's going to be right on the lead. And with the inside draw all wind up, we'll probably end up having to go a little more, but, you know, be still in a striking spot. It, it does set up nicely for uh, the outside runner here, the number seven, who I will include along with half past 12, who half past 12 was favored over Lily Babe. And Sally Stanford last time out She got bumped at the start And she took a few strides to get her footing She was chasing Sally Stanford that day And half past 12 was just third She couldn't make up any ground But she was favored And you wonder with a better start Maybe she gets a better trip But the the concern is she's had trouble at the gate In all four now Off slow, lost path Bumped both sides at the start Bobbled, bumped again at the start Can't do that in a field, a short field where you're spotting everybody a few lengths. Have them stack seven with the five, two in race number nine at Santa Anita for Friday. So, best of luck on Friday at Santa Anita as we make the shift from Friday 
to Saturday. Get your past performances out for Keeneland. It is a Saturday closing day at Keeneland, and we'll look at the late pick five. So we'll take a look at races six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. So we're going to race number six over at Keeneland, and we have an optional eighty. This is an allowance race. I thought the eight is in a, a really nice spot here. So we're looking at Eben. Now let's go through Eben's recent form. Eben didn't run from December of 2019 to October of 2021. So we are talking about eight months off. And the last time we saw Eben at the end of 2020, he didn't show a whole lot. It was in a race where he was behind Sleepy Eyes Todd. He actually came out of a Lafayette that was a loaded, really productive race, and then came back and faced Sleepy Eyes Todd again and Forenzi Fire in the Mr. Prospector. So those two races were really, really tough spots. And that was at the end of the year for Eben. I think you can just put a line right through the December 19th race. And then he comes back in the races in the slop. And he shows a little bit of speed. A little fresh off the bench. And rightfully tires. Doesn't like the slop. Needs the race off the long, long layoff. Legitimate excuses there. Any of the races that this guy has in middle to late 2020 would stack up really nicely in here. That fourth in the Lafayette. The race right before that in the ACAC when only beaten a couple lengths, that would put him in the mix here. And the, the Churchill Downs allowance win right before that, that's another one that puts him right in the mix. And he's 10-1 to 1 on the morning line because we haven't seen him in the winner's circle in a while. He, you know, he has a long layoff in the middle to deal with. I love that. And I think he steps forward in a big way here. I will use him along with the two horses right inside of him. The sixth top seed who feels like he should be able to sit nicely just off the pace, maybe forwardly placed. And even the the horse right next door, Fact Finding, off the claim for Diodoro, Fact Finding has shown some route speed. Now they turn back a little bit to six and a half furlongs. I think he ends up being in a really good striking spot. So I'll use the uh, eight Eben. I'll make a win wager. If he's anything around six to one, I'll use him along with the six and the seven as we move along to the Bowman Mill Stakes race number seven. Roger McQueen from the inside took a shot going long in the Iroquois last time out and just was a little too long. It's an easy race to excuse for him. My major worry is that he draws the inside, but who is that much faster than him in here? That may end up being a benefit for him. I do think Lucky Shot's going to be showing a little bit of speed. You'll probably get some from. You know, either of the horses right to the his outside. Shad a lot, hope in him. Nakatomi. They all sort of seem like they may be okay or content with pressing if they have to. So I think Roger, if he breaks well, could shoot through the inside and maybe get to the front end. The seven, my prankster, is the one to beat. It was impressive winning first time out of the box, going six and a half. Then they took a shot in the grade one champagne. He was only three and a half to one, only seven to two there. And he just didn't fire against some of the better runners. Now you drop back in class in a, a a less difficult stakes race. You cut back to a sprint where you know you've run well, and you project to sit a really nice trip, you know, just a few lengths off. One in seven, Mr. Prankster is probably the one they'll all have to beat, or my prankster. So I go one seven. The eighth race, the number nine Scarlet Sky was a, a really nice three-year-old turf. Runner earlier in the year And we just haven't seen him since May The last time we saw him was in the grade 2 American turf When he was coming off of a win In the grade 3 Transylvania And he was only 9-2 to that day 
in a race where it just did not shape up well for him. He ended up dead last, 15 off of it. Race shape wasn't to his liking. He had a wide trip, just put a line right through that race. Now he's fresh. He will come running. He's more of a deep closer, so you don't have to necessarily worry about him being really fit and having to do a bunch of hard work throughout. It's probably going to be sit back towards the back of the pack and have Joel push the button and come a running. And he might have been able to mature and improve a little bit in these, what, six months or so off for him now? May, June, July, August, September, October, five-ish months. Scarlet's guy's proven over this turf course, and he will come running. I'm using the nine over the six, like the king, who I feel is probably the one they'll have to beat. Point me by, I think, is a little bit better than what we saw going in that Franklin Simpson last time out at Kentucky. And the 10 and 11... Yes, this time, super sharp. Probably the one they'll all have to beat. Camp Hope coming in off that incredibly impressive performance last time out. So I'll kind of stack the 9 over some of the obvious courses. 9 over 6-7-10-11 in that 8th race. The Bryan Station, $150,000 stakes there at Keeneland on Saturday. We move to the grade 2. Fayette, mile and an 8th on the main. This does seem like one of those spots that's really good for Code of Honor. Where Code of Honor is probably the class of the field. He's coming off a little bit of a clunker, but he was behind Art Collector and Maxfield. It's not a bad group. He just he didn't run that well. And he's kind of been a little inconsistent lately. You don't really, you know, want to take a short price on him. But if he is in the three to one range, with the class that he has against this group, I think he's the one they'll all have to beat. King Fury. His dirt form is a little bit better than it looks. He threw in a monster win against just a a group that he was a lot better than last time out. And you have Sleepy Ice Todd, who's so honest. Down inside, you know he's usually going to give you a really good effort. You've got the four Night Ops, who's extremely consistent. He took a shot against Grade 1 Company in the Jockey Club last time out. This is a, a better spot for him here also. And then Independence Hall is the one to beat. He's been really consistent, but I don't want to take a short price on him having to win this race. So, I tried to beat him on the win end. If you're playing Exactas, Tries, and Supers, he would definitely be in the mix in those exotics for me. As we So, we put the 7 over 6, 4, 1, 5. How I'd have him stacked in the ninth at Keeneland. 10th and final race at Keeneland on Saturday. Final race of the meet there. We got a maiden special weight. 7 furlongs the distance. 2-year-old Phillies. I thought the 6... Bunduki. The blinkers come on. So in her debut, she went seven furlongs. She was a good third against Maiden Specials at Ellis. Next time out, she again runs into Maiden Special. She's only five to one, and she runs into a horse named Juju's Map, who next time out ends up winning the Alcibiades, beating a horse like Penny Saver, who beat Bunduki in career start number three, and Golden Sights came out of that race to win. That was going a little longer for Bunduki, who now will cut back to seven furlongs where we know she can run well. She's going to add the blinkers. And she faced some tough company in her last few. I think Bunduki fits in here. She's going to need to improve a little bit, but I feel like she's got reason to do so. The number six, Bunduki, 15 to one on the morning line. Anything over six to one, we will take, as I thought the line was a little bit off there. So that is Keeneland. For Saturday, best of luck there at Keeneland on Saturday as we move along. 
to Santa Anita for Saturday. And don't forget about the free contest at Santa Anita. That is the Santa Anita Pick'em Contest. Pick'em.SantaAnita.com It's a prop contest that combines all sports and horse racing. There are 12 questions you have to answer in, and a tiebreaker. A few of them are horse racing. Uh, let's let's mention a couple of them right now, um, just to give you an idea of what that pick'em prop co- uh, contest looks like. So go to pick'em.sananita.com, sign up. The winner gets a thousand bucks. It's free to enter. It doesn't cost you a cent. You get a point for every successful selection, and make sure to fill out the tiebreaker. You don't want to have a really good card and then you end up losing because you didn't fill out the tiebreaker. Here's what's on the menu for Saturday. We've got Georgia, Florida. Georgia minus 14.5, Florida plus 14.5. Which way are you leaning there? Who's going to score the first run in the baseball game? Game four on Saturday Altuve, Brantley, Bregman, Correa, Soler, Freeman, Alley, uh, Albies, or someone else. The leading point scorer in the Hawks 76ers game Trey Young, Cam Reddish, Collins, Embiid, Tobias Harris, or someone else. Texas Tech, Oklahoma, over under 66.5. Pick the winner of race five at Santa Anita. That's all. Just pick the winner. Race number or number six, the prop. Who scores more points on Saturday, UCLA or USC? Keep in mind, USC is playing a game where they're heavily favored against a much weaker opponent than the Bruins, who are probably a much better team than USC this year. Which race produces the highest win payout on uh, Saturday at Santa Anita? So you have to pick which of the races you think, one through nine. Or 1 through 10 will give you the highest payout Then you have to pick the winner of Santa Anita's 8th race Auburn minus 3.5 Or Ole Miss plus 3.5 That's one of the props Just pick the uh, the spread in that game And then in race number 10 A little bit easier for you Is the winner going to be an odd or even number? Just odd or even Go through which, which numbers do you think have more of an opportunity The odds or the even And then in World Series Game 4 How many pitchers will be used by Atlanta? 1 2 through 4, 5 through 7, 8 through 10, 11 or more. Who knows? We know that Charlie Morton's out. They could have some issues with their uh, some of their starters from their bullpen. Maybe they have to dig deep. We finish things off with a hockey total. Canadians, Kings, over under 5.5 total goals. We will have a full live stream preview to help you fill out your contest card for Saturday. And we're going to record that live stream on Friday. You can check it out live. You can also go back afterwards and watch the replay of it. Chase Sessoms, the Wolf of Oaklawn, is going to be howling along with me. And we're going to go through each of those props. Every one of the races that's on one of those props will pull up the daily racing form past performances. We'll show you some of the reasons why we like those horses. And then we will... Give you reasoning for some of the games that we're playing The spreads, the totals, and some of those other unique props Let's jump into Santa Anita plays for Saturday Four plays throughout the card for Saturday over at Santa Anita We begin in race number one With an optional 80 allowance group A mile and an eighth on the turf course here I thought the six fast court jet was really well spotted So she comes into the U.S. on September the 4th. She had not run from March 6th to September the 4th. And this is a grade one, multiple grade one winner who is classy. Comes in, takes a shot in the John C. maybe, and does not run bad that day. She finishes fourth. She's only beaten a few lengths, and she's behind going to Vegas. Then on October the 2nd, she comes back. She has a good start. She sort of wanted to go, but she was really rank. Just never seemed comfortable. And now she gets Lasix for the first time. This is 
major class relief for her Dropping out of that grade 1 Dropping out of the good grade 2 right before that Both uh, defeated by that same animal First time Lasix Third start off the long layoff In a race where she could have pace to chase We know Quiet Secretary is going to be forwardly placed Tapwater doesn't want to be too far out of it You know that Kuora doesn't want to be too far out of it You know that Mucho Unusual is going to try to save ground From the inside This could be a small field where they all want to Show a little more speed to try to keep themselves out of trouble And they end up going quick early Fast jet count can mow them down if that's the case 6-1 to one morning line, anything over 7-2 to two feels fair We move to race number 4 at Santa Anita We've got a first level uh, allowance We've got optional claiming Calbreds here, 6 furlongs on the main track I like the deuce, first Prez Who has faced open company in his last two Three starts back on October the 8th He won at this level on the turf Right before that He was a good third Going six and a half furlongs at this level On the dirt From a class perspective, perspective he fits fine He's been facing better in his last two Now he's back in with Calbreds He had a fast start in his last race But he just was right with the leaders But he couldn't get to the front end He settled behind them on the inside And then he got shuffled back He showed more speed than it looks on paper He just couldn't come on again against a better group The number two First, Prez, 5-1 on the morning line Anything around 7-2 will make a win wager there We move along to race number five At Santa Anita, first level allowance Down the hillside turf course I think this is a race that is ripe For a couple prices There is not that much speed in here Not that much sprint speed The number four New Park she looks like she is the one to uh, he looks like he is the one to catch and beat. Yes, I know. He was defeated by some of the common rivals last time out, but he may not have to go that fast and he might be just right on the lead in here. I'm giving him another shot. Third start of the form cycle, uh, a horse who he ran well going 7 furlongs in Ireland, and I don't think the 6 and a half furlongs will be a problem for him if he's able to clear. The horse who is really sneaky at a big price Is Cherubic Factor So his only win came down the hill And then after that He went six furlongs And was behind What Makes Sammy Run And Hotbox in a very productive race Then doesn't race for a few months Comes back in July Has a little bit of trouble And, and tries going longer So put a line right through that Comes back a couple months later in October And the, six, the layout of the six furlong turf sprint At Santa Anita is so different than the layout of the six and a half down the hill turf sprint. It's really hard to make up a ton of ground sprinting at six furlongs down the hill. It's much easier, especially drawn to the outside where Cherubic Factor is. She was three deep towards the rear in her most recent start. She was seventh, about seven lengths off. She closed fine. She just missed third. Now you go second off the bench, back to the hill. Running style is much better for that race. That race course, that turf course We're looking at the number 4 New Park using an all exotics along with the 10 Cherubic Factor 4, 10, 6, Elusive Treat Does feel like the one to beat in here But there are a couple fun, intriguing price horses To look at Final play on the Saturday Santa Anita card We will have some sort of content for you It might be a live stream Sunday morning or Saturday night Uh, It might be a video or some posts on social media But Sunday at Santa Anita is closing day And it is mandatory payout in the Rainbow Pick 6 And in some of the other exotics So I'll be posting something out there Keep an eye 
on the the content for Sunday. Give me a follow. It's me, Gino B. You'll uh, you'll see what we have, and uh, we'll we'll share it with you as soon as we kind of figure out what we're gonna do over the next few days. The Autumn Miss, the Grade Three Autumn Miss Mile on the Turf Course here, the number four, J- uh, Javanica. That's the play for me. Uh, I'm a very big fan of her. I played her last time out in the Del Mar Oaks. She did not run poorly at all. She flashed speed. She ends up finishing sixth there. She's not a need-the-lead type by any means. She can sit. She can pass. What I like about her form is it all makes sense to me. It all makes sense. When she runs you know, really well, which she does most of the time, and then when she doesn't, it's because there was a legitimate excuse there. If they go quick, she can sit. You look at Madoni, who's going to be a shorter price in here. Madoni was right behind her in the Del Mar Oaks, and, and Javonica at least showed the way and then faded. So I think she's got a big, big opportunity in here. 8-1 to one on the morning line. I will use her along with the 1-5. and five. Eddie's new dream and the 5 ego trip. Hey, buddy. Milo just uh, just walked in as I'm finishing up recording. I love... I'm, I'm sad that he's sad, but when he's screaming for daddy, it does kind of make me feel a little bit good so we'll check in with Milo in just a second but before we do we want to wish you all the best of luck at Santa Anita on Saturday and we want to remind you one more time pick'em.sananita.com final two free contests for you to win a thousand dollars on Saturday and on Sunday final segment on this episode is going to be wrestling with Chad Cooper we bounce all around there's some news in the world of Ring of Honor and Impact then we head on over to AEW we talk everything happening there we bounce to NXT recap of Halloween Havoc and then we get to WWE talking Raw and Smackdown coming off the heels of the Saudi Arabia Crown Jewel show it's a big episode of That's What G Said and it's a big addition with This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's This Week's Wrestling Recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. It's another edition of this in wrestling with Chad Cooper, and we have a lot to discuss this week. As uh, everything's sort of back to their normal slots this week, with SmackDown on Friday, Rampage on Friday, then we got back to Monday Night Raw Monday. We got to NXT with a really nice, a, a couple questionable booking decisions, maybe, but a good show overall. I thought on uh, Halloween Havoc Wednesday, Dynamite is back. They're getting closer to their pay per view just a few weeks out, so they're building to that. And Coop, there were actually some a little bit of news in uh, a couple companies that we don't talk a whole lot about. We first know that Bound for Glory from Impact was last week, and it looks like their involvement and their working relationship with AEW is going to be done. Not sure exactly if that helped them any. I know they got a couple good ratings show. I don't know if it did anything at all for AEW. Seemed like most of the Impact guys just kind of lost to a lot of the AEW guys. Um, so that that was a little bit of news. And then Ring of Honor, unfortunately, is going to be... Uh, Taking some time off at the end of the year They have one show they're going to build through the final battle And then they don't really know what's going to happen At the beginning of next year So all of their contracts are going to be Basically voided So Impact and Ring of Honor news to start the show 
Yeah, whirlwind. Uh, we'll start with Impact first, Bound for Glory, because we briefly mentioned this last week on the podcast that they had a big pay-per-view, and they had a couple interesting title changes. Uh, whether you want to call them the Iconics, which you can't, um, they are the new uh, Impact Knockouts Tag Team Champions, and then uh, in another interesting call, uh, Mickey James, who is in basically in the, ahead of the NWA Women's Division, is the new Impact Knockouts Champion, dethroning uh, Deanna Perrazzo, which was not too far away from setting a new record that was held by. I believe Ty of Valkyrie and a lot of fans were upset with that. And then your main event, Christian cage was defeated by an impact guy, Josh Alexander, and which thought was the end of the match. And then earlier in the night, uh, Moose had won some sort of gimmick battle Royal or match to do some kind of cash in and he cashes in and he's now the impact world champion. So impact now is, uh, all, this is Res- all, WrestleMania 9 we're talking about here yeah, with uh, yeah. Hulk Hogan stealing the title from uh, yeah. after the Bret Hart Yoko match, basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So <laughs> Impact looks, uh, as you said, their their partnership with AEW is gone. Now it looks like they're going to be, quote unquote, in bed maybe with NWA. And then uh, just interesting, interesting. And it feels really, you know, Bad the news that came down on Ring of Honor yesterday, yes, and yes. Uh, I, I know a couple of talent on that roster, and you know it, it's 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 sad, really. Um, you you could point the finger any any which way you can you could point it on Ring of Honor and say they haven't done a very good job, and they don't do this, and they haven't let fan in fans in. Or you can they blame did the pandemic talent very well during the pandemic, though. You know, sure, sure. Their talent, they were they were one of the 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 companies that yeah they didn't have as many and as big of contracts and stuff, but they weren't letting as many people go during the pandemic. They were trying to uh to to hold strong there. And isn't it crazy, Chad, with this company, how things have kind of changed in the last five years? Because they were always sort of the very good wrestling company. Most of the time, they were like a feeding ground to WWE. How many right. really good people came straight from Ring of Honor over to WWE or had major Ring of Honor from, you know, uh, Punk to Brian to Samoa Joe to, uh, you know, Seth Rollins, Cole, a lot of, a ton of these guys, right? Had, had a lot of in- influence. But what, what's so weird was I, you know, when just reading and listening to some other uh, people discuss this, it sort of felt like, Ring of Honor might have had the opportunity to be AEW, you know. Sure. Remember, because they had that big show, and they were sort of in partner with the Young Bucks and putting that show together. The Bucks were working with them. Omega was kind of working back and forth with them and with New Japan. I think that Ring of Honor kind of felt like they might have been the 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 company that was going to benefit from that. And then instead, you know, Tony Khan and AEW came in, and who knows if how if it ever would have worked, or if Ring of Honor would have ever even be able to come close to what AEW does. Because for as much, you know, uh, flack as we'll give AEW sometimes for some of the on ring stuff or uh, in ring stuff or some of the the things that Tony will say online and stuff, he he does have a big league organization, right? Like AEW feels at least 
Like it, it's not WWE quality level But if you're talking about all of the other wrestling organizations And you were comparing them to AEW AEW is like WWE to all of them uh, it, it is and in, in, in like a money right In like a backing sure. In like how it's presented And sure there's going to be really good talent In ML, MLW in, in Impact In Ring of Honor In New Japan But it just The way that Tony's kind of come in With the backing that he has The money that the cons have we, We're not used to seeing that kind of money In wrestling other than Vince Right And yeah you're right Ring of Honor used to be the outlier With that right If you wanted to watch you know, the hardcore wrestling matches, you watched Ring of Honor, and it is, uh, they had a kind of a change a little bit this year, um, you know, they rebranded the women's division, they didn't have a really a women's division uh, for a while, they had a couple of women on the roster, but they never truly had a women's division, uh, and it just, no one really knows what's going to happen, you know, here's the good thing. If you're under contract with ROH, ROH through March, I think which majority of those who are under contract uh, that sign with them, they're going to pay you. It's not like they're skipping out, they're shutting down, but they're doing a a 180 reboot. They're doing a rebrand, and who I, no no one has any idea who the booker is going to be. No one's going to know who the talent is going to be. Uh, all talent is free to take independent bookings. And you know what? At the end of the day, people are not going to like what, I, what I'm about to say. Whether you like it or not, and whether how much good AEW has been for professional wrestling, giving people another outlet. It really has killed these lower-level professional wrestling organizations. Yeah. There's just not a lot of interest in Ring of Honor, Impact, MLW, NWA. I'm sorry, there's not. That's not taken away from the rosters. It's not just, at all. There's not enough time in the day for people to care about these other wrestling organizations. You're a thousand percent right, Chad. Because what's happening is, like you and I, and everyone that I'm sure is listening to this show right now, we're we're in the wrestling bubble, right? We're we're hardcore wrestling fans that are talking about wrestling online, and we're watching a, a bunch of the wrestling shows throughout. But when you think about wrestling on the grand scale compared to where it was. 15, 20 years ago, 30 years ago when it was at its, its its peak, there are less people watching wrestling right now than ever before because yes. there are because there are other so many other things on. So many other streaming services, podcasts, shows, sports, whatever it is that you're watching and that you have the ability to watch now when you couldn't even watch those things before. So what what's happening now is there's a smaller the pie is smaller, right? Overall so the, the the pizza that we were eating from was a, a extra large before. Now we're we're like dealing with a medium sized pizza, and so instead of it being WWE and then a bunch of others, it's now WWE, AEW, and very few others. The trickle down to those smaller indies and the smaller wrestling organizations, those are the ones that are get are are getting hurt. You know, um, MLW but- even is a really good job, but they don't have. Types of numbers or people that are Like you said it's a time thing If you like WWE and you like AEW Or those are the the, the shows that interest you the most The ones that we talk about on here You've got Monday, Tuesday You've got Wednesday You've got Friday with two different shows You've now You've also got Monday and Wednesday Or Monday and Tuesday if you like to watch AEW's YouTube stuff Like that's 
that's a lot of content from just two companies. And let me ask you this, Gino, and I, I think we we know the answer. Would you agree there's less res- professional wrestling fans on the planet now, or, or do you think there's more? Oh, there's less. Okay, there's less. Like there's harder core fans. The fans are way more passionate and harder core than ever before. They're smarter, but yes. but they're not. There just aren't as many of them. They're they're just not as many that exist anymore. You know, they're they're super super passionate. We're not dumb, and so when we see things coming out, we know it's gonna. We generally all know like where the booking's going and what's going to happen. We know who a lot of these guys and gals are behind closed doors, and it's you know it's it's a hot time for wrestling fans. But in general, you know we were we were thinking a month or two ago that you know Punk was going to move the needle a little bit more than he did. And and he really has it. And now what ends up happening is this is always kind of a lull time of the year for wrestling, right? Yeah. Like yeah. from post SummerSlam, because the same exact reason that is ha- all the big sports have big moments, and then all the new shows start. So there's a ton of other stuff going on. It leads into the holidays. People are traveling, doing stuff with family. And then January comes back, the Royal Rumble time. And then it usually starts to ramp back up for WWE because what's nice is that football will be done around that time. And they can have, you know, they can get a little bit better ratings on Monday. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird, it's weird because things have been up and down and there's so much to discuss. But it is, um. When we 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 talk about it from a positive sense so much, it's a bummer for a company like Ring of Honor who has a lot of talented, really talented people that I'm curious where they end up. You know, Tony Tony can't go in and buy all of Ring of Honor and bring the whole uh, place in, which I'm sure he probably would like to do for a lot of them. You know, there's a, yeah, there's ring there's ring announcers, there's, there's tape a, library. I, I mean, there, there's a lot of things, and you know, Sinclair, had, you know, still they 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 own. A Which is so weird. Work. Like, why don't that, they put themselves on their own channels? And here's here's the the most weird part of it. I had a relative that worked for a, a Sinclair news station, and I'm not knocking on them, but it was just ran so poorly. And here's the thing: even if they did show it, Ring of Honor would show one one week. Their show would be at three o'clock in the morning. The next week, it would be at four o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday. There was just like no eh. consistency. And now you have a final quote unquote bat, you know, pay per view coming up called Final Battle, but not to switch gears. It's like Raw was in Houston this past Monday night. And I talked to several people who were excited about going to the show. And I went, So do you do you watch AEW? No, we like watching WWE. We're we're Roman Reigns, we're those type of fans. Yeah, AEW's got some good wrestlers, but all those guys been in WWE. We just like how WWE does things. So, yeah, you mentioned smart, smart fans. I think you hear a majority of those smart fans on Twitter every week waiting for a key demo, waiting for a botch, as opposed to, and I'm going to use this word and don't get mad, a silent majority of wrestling fans no, you're absolutely who just right, don't though. care, who just want to bring their kid to go see yep. John Cena and Roman Reigns 100%. Uh, and, and, the, and Big E. And I'm telling you, there are a lot of people that are like that out there today. That's why WWE still Exist. continues to, to be so, so good. And that's why, unfortunately, AEW hasn't quite grown enough. The numbers, the numbers tell is that they do a good job of 
like where they're placed on TV, they always do a really good job. AEW in sure, comparison, sure. like with people that are watching, especially like that quote unquote demo where they've got a lot of <laughs> young guys, right? That that watch the show, but they're not. They haven't taken that next leap. They haven't taken the next step into growth because I think what happens some of the times is, for as much as we roll our eyes with some things that WWE does, and we'll get to some of those things this week on all their shows that we'll roll our eyes and go, uh, <laughs> there are, you know, it's like it's like popular music, right? Yeah. It's the yeah. same sort of thing. Like the be, there are really great magi- uh, m- musicians. That could be in like a hardcore rock band or could could be, you know, different about the lyrics they put out or how they pr- produce their shows or music. But they know that less people will listen to that. And I think I, it was John Mayer. I think I heard one time say something like that. He goes, well, you know, I've done a whole sort a bunch of different things. But what I like now is that the music that I produce makes the most amount of people happy. That's kind of how it is with WWE, right? They're, they right. swing and miss on a lot of things to some of us hardcore fans, but for the kids out there, for a lot of the people that they are still, that they are still, you know, like you said, the novice person flipping through the channels, that's who they're aiming their programming for. Those people are still very content when Roman Reigns comes out there, when Cena comes out. They're still, you know, really into uh, Edge or uh, Goldberg when he comes out there for a little bit. And, and, that's a big part of their audience, you know. They're they're yeah, still I, I mean, not millions of people. Not, not that somebody would go out and do it, but if you get a chance to go to one of their live shows, whether it's a house show, they're pay per view, or 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 Raw or SmackDown, ask some ask just the general ticket holder that you're sitting around and just ask them a couple of questions and say, "Hey, look, do you get on Twitter? Do you care about demos? What do you like about WWE? Do Most you watch AEW?" Most of them don't. They don't watch Impact. They don't watch AEW. And and that's and it, and it's the proof is in the ratings. It it, it is. And look, it, it's we're hard on WWE because we know that they can be. We've seen right? what they can do when they're at their best. Right. I, I mean, it's like watching that the the final scene of The Sopranos. I mean, yeah. you're invested into the series, yeah. and you just you're gutted at the end. It's just. For as for as good social media has done, uh, it's also done a lot of harm in, in a lot of ways, and I think it's and it has changed the wrestling industry. And, and I think fans have had their hand. I completely in agree. What they want, but at the same time, I think it hurts when you give the fans everything they want every time. And I we're really going to talk do. a little bit about that when we we discuss AEW in a minute because I think we're sort of getting that with CM Punk, right? Because Oof. like yeah. CM Punk is coming in and he's doing what he wants to do. He's wrestle uh, because if Punk is picking to wrestle some of the the lower on the card type wrestlers, if he wanted to be in a main event match against any of the main eventers, he would. He would have been. And if Punk didn't want to be wrestling some of these lower tier on the card wrestlers who are still very good in ring He wouldn't he's doing this Because that's what he wants to do but unfortunately Like the the like the Bloom is kind of wearing off the rose in that You know <laughs> he, he doesn't have that many bump cards One two like You bring in CM Punk Now for all the crap That you know WWE Does in rematches Here and there and sometimes they do this And sometimes we get sick of we see You know People out on Monday Night Raw and then SmackDown and then a pay per view over and over. We get sick of them. Well, 
They would at least have done I think a better job of putting Punk in matches that all mattered Right so, like so let's let, let's let's talk about AEW Gino Yeah let's start there back, Okay they were back on Wednesday Okay um, Your kickoff match is back on Wednesday Is CM Punk with Bobby Fish Which I thought personally Was probably one of CM Punk's Worst matches That I've ever seen television wise I thought it was lazy I thought there was a lot of stalling I He's just, doing this I really weird um, I don't know if it's purposely thing. being done Right now, no, it, it almost, it's funny like it. it Me neither, but it, it, it Do you remember when Mick Foley did this In ECW kind of thing Where it was like, he wouldn't be Hardcore, and, and it sort of Pissed off all the fans because they I wouldn't do remember be that. Hardcore, I do remember and he that. would do the like He would just wrestle, and he would like chain wrestle And mat wrestle, this almost Feels like what it's happening here to me But the problem is, is he's not like you know, but, but like he's not ribbing enough for it to like he's not playing heel enough for it to like sink in. You know, it's just kind of like, oh, that was just a very basic match that was nothing special at all. Like, I'm not even gonna say that they're like the worst wrestling matches ever or horror, but the expectations we have of CM Punk, this guy, the best in the world after this, and you have it in my honest opinion. The Darby match was fine. None of the others have even been, I thought, close to as good. And and that was like because that was his first match. And that was the pay-per-view and the feel of that, you know, it, since then it's been a little lackluster there was something kind of wonky With the finish too where people aren't Sure if it was like there was A kick out right after it was sort of Weird were they a little off did they not Know that was the final spot or what was Was he trying to just kind of Make Bobby Fish still look a little Stronger which is I, I don't know and I have no cons- Like issues with Fish but this is just You know you you start to Wonder at what point Do does he Go into a bigger program In a bigger story And when he does Is it It's like CM Punk turns Does something heel Goes attack someone It's gonna get a big pop And a big response right But Is it gonna right then And then Are people gonna be over it Like Did Did they not strike enough While the iron was hot with him Is my worry Right now Moving forward Because you start to see Where everybody else is slotted Okay so Who's he Wardlow is is that what we thought we saw on that full gear sheet you know that Tony Khan had like wh- who has he got <laughs> coming up in the next few weeks? Uh, they've got complacent. Uh, you you've talked about it. It looks like they've got complacent and just okay. We're gonna put CM Punk out there. The concern I have with now is not that it matters to me is <clears throat> they're gonna have to turn him heel and and it will pop and we will like it. Um, will his matches and his um, his e- not effort, but will his matches change or will they stay the same? And if not, who is the person other than CM Punk that says, "Okay, hey man," I mean, who makes that call and says, hey, "Yeah, right, like, hey, you need to work your like, we need to change this a little bit." And something and, needs to be tweaked and here. or and or maybe if he is positioned as the heel. And that he's wrestling, true. and he's wrestling against other baby faces who are really good in the ring. It'll piss us off in the way that it's supposed to. Sure, you know? because this is not working. No, it's really not. It's not. It, it's, it's not. 
like that they in the crowd like they get they pop for the body slam thing you know sure, and it's like cool i know i know and it's like <laughs> we're having fun with it but this is kind of like one of those things that is like i think the AEW hardcores like to sh- like like to kind of say hey we g- we'll get anything over yeah right? they lay it all pretty thick we'll get anything over you do a body slam out there we'll get it over and which is like that's a cool, passionate fan base. That's that's a, why some people want to go to AEW. That's why a lot of wrestlers like to go there because they know they're gonna get out there, and the fans are for the most part going to be really receptive to almost everything they're doing. I and guess you unless know what, you know, I, I think a lot of these fans, and I'm not look. It, it's hard not to say this because Tony Tony Khan does open his mouth a little too much on Twitter, and then he stirs the fan base up. It kind of reminds you of. Someone else that that also does that, but <laughs> I think the fans make it a lot more agit. They they're more agitated about it than I think the guys and girls in the locker room are. They don't I care really do. at all. Most I of them really don't. do, man. I really do. There's like two or three from AEW that I think like I think for and and you know what? And I I kind of kind of understand. I think to someone like Jericho, like. Little victories are a big deal because Jericho probably feels like a lot of this was on him, right? He sure. was the guy who came over demo, here. God, so, yeah, the demo. And Jericho was a guy who left WWE. He was a WWE guy. That was a big deal for him to to come over here to get like to probably piss Vince off, whatever it did. But so I can understand why Jericho is a. And that's just kind of how Jericho is, right? Like he'll say things like that, but other. Yeah, there are. I, I don't. I don't think the wrestlers care. I think they laugh. I mean, we've heard Adam. Anytime someone's addressed Adam Cole, we heard you were supposed to be a manager. What the hell? <laughs> are you that never happened. I love my time in WWE. Daniel Bryan. What about what happened to you? Well, the reason why I wanted to leave the most was because Vince was trying to protect me too much. Too much. <laughs> <laughs> too much. The guy cared about me and my family and didn't want me to be like having more concussions and possibly brain didn't damage. Didn't want me to be like draws anymore. Yeah. Or, or uh, you know, so th- that is something that I, I, I agree with you in. And I think there's this unhealthy, like MVP posted something about it the other day. Some other people do. It's like, yeah, I I watch uh, Succession on Sunday night, and then I watch uh, you know, Sunday night football, and I watch uh, you know, uh, the morning show on Apple TV on Friday night. I don't know what the ratings are for those shows, and I don't care. I don't care. I do I don't. not. I've never been a ratings guy. Me neither. Ever. And it sucks because Anything. we we have to like address these things because it's become such a big thing in wrestling. But I hate. I've already make... saw tweets this morning. Gino, just go to your search and type in demo AEW rating. There are people already asking Brian Alvarez. Have That's you heard national. anything from last night? Yeah. yeah. Have you heard anything from last night? We had we we. This is what I like. We had CM Punk on. We we had uh we had uh the like best the women's match in AEW history. We who is I, we? I like the wees. I do like the, the wee gang. Anyway, the wees, just which is great. Um, so it looks like they're setting up uh America Top Talent, the the five on five match. We got uh Sammy yeah. getting a win, and then um they uh Jericho and and they come out they. They uh, confirmed that there will be a five-on-five match at Min- uh, Minneapolis Street Fight. So they will pick the uh, the members of America's top team, which, that's, I mean, that's fine. It's just something for these guys to do. Like, we, we, It's not main event. I don't, 
I'm not really well, you all can't that. Put them in a wrestling match, right? So you got to no, do a gimmick no. match with most. Like of these a fight, people. exactly. Like yeah. a no, you know, it's like a brawl where everybody can use weapons and stuff. So at the very least, it should be like demolition derby kind of. Uh, you know, hey, there's a way we can use demo <laughs> better than demo, right? Demo, demo <laughs> sure. derby, demo derby as uh, other stuff to to take from uh, dynamite. Hey, you know what? I do like the little uh, the little back and forth that there's been between uh, Brian Danielson and Eddie Kingston. I thought sure. that the the promos sure. and stuff have been good. Uh, last week, Brian Danielson, they've been having this eliminator tournament, and Brian and Eddie have both won their matches, so they're on to face each other in the next round. And Brian Danielson uh, backstage ran into Eddie Kingston, I think last week, and he said, "You know, I want to. I'm looking forward to wrestling you, but you." He called him out. He's like, you're basically called him lazy. You could be so much more. If you put some work in outside of the ring, you could be one of the best. You probably would have been a world heavyweight champion before, but you don't care about that. And Eddie Kington just walked away. Then this week he comes back and he said, you know, he starts talking about mental health stuff. Dealing with Eddie Kingston says, you know what? You don't want to walk in my shoes at all. I'm done talking. I'm done listening. And he walks off, and so it's just like short and sweet. And Daniel Bryan kind of smirks, and it's like, <laughs> "This is the guy I wanted all along." And uh, nothing too crazy, just like a match in their tournament. But I did like the interaction between uh, between them, and it just good stuff from Daniel Bryan. Yeah, and, and it and it leads up to their Friday match, right? It's going to be on Rampage, yep. uh, the uh, championship eliminated tournament. And, and if you don't want spoilers, stay off because that 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 is taped. Right after Dynamite on Wednesday night, so uh, but I do I, that was a positive for me. The, the, yep. I had the, there were some positives for me uh, on AEW, but there were also there there were negatives, and we'll we'll get into the. I had several negatives with a uh, with WWE, but there there was some decent things on this. This show week was a, felt night. a pretty good. Yeah, I was gonna say there was this week felt like a a pretty solid WWE week, WWE week for the most part. A lot of the gripes I heard about booking stuff actually came from like impact, you know, earlier and over the weekend. And then, uh, uh, some of the things on NXT, even, which we'll get to, uh, in, in a minute. Um, Sheeta picks up a win. She moves on in her, in the title tournament. So in that women's title tournament that they've got going for the TBS title, which, uh, I think they had four buys right in the 12th, <laughs> 12. Um, so Jade, Let's talk about this match real quick, though. Yeah. Okay. It was a good match. It was a really good match. Now, yeah. a lot of the marks are saying the you know the women's division has gotten so much better. Well, neither one of these women are really technically one hundred percent farm raised AEW, right? I don't think no. Serena D was was one of the first. Britt Baker was. Kylie Ray, those type of people. Penelope Ford, right? The thing I did not like about the match was the post match. Why are we delivering chair shots to her? Are we taking her out of the tournament now? I know. I, I just I thought that spoiled a really really good match, and it yeah. was probably you know, the better matches on the card. We uh, so, okay. So along in this tournament, we got her moving on. We've got in the tournament, um, Ruby still in in the mix there. But this this uh, I kind of thought this was Jade's title yeah. sort of tournament sure. to win. And wow, Jade and Britt are going at it online on social media, and because uh, we know Ty Conti is set up to be the next challenger for Britt Baker. Britt Baker made a comment about Ty Conti only showing her ass all over the place. That's why <laughs> that's why people know her. And then Which Ty Conti, 
Yeah, oh, it was. And then Ty uh, came back and said, well, don't be upset because you don't have an ass that you'd want to show. And then that's another good point. And then Jay, Jay jumps in the mix and says, I'm the best looking of everyone, you know, and then they're all. And now Britt Brit said Jade's trying to uh, body shame her, which is a great heel, a great heel <laughs> thing. It's fantastic. like Britt talks trash and calls out every person in the world. And then somebody says something. That's She's why like, I love Britt. Me too. She's trying to body shame me, which is just <laughs> great. So all I know is I'm kind of interested right now in seeing something between Britt and Jade because of all their stuff online. Like, I'd love to see that. But I think you want to keep them separated because this is the problem that they ran into with Ruby. Ruby felt we were excited about Ruby really excited she came in and she immediately felt like she was the number two in that division and could be like 1A or 1B to Brit's 1A and and they could either have a, a fun feud for a while we were even wondering dang Ruby came right in they're not gonna have her lose she's gonna maybe beat Brit and they did the opposite they had her tap out and so now you know maybe I kind of is this like uh Hey Ruby. No TV this week. Yeah, there's no yeah. TV this week for her. I think she's done dark and dark elevation. And hell, I mean, Britt's in a match, I believe, on Friday with Abaddon, who I I didn't even know she was still with the company. Me, I haven't yeah. seen from her. She was early early stages of uh of AEW. We haven't seen her in a long, long time, but she does a lot of work on uh, dark and elevation there. So I mean I, I think I, I think the right choice would be for Jade to win that title and then have like a nice Miro sort of run where she could just be sure. really dominant for a while. Um, maybe this is something that they say to Ruby, like, hey, Ruby, look, so here, here's sort of like your consolation prize. You didn't beat Brit, but we'll let you come in and, and have this title. But I don't know. She feels just a lot. She doesn't feel nearly as buzzworthy as she was right when she came in a few weeks ago. Just sort of, I think, to be honest, for Ruby. I feel like there have been a couple times where she's been a little disappointing in the ring, whether it was yes. her, whether yes. it was her fault or the dance partner that she was in there with, and they're they're just the match that they worked. And so maybe some of those times it wasn't one hundred percent her fault, but there have been a few times where it's like, yeah, you know, that wasn't necessarily her A level game. No, and the bat look battle royals are really really tough spots to work for men and women. You you don't get a lot of time. There, there's a lot of people in a small area, and <clears throat> excuse me, I think a few spots that she had in that, whatever they called it, the Casino Royale, whatever it was, the Women's uh, Battle Royal, uh, the last pay-per-view, it really didn't do a whole lot for her other than win it, and then they immediately shoved her into that title match, but I, what next week uh the TBS championship tournament continues uh Anna J and Jamie Hayter uh are are uh, you know do you think either one of those two have a shot at, at yeah. winning this title absolutely no? not no um I know like, Hayter doesn't no I'd be like I'd be shocked like Anna like J they've but... been like they like Anna J and like Anna J and Ty they've they've gotten a lot better like Ty Conti had a match or two in WWE and NXT. There's one that floats around the internet where it was like it looked like a training match that yes. she was in. Yes. And she yes. was like going super slow motion through. She is like worlds better now yeah. than she was yeah. before. I, she's I'd still like not someone this. who's going to be able to beat Brit and and um Anna J is not quite on that level either, but th- if there was a mid like they would be 
contenders for the t- for this t- title. Like, I think if Jade wins or a heel wins that title, Ty and Anna Jay would feel like fine uh, contenders for that. They feel like they're in the mid card of the women. Unfortunately, there's just not, you know, it's not a thick card all the way top to bottom, but they're it's like a couple low that top. Hey, I, up- I, I, I interrupted you a while ago. Who's no. who's all left in the tournament? So we got Jade, Ruby, the t- uh, Sheeta, the two wrestling. That you just mentioned Okay And Naya Nyla Okay Nyla Rose Same person Same yeah Nyla 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 When they inevitably Wrestle one day Spider-Man mean One day Beat you Yeah so I mean Jade's the best choice In my opinion Yeah you think they go heel here Yeah I think they go heel I think Jade would just be Be dominant with Jade For a little while Even though you got another heel Champion Britt's not like a full heel You know and she could turn at any moment. She gets cheered, and she's like a tweener. You know, she's yeah. she's a bitch, but she's not a full, like she's not hated. So um, <laughs> that's continuing on Wednesday at Dynamite. Moxley looks like he's getting ready for his heel turn. He had a quick. He beat the crap out of ten here. Looks like these guys yeah. almost looks like they hate each other in real life. Um, <laughs> and then I think the one thing that most people were talking about coming out of the show was Cody. And sure. and just um, this promo uh, is promo. Andrade attacks after, and so Andrade and Malachi Black have some sort of a, an association here, um, and and that's what ends up kind of breaking up Cody's promo and segment. But it's he he's kind of floundering. He's lost. He's a little yeah. lost right now, lost. and it's like he's lost. They don't they got to be careful because this is the moment that Roman Reigns was in. Like where it was like dude you gotta just go heal You just have to lean in and embrace it That's what the people want They want to boo you Let them boo you Give them a reason to boo you When you fight it It makes it worse And getting a reaction is great That's what you want in pro wrestling It doesn't matter what reaction you're getting You just gotta start to learn how to Okay they're gonna boo me So let's let's tell that story then Let's have me be a very booable person and now he's trying to do this Yeah, or, you know, he does this Very honest thing, and it's like That works in real life Cody, I don't, I genuinely don't think People, and dis- I don't think he's like that In real life, no, and it's like I don't think, pe- and he's getting Hurt, like, I think he's taking It, he's like living the gimmick A little too much right now, you know yeah. I think he's what- taking it personally That he's getting booed in and and people are booing his character. They're booing the way that this Cody Rhodes guy, who was the hottest guy in this company to start the company, he was. Remember, Cody was in the main events right at the beginning. Yeah, because he, was, he was kind of seen as the guy, not not so much Omega, Hangman, and Young Bucks, was, but were the, one he thing. was Stardust, right? And he yep. was misused. And now this is your chance to shine. You're the executive VP. Blah blah blah. And it's been downhill since he's lost that 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 match where he can't go for the title. So exactly. fantasy booking, let's That's get away it. from Malachi Black after this. Yeah, and let just turn on Arn, just beat the hell out of Arn and say no, I'm going to shoot you in the mouth or whatever <laughs> you know he's going to do. A, and just turn on Arn and be done with it. Get, get yeah. the black hair back. Put a Glock yeah. up in your up in your <laughs> face, Arn. As we got to a big Dark Order match versus the Elite, they were all dressed up in uh, uh, in their costumes. And 
So here's the the and and you this was like a very wrestling trope, like who's the guy in the box reveal, yeah, you know, like and, and it's like Halloween box. weekend. I get the, it. The, the the main this is goofy. The reason why I have a little bit of a problem with it is just because this is your main event world title yes. picture. If this was down the middle of the card and you've got the Dark Order guys goofing around and Matt Riddle's got a, you know, like a half-baked costume on Monday, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's cool. You just don't, like, the New Day would walk out there and and I wouldn't want as much for Big E to be as goofy now, no, you know? No. Like, I, I just wouldn't because that it feels a little different with your main event picture. And that's my problem here. Do I care that people get goofy and dress up in costumes sometimes? No. Hell, I'm going to go on a couple live streams this weekend and put a goofy costume on, you know? But I don't, yeah. I'm not the main event of this title picture, like, program where Adam Page just cut this, like, really impassioned promo last week where we were like, wow, that was an awesome promo for a guy who's not even known for his great promos. And then the next week, you're in, like, the Marshmallow Man costume, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think it's cool because AEW does it, and it's not cool if another wrestling promotion does it because Impact had these same type characters. This is the turkey them. stuff they did on Thanksgiving, the turkey <laughs> yeah. suit. You know, so you you have an interesting Friday night show. You have Brian Danielson and Eddie Kingston uh, in a championship elim- eliminator tournament match. Dante Martin versus Matt Seidel in a trick or treat match. Britt Baker and Abaddon. And I will say this, I'm not a spoiler guy, but I did see something, and I think we're going to find out who CM Punk's next little feud could be with, and I actually think it's going to be good if done correctly. And then next Wednesday, Wednesday, Gino, on AEW on Wednesday night, we're going to get Cody and Andrade, and then you're going to get a TBS Championship Tournament match, which we already mentioned, Anna Jay and Jamie Hayter, and then you're going to get another... World Championship Eliminator Tournament match, which kind of feels like, because eh, we know who's going over. It's Moxley and Orange Cassidy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, I think Mox will continue along. Yeah. Mox yeah. versus Danielson, maybe in the in the final. Is that what it feels I, like? I think. So. I, I, you know, that that's big. Yeah. And I, then it feels big. Maybe Danielson can go, or Mox will go heel either during or after, kind of really lead yes. into the yes. the heel yeah. there. Let's move over to uh, NXT because NXT sure, had a it. nice Halloween Havoc uh, show just hey, the other ratings, night. Great ratings, man. Hey, great ratings. And you know what? World Series. This was a really big deal for them because they didn't – they hadn't listed any takeover. Like we, we made the change from NXT, NXT 2.0. They, they – you know, a new – a bunch of new wrestlers are coming in. But we didn't have that pay-per-view, that kind of what are we building towards – I think once they listed, okay, Halloween Havoc's coming, and we started to get some matches built towards that, I felt felt a lot better about the direction of everything, right? You got to have something to build towards. You have to. You can't just have weekly shows with nothing to – no crescendo or no season finale or no whatever. So at least, like, having these – even if they're just on TV and they're not takeovers is going to be co- totally fine. This was a good show. A lot of the ring – the in-ring work was great, and you know what? They got Chucky on here, but it was, <laughs> it was how they had him was fine. He wasn't yes, in was the okay middle of matches. He was popping up. There were some pre-recorded vignettes, even in the one that he popped up with uh, 
Broad Breaker was like a shout out to years back a Steiner Brothers thing, you know, and uh, and so I didn't have a problem with um, with really any of of, of the Chucky no. involvement, and no. No. the uh, the matches were excellent. Man, Strong. to start, yeah. we got uh, it was the women's tag to start, right? That's where we the scareway yes. yes. to hell and the scareway to hell ladder match, and. These six women went nuts, and wow, Io Shirai takes this bump off a ladder <laughs> I that I have dead. never seen a person take a bump, and and you know she's got to be fine because she just laid there after for minutes, yes. and and the ref had to have come talk to her. She and bounced it, off that ladder. She and the the indie like the look that Indy had on her face when she hit was like. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe she just took that bump. That was incredible. And I really got to give it up to all six of those women. They worked really hard. Indy is like, I don't know if it's if she's playing into this. She just looks so much more confident right now. Yeah. The way that she like is. she's carrying herself in the ring. She feels like it's like she's playing into the like, I'm a married woman, you know, now or like, <laughs> yeah. it's like or she was just this like. Scared little girl chasing around a guy she had a crush right. on. She looks like a like a different person in the she's ring. Her really presence, improved. yeah, she's really improved. And and before too long, she'll be making a there'll be a singles push there. Absolutely, absolutely, she'll be in the title picture sooner than later. But the the winner's toxic attraction. Um, Love it, Dolan and Jane. Dolan's got a great look to her too. She's oh, just something. Man. There's something Slogan. about her that's very like just differently. Attractive and unique and um, Yeah love this group As uh, they win the Tag titles there we Went to the the haunted house With uh (laughs) You know what this This was funny I I got a Halloween guy Full disclosure Halloween is my I I love Christmas I'm a big Christmas Mark but Halloween is my Gimmick I love I love it I have been the last few weeks On every streaming service Watching their Halloween collections, Hulu, uh, Netflix, Disney Plus, uh, free form. Yeah, I watch Halloween cartoons, man. I'm, I'm, I'm watching all of the Simpsons, uh, uh, Treehouse, Treehouse of Horrors. Of yeah, yeah. I love them all. I'm even going to Disney's Halloween Town, the corny <laughs> ones. I love them all, man. I still. <laughs> I'm like I know I'm very self-aware of who I am, and I'm a dark. Oh, I do too, man. This stuff I, I love it. it so I get a kick out of this. I real I I love I love going to the fright nights, places like that. I love the haunted sure. stuff. Ha- anytime there's a haunted house that was in the area, I would always go there. I hey, just we can I'm, be really good friends with Cardona and uh, Chelsea Green because they're they love in that the gimmick too. Nights. I was gonna say they're at, they're at those Halloween horror nights all the time. They love those things, <laughs> and Cardona loves the blood too. We know yeah, that. He does. Um, this was fun, man. This was a lot of fun. They're in the haunted house. We get to see a little bit more personality from Carmelo and from Trick. And you've got Johnny and Dexter, like you know, planning everything. Johnny goes, "Man, I really home alone the hell out of this thing," you know. <laughs> Dexter's Dex looking at it. I got. I like this. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it, it was good, man. And, and it look, and, and it gives a little. Um, it gives a little. You you get some personality from Carmelo and Trick. Yep. You know, yep. instead of just being badasses, you you get to you get to see some of that, and I think that helps with helps a character grow. I really do. 
Grayson Waller and uh, L.A. Knight battle over uh, who's going to be the host. It looked like Grayson Waller uh, uh, messed with L.A. Knight's car to to have him run late here. Uh, So they they both just kind of pop in a a little bit. Joe Gacy picks up a a big squash win. Uh, uh, So, yeah, at least they continue along with him. Um, He came out and he interrupted uh, Grayson Waller. Um, So... Joe uh, Joe said You know Halloween is just An excuse to exploit and sexualize All pe- all people <laughs> He's just gonna send a, a more positive Message I kind of like Waller You know like where yeah. he just like a frat boy, right? Like he just plays that role, and he's a party guy. He was he's looking at the girls. We see him later on. He's like trying to, you know, he's he's flirting with them, and then. Cameron Grimes comes in with the like the worst pickup line ever in the party, and he's wearing the astronaut thing. It's like I remember when we were when I was younger, my buddies and I used to love the like trying to find the real pick like real crazy pickup lines, you know, or just like the real funny ones that we thought. And I could totally see Grimes being that guy. Grimes is just walking up to everyone like, if I could change the alphabet, I'd put you and I together, you know, like he's gonna. <laughs> You got a mirror in your pocket because I can see myself in your pants. You know, like, <laughs> the best the best part is Elvis gets choke slammed through a damn table. Yeah, so good, so good. Uh, so that they keep checking in with the uh, the party, the Halloween party that they're having uh, throughout the night, and uh, that, that's a lot of fun. A couple of the other uh, big matches worth mentioning on Halloween Havoc. So uh, the Diamond Mine is getting more and more over. Um, and you know what? They they had a match here. Roderick Strong did like he was about as good as I've seen a small guy try to work on a big guy in a match. Like believable yeah. the way he was going after him with aggressive offense. People just forget how good Roderick is in the ring. The guy is incredible. The Diamond Mine a month and a half ago, we were going, "Oh no." Yeah, yeah. And now they feel way different. Way different. Like I feel like the um the presentation of them just by adding the pieces, they add the coach, they bring in the Creed brothers, they've got a, a female presence now. Um, they just seem like, much, much better than they were, uh, you know, when they were in the early stages. And Bivens is a talker. He he's been known for that. Even when he was in, you know, the Ring of Honor days, and he was talking, they're letting him talk. And so that again, just a very, you know, I was surprised a little bit. Uh, not that Roderick Strong went over because I, I really think Odyssey Jones is one of those guys um, that's going to be a star. But I think Odyssey Jones, he's going to be on the main roster before you know it. Yep. He just yep. is. I, you know, I, I know a lot of people are comparing him to the Bearcat, but man, there's a lot of love. There's, there's a lot of love for Odyssey Jones. But I'm with you, man. This Diamond Mine stuff, it, it's it's doing well right now. We had uh, the spin the wheel, make the deal, the trick or treat street fight for the women's title. Mandy, Mandy Rose gets the Mandy. win over Raquel. Um, at the end, there was a Grim Reaper that came out and uh, <laughs> hit Raquel with a shovel. Uh, basically, someone wearing a Jason mask. And um, Mandy ends up getting the win. We find out. Afterwards that it was uh, in fact Dakota Kai who came back to uh, reignite her feud it looks like with Raquel But Mandy Rose someone who a couple years ago people were saying oh she's going to get the title right away Vince is going to push her 
This is a girl that obviously Vince likes, but you know what? They never did that with her. They never no. they never did that with her. She and let's be honest, she's got more talent in the ring than people that they did do that with years ago. That they that they oh, gave 100%. and they pushed right away. But for some reason they did it and she's getting better in the ring. She's finding her footing, she's finding a character. This is like a presentation now with Toxic Attraction that feels a lot more polished. Feels like in a couple months This could be a main roster uh, Group And Mandy legitimately Feels like she's a lot more important And someone now who could be A contender and a Like in, in the matches With some of the women on the main roster Where she never felt like she really belonged there before With this presentation She does and I think that we'll probably get maybe one match between Raquel and Dakota, and maybe we get Ra- Raquel showing up at the Royal Rumble, something yeah, like that. I, yeah, I'm glad to see Dakota back because I'm a really, really big fan, and you could tell it was her by the way she was standing. Um, yeah, you, you kind of thought Mandy Rose was going to win the title, especially after Gigi and JC did. But you know, with with Toxic Attraction, as you mentioned, you know, somebody you know possibly going up on the main roster. This kind of reminds me of when. Paige and her group came up to the main roster. Do you remember that? I, I don't know what they it, were called. They had PC, some little group. No, was it PCB? Was it PC? Was it Paige, Charlotte, been. Becky? PCB? Was that it what it was? Been. And but this kind of reminds me of that a little bit. You know, I, look, I'm not comparing their ring talents I, at all. So don't go there. I, I, I'm not. I don't want to take. You know that ass chewing from people. Uh, I take it enough no. from AEW. I'm just saying it feels like. This group is headed in a direction where they could get called up on the main roster with spray cans, with kendo sticks, and not just give a crap and just call it chaos, which would be very nice and disruptive for Raw or SmackDown. For the women to get something yes. like that, too, yes. right? That's, that's generally not the way that they are booked. Um, and we got to the Lumberjack match for the tag team titles. This is the one that bothers me. Why is Imperium winning these matches? And and all this was here, a fantastic match. It was led, led, excellent. It, it excellent. was excellent. But really why good. The hell, they're back to Imperium without Walter, and they keep bringing me. Oh, Walter would be so proud. Well, I don't know if he is or not because he's not here, and it, it just drives me insane. I, I I look. I'm okay if you're going in different directions, but I don't think Imperium does it for anybody. No, I'm sorry, it doesn't for me. It never has. Not at all, and it's a bummer, and and it's really great weird. Match, though really great match. match, and all the weird stuff going on with like why MSK had been getting booed. Like Izzy, did you read all that stuff about like Izzy and I her family and her family, and they like they would tell people to. This is a that was just a weird thing yeah, happening. Something strange here, yeah. But I feel bad for MSK because they do a really great job in the ring. We'll see what happens with them moving forward. Maybe they're a team that's going to get called up soon or something because they they. They're great in the ring They really are But I don't know if they'd ever get to do the, their kind of style On the main roster And, and they may flounder there um, So th- that was a booking decision That surprised me a little bit, Imperium And I was pretty surprised that Braun Baker didn't win I, I just kind of expected Like from the very beginning I don't know if I like hate it Because it's not as if Braun Breaker was made to look like a like a chump or anything, he looked great in this match. He looked that was a fantastic match. Looked really strong. Um, I just sort of felt like that's where they were going, but they don't think now is quite the right time, or for whatever reason they may have. Um, 
I thought the show from top to bottom though was very very good. Yeah, and I just you expect of any titles that are going to change hands, it's going to be that one. I did read where uh, WWE is going to the UK very soon, and uh, Tommaso and Braun uh, will be a program uh, in several matches with Sami Zayn in a triple threat. I, I thought that was interesting, but I'll tell you this: I'll, I'll tell you this. I'm not happy, and and we we a lot of times you and I get get cursed. Uh, that were not hard enough on WWE and NXT. And I, I'm very, di- very disappointed. I thought Braun should have won that title. But it will make for a hell of a rematch and a comeback for Braun Breaker, don't you yeah, think? Uh, very much. I would have put it on him right there. It doesn't, for me, like a lot of it depends on how it feels, right? Like, um, example, I, you know, we'll talk about Bianca in a minute. Like, Bianca has sort of not, like, She's been made to look stronger since that squash, but then also not, right? Like, she loses right, kind of right. weirdly, but she's in the ring with all of them. She's not, like, an afterthought. She's presented like she's on the same level with the Beckys and the Charlottes and the Sashas, and you get the sense that she's going to win. So that's that's how I – like, you, you know that Braun's going to get his. I just thought, yeah, it probably was the, the better way to go right off the and bat. Just, and, and how long do you wait? Do we get back into this when you come back from the U.K.? Do we go right back to it? Do you get a new challenger and he comes back? I, I, I'm with you. I don't like waiting around and playing these games like they've done. Somebody's hot, like you said. You don't know if when someone is hot when, while they're hot, unless this is like a WrestleMania storyline that you've got set up for someone that's you know eight months down the line that you're starting to build. Which it's this is not right. This is NXT. This no. isn't like his WrestleMania main event storyline. Then I get that he's not winning now because he's going to win it then. Otherwise. You strike while the iron's hot People get hurt People like the fans change their mind Stuff comes out in social like media Weird things happen You go when you have the moment when someone's over And you go you go all the way with it And that's yeah. You know yeah I, I love the quality of the show A couple of the booking decisions uh, Had some, uh, some gripes with there As we shift back to WWE And we had to Smackdown The post crown jewel Smackdown We knew after Paul Heyman with the, the great uh, way that that title match ended when he threw the belt in the middle of the ring, we didn't know who he was leaning towards. Was it Roman? Was it Brock? So Roman opens the show kind of like lambasting Paul a little bit, talking down to him. Who are you throwing it to? Were you throwing it to me? Look how easy it is. Hand it to me. Hand it to me. And, you know, just really uh, giving it to him. Uh, Brock comes out. He goes ballistic. Um, other superstars have to come out to try to b- calm him down. He goes nuts all over everyone. He is then told uh, after the the they go to a commercial break, they come back. Adam Page or Adam P Adam Page Adam Pierce and, and not the Hangman's not the commissioner <laughs> of SmackDown right now. It's Adam Pierce. He's not in the the marshmallow suit over on Friday Night SmackDown. And uh, Pierce suspends Brock. Says nobody can come out and do this. And uh, Brock goes nuts on Pierce, gives him an F5. So this is the way to get Brock off TV for a couple months till maybe the Rumble or till whenever whenever they want to get him back in the title picture for Roman, you'd imagine. This was compelling television, and this took 30 minutes, including a wild brawl. And I would have been okay with this 
for the whole two hours. The entire it, show, it, like no yeah. matches or like a match. No matches. Matches starting and Brock it. just interrupting him every time. Yeah, and he comes out there and just beats the piss out of everyone. I, I, I just thought it was really a, a, a really good segment. I thought it was well done. Um, the crowd was so hot coming off of it. You, you go into a Drew McIntyre, Sami Zayn match, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, Sami Zayn had new music, I think. But I, I, I don't know, man. I, I know people would not have liked this because this was the quote-unquote season premiere, right, of SmackDown. Man, I would have just really had this vote. If you're putting Brock Lesnar off of TV for a while, and this is the only thing really you can do because he lost the match. Uh, you, you really don't have a big pay-per-view until Royal Rumble. He's not going to get that rematch at Royal Rumble. If you're going to do this to, to, uh, to Brock, which is, I think is a fantastic idea. I would have liked to seen this pan out over two hours. I really would have. I agree. That's I agree. my only complaint of it. I, this is... I, I know people would have complained about matches. I just felt like it... some of these matches, you know, and coming you out of Saudi Mansour Arabia and Ali again, yeah, coming out of Saudi Arabia where the, the roster is already going to be traveling and a little depleted and a little tired. And you felt it. You felt yeah. it. You know, you felt it on Ali Sunday. and Mansoor was not any good. It really nope. wasn't. The crowd didn't really care. You had Hit Row debut, which is fine. They beat two jobbers. Yep. Uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, you're, you're I, I right. thought it could have been well served. Uh, you're right. Uh, Drew basically gets an elongated squash over Sammy, um, which was good, you know. It's fine. Gets away for Drew to look strong. Comes out and um, and uh, Sammy did a, a really good job helping you know Drew look strong. Um, we got the official King of the Ring coronation ceremony for uh, Xavier Woods. So Xavier had some fun with the scepter, and you know we got a little uh, uh, Kofi placing the robe on him, and the fans chanting "Hail King Woods." So it wasn't like too crazy heelish or anything, but. Cool to see Xavier get his moment as someone who has been waiting for this opportunity for the King of the Ring forever, and uh, and he got it. And so Xavier, uh, maybe he gets slightly elevated in in a singles way, and maybe he gets some sort of a title match, a mid card shot, or a shot at uh, uh, you know the one that I keep thinking about. It's not going to be right now with Big E because we know on Monday Night Raw Big E has another uh, com- uh, contender now, a challenger, but uh, just a, a Big E. Uh, Kofi Xavier match where You know Xavier plays the heel In that match because he it Goes to his head a little bit but then after the match He's kind of like okay I'm not you know thing, I, I know uh, you know guys wait we love Each other that would be that'd be fun and maybe Somewhere they go but uh yeah cool for Xavier Like you said there was the, the ring The in ring work here Mansoor We got Mustafa with a With a rematch we got a hit row Squash they looked great Um but there wasn't not a whole lot spectacular when we're talking about uh, in ring on this on this episode. No, you, you had Happy Corbin and Shinsuke in a ten minute match, and you have Shinsuke lose again. And when it, I, has I he won a match as the IC champ? Losing. I hate it. Yeah, when is the last time? When is the last time he's won? I hate it. Title match. I hate doing that, and the the they're obviously like. Getting behind Happy Corbin right now, but man, the the Corbin of like of two months ago versus this guy, like the Madcap Moss thing is like annoying heat. You know, and the problem, the problem, Gino, is we've had Shinsuke and Corbin forever, 
with Shinsuke still in the crown, and then he wins the title, and now we're back to that again, but Shinsuke's losing. And Shinsuke was winning every week over Corbin when he was King Corbin. So this is backwards here. It was a good match. It was fine. It was just just silly booking. And then they did their... uh... The, the title exchange This was got a lot of buzz throughout the week Because yeah, this Charlotte Yeah Charlotte's apparently Not again I don't even like Talking about that kind of stuff because I never know You never know with no, rumors no, Stuff like that not. like no everybody's got an agenda So somebody releases some stuff About how a person is and how they act All I don't know any of that All I know is that it did look like These women were sort of pissed off About the situation they were in And they, that they were yes. Happy about what they were having to do here I did read that Charlotte actually Had wanted to lose her title to Bianca That she actually thought That on Raw Bianca should have beat her And that that way That could have at least made sense for the Raw title They wouldn't have had to flip that one And you know then you could have done Whatever you wanted on the other side but The uh the decision Was made to basically just hand Over the titles and I don't like that at all Because you know the women. You know Sasha comes out and and, and she interrupts them a little bit, and, and you know she. Uh, so the three of them get into it, uh, but we give WWE a lot of credit for what they do with their women's divisions because they. I mean, oh, think about what they've done over the last month. How many times have Becky, Sasha, Bianca, and Charlotte been closing a show in the main event or like one of the most important parts of any show? Like every one of them, almost all the time. This was bad though. It makes the title seem meaningless. You could it just it was sloppy. You could have done something way better about it. You could have had you you book this show. You book this show. You didn't have to have them have those titles. You could have had them lose in many different ways um to get the titles off anything what it was. You could have said because they're switching spots, we're going to I mean just tell us, but the way that they did it with the handoff, that I don't like that. Are you excited with Sasha Charlotte on SmackDown? I mean, sure. You know, like once they get into it, they'll be great. But it, it we've seen them a million times. And it's yeah. it, the, the point that's hard right now is that like Sasha's not really a baby face no. right now. She's sort of a tweener heel ish, but. In in the Charlotte Sasha stuff, like who are, who am I rooting for? You know who am I who am I who do I want to get behind? At least in the Bianca stuff, people get behind Bianca. When yes. Bianca's involved, whoever you put her on the opposite side of with Becky or whatever, people are going to get behind Bianca. They're waiting. They want to see Bianca get hers. They want to see Bianca, you know, uh, get the pin over Becky for everything Becky's done. I don't get that same feeling as much with Charlotte and Sasha as just oh they'll have really great matches. So maybe they need to tweak one of the characters or they got to figure out who they want to have like a the baby face there to to be like a sympathetic figure because yeah, great talent, but but the character, the way that they've uh, presented their characters lately, you know, m- maybe not the best. Um and maybe you just lean into this with with Becky and Charlotte, right? Maybe they if they have a match at Survivor Series because they're both the champs of each show, and then you just have like maybe you kind of do what you just did with Charlotte and Nia, you know. You kind of like after they had that match the week before, you kind of lean into the fact that oh, there's some real stuff going on backstage with these two, and they don't like each other. Maybe you have it be a little bit more of like a you know like a stiff fight between Becky and Charlotte. That could be fun, but they gotta sure. they gotta do some work with the women 
the 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 stories and the and the booking a little bit with the women because they've got a ton of talent. They're great in the ring, but it's still I don't know. It's it's like they don't give them the same. Maybe and and the the men get some crapped on storylines too, but it just doesn't seem like the women get as many really good top tier kind of stories, you know. Um, as we shift over to Monday Night Raw, our uh, final discussion of the uh, of the week, and Coop, we got the we got the Monday Night Raw opening with. Somebody coming out and then all the different challengers that say, Hey, I want that belt. I want that belt. I want that belt. Which I think are, I always love those. And you know what? They it felt pretty fresh with those four guys in the ring. You know, all of the different uh after the the, the shakeup, even though Finn Balor just recently lost and Rey Mysterio <laughs> has hasn't been in a title picture as of late, but Finn was in the finals of the King of the Ring. He was in the the title picture on the other side. Kevin Owens comes out. And you maybe look like we may be getting a Kevin Owens heel turn soon because he was like, I have to win this. I have to win this. And I liked seeing all of them put in the main event spot. And it made me kind of excited for some of Big E's future opponents. Like Seth Rollins is going to be the first one. He gets the win here. Kind of knew it was going to be Seth because he was the only real heel. Out there so he, he, <laughs> yes. he was the only one that really made the most sense Especially when you just had Drew and Biggie in a babyface babyface match right before um, But that match was great That four way with those four guys could have main evented any show Any pay-per-view anywhere on any company And Seth ends up getting the win Really good stuff KO looked great throughout the match Biggie comes out afterwards just to kind of uh Give him the look and let him know. Oh yeah, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be dancing in a few weeks. But when when Raw has a show long storyline, it's always my favorite. It always seems to be the most interesting and do the best. They set up this number one contenders match at the beginning, keeps you hooked till the end. It's a ladder match, so it was very good. And I thought, you know, moving forward, Seth Rollins feels like a perfect opponent for Big E. Give Big E. A lot of guys who like Seth Rollins has really good name recognition In the WWE Big E just beat Drew McIntyre clean Big E just beat Bobby Lashley Right before that He's stacking up some wins against legitimate Legitimate competition Uh, Look and you've got uh, You know fast forwarding To the main event which all those guys You had a what 20 22 minute match on Raw Really Um, good stuff I was good stuff there. And as you mentioned, we, we had a feeling, you know, Seth would, would probably do it. And I look forward to a Seth Biggie program because it does feel something new. But these guys, these guys were really good in this match. You know, Kevin Owens, I, I, hopefully he comes out of it with something, uh, especially Finn. I don't know where they're going with Finn. We know Ray and, and his son Dominic uh, are, are getting into a storyline. Um but a really solid 20 minute match to end raw is uh, you, you can't ask for much more than that on raw people, people bitch and complain about raw. You had a saw there was some crap in there. Believe me, we're, we're going to talk about some crap, but it finished very strong. The dirty dogs get the win. Um, this was fine. The match was, was pretty solid. Rude and Ziggler are the number one contenders now for the tag team titles. And so uh, they will uh, be having a match against RK bro coming up. Soon, so yeah, no, uh, like n- no, no knocks here. You, you just uh, that was a good match. Ziggler, 
Ziggler said something along the lines of like, we've won one match in the last year or something. You know, like he posted about that, how uh, in right place at the right time, your new number one contenders. We got Queen Zelina Vega with an accent and uh, and Queen Zelina comes out there and she lays it on thick for her coronation ceremony. This was uh, this was good. Zelina is a very good heel queen. She's gonna do the Queen Zelina like Queen Bucca stuff. <laughs> and what makes sense? So I'm a little worried about Dewdrop. She gets she gets beat again clean. But for Zelina's gimmick. Using the scepter and having the weapons at ringside is perfect for her. That's like that is so up right up her alley. You could actually like I could feel Zelina in a match against Bianca, you know, for a title, even though she won't win, but she could feel like she has a shot cheating with the scepter, using the crown, using those weapons that she has with her, you know. Um, so I like the the queen with Zelina. Fits to me. It seems like it's a good match. Uh, yes. Um, look, she's got the look. Um, I, I, I'm just, I, I, I'm not a sucker for rematches of anything. I, I think WWE. That's one of their worst. Uh, I, I, their ugliest qualities is having a pay per view or having something and bringing people back into the ring. And we saw that with Zelina and Dewdrop. We saw that I, with Carmella and Liv. And both of them were were terrible, but I do love this this gimmick with Queen Zelina. I think it's going to be perfect, uh, and it makes her it elevates her. It makes her an outright contender. Um, man, she's you know what's that Disney character in the uh, uh, what's the uh, the Queen uh, in the One Hundred One Dalmatians? She's not Cruella. The queen, I mean, it, it's got this fill, you know, yep, just a yep. bitchy type yep. fill, the poison apple with exactly. Snow White. You're right, I the evil queen in Snow White. You're right, yeah, the wicked, the it. yeah. You're right. That's that's exactly what she's got. You're a thousand percent right. It is. It it feels that way. As uh, we got the Becky and Bianca setting up their future match, and yeah, you know, like Becky keeps playing the uh, the the real. You want to just smack her heel with what she's wearing and how she's acting. And Bianca continues to just, you know, act pretty normal. Hey, you stole it again. You haven't beat me. You haven't pinned me. Let's do this right now. Becky doesn't want to. That match is going to be next week on Monday Night yeah. Raw. We're going to get the women's title match. Now, I I don't think we'll get a clean one, two, three, but that would be amazing if we did. We Bianca's gonna win And she's gonna get a win over Becky at some point They're building it so that way When it happens it's a big deal I don't know if next week is the right time for it But she will get that At some point She's not getting buried She's not getting shoved down the card Maybe it's something that they want end up having At Wrestlemania or They have plans for it somewhere but You could tell that she's gonna get that Win over Becky at some point She will get her comeuppance yeah, I, I you know I she kind of got in the little hinky dinky promo there again with the smiling on the face. You know she she went into that gimmick a little when bit. When she drops she, into that, it's too much. When she yeah, just plays normal, me. like hey, stop screwing around. Don't. When she's yeah. like, hey Becky, this is what you're doing. Smiley, smiley. Like that was Smiley Finn Balor and Smiley Damian Priest. Who we don't 
really need. And let me ask they, you. Let me let me ask you this, Gino. Do you prefer title changes on TV, or do you like them at pay per views? I like them at pay per views. Okay, I see more. I, well, bigger deal. I don't. I don't mind if they're on TV if it's a built feud. You know, if a feud's been built for a while, and, and it just so happens that. The raw is the is where they want that match to culminate, or where they you know they mark it down for happening. Then okay, uh, but I would I prefer the pay per views with with the title changes and with the the big moments and stuff like that. Um, even though I guess the template for WWE is changing because you know with Peacock now it's not quite the same as a pay per view. Like AEW actually has a pay per view. WWE you pay ten bucks you get everything. So it's you know it's it's a much different um, style, but. I do. I like the bigger moments on the bigger shows. And um, gotcha. you mentioned Carmella and Liv Morgan. That was nothing, but they did sort of reference that Carmella and Corey Graves are engaged now. Shout out uh, to the two sure. of them. Um, you, very, yeah, right. Not they said something about Carmella looking great, and he said, "Don't you say that's mine." That's mine. <laughs> <laughs> which I like. Um, Damian Priest looks like a little more badass. Almost seems like he got an initiative of like, hey, we like you, we like what you're doing, but we want you to be more aggressive to take yeah. you to the next level. And he did. Um, and you know what? Hey, like T-Bar, Dijakovic, that guy's good in the ring. He was he a huge free agent acquisition when he came into NXT. And so, you know what? Maybe you don't have him as a your WrestleMania main eventer, but he's got a good look. He's big. And he's someone who could be on TV all the time and, and, and be presented as a mid-card challenger for mid-card titles. If he was treated the right way, he's absolutely someone who's got the look enough to be a heel on the close to main event level. It's just all about, you know, rehabbing and presenting him. I don't think this was awful for him. Like, he, he didn't there, he didn't get squashed. Damien gets the win by DQ, and then Damien, after the match, uh, going after him with the chair and everything. But... I didn't think this was a bad presentation for either one of them. No, it just, you know, Priest got hot for a little bit. and I'm, He feels cold he, right now. He, he does, and they're trying to tweak him some sort. And I, even though I had no problem with T-Bar because I like T-Bar, I just, something feels off with him as the United States champion. I don't feels know what cold. it is. Yeah, it just, you need to get really cold. The Sheamus matches and stuff were good, and maybe it was just that he, it was, it's just been like, him and Sheamus And right, we right. remember a, a few weeks ago When Priest was out there in the like, With Lashley and Drew McIntyre Kind of felt like Priest was Getting ready to get that big main event Rub That's push, a good point That's a good point. Kind of dropped back down a little bit Nice to see Keith Bearcat Lee On our TV he gets a big squash win You could sort of tell with him too They feel like they he's working A little bit more like a big man And yeah, I know a lot of people Complained about you know, Keith Lee hasn't been on TV and this is the you and I had looked at Keith Lee's social media and he said like he was not in shape. He got sick. <laughs> the guy couldn't go. And so people are like complaining about why isn't Keith Lee in these 20 minute matches? He physically can't do it. He couldn't. Yeah. And it, maybe and now believe, he can, you know, but he, he needed to build his stamina back up. The guy was wiped out. He couldn't go in the ring at all. He told us they didn't know what it was. They thought it was like a COVID thing. There was some sort of a virus. He had a they they didn't even know what was going on with him. It was really scary that it was a heart murmur. There were, I mean, it was just there was a lot of scary things going on with him. So now, hey, he's on TV. He gets a squash. 
And maybe it's just going to take him a little bit longer than people would have wanted, but I'd love to see him be a new face and a new player on Raw. Yeah, I think even Booker T, I don't want to misquote it. I think Booker T said, you know, Keith Lee's own worst enemy is Keith Lee. So, yeah, you just, fans need to stop trying to figure out things and stop listening to one or two sources or whatever it is. I'm curious to see now where they go with Bearcat. Do they put him in some sort of title contention, maybe with Damian Priest? you got to remember, this guy was on top of the hill in NXT for a while and was having some hell of – this This guy was the king of the mountain in NXT. And then comes to Raw and kind of just kind of uh, – and then starts having issues. Well, now's your chance for a reset. Regardless or not, you like Big Cat, Bear Cat, it doesn't matter. Let's see what Keith Lee can do now. He looks like he's ready to go. So now I agree with Booker T here. This is on Keith Lee. Mm-hmm. You got another opportunity right now. Yep. Um, RK Bros backstage, or, or, or he's talking about uh, he's talking about Riddle's talking about Halloween. Man, Halloween, Randy, we get the Halloween costumes. Maybe we could be this, or maybe we could be that. Green really brings out your eyes, Randy. And he, <laughs> he's like, dude, Riddle. We'll talk about Halloween later, but we're going to beat these dirty dogs. And you get these four guys, and they these guys are all really good in the ring. And love the at, match. I love the damn dirty dogs, man. Me too. And I love when Ziggler gets on, on Twitter and just, like, blasts himself. He doesn't give know, a I, shit. I, no, about he does anymore. not. He, he does doesn't. Not. In, in a great way. Like, he just he does. does not care what you think of him because he's the, he's been there so long. He leans into the, the stupid stuff. Like, how about Big E? Standing backstage, looking like like making fun of the way that WWE people have to stand and watch the TVs at the angle. Biggie's yeah. like doing it backwards. He's got like a backwards tilted look. It was just <laughs> awesome. Like no, then, that- yeah, dude. Ziggler gets on Twitter after Mandy Rose wins the NXT Women's Championship, and it's like, you know, what you doing? And then here comes a mark or two saying. You stay away from Mandy. You can't even win on Raw. And he just like, he feeds into it. But she won't leave me alone. That's you know? great. It's great. I like the dirty dogs, man. Me too. I, I like dogs. I've always felt that Rude never really has gotten his fair due in the, no, in, on the no, main roster. This no. guy was an NXT champ. This guy was really, really good when he was in TNA. I loved oh, his yeah, era of TNA when, uh, when him and Beer, um, Money. Beer, Beer Money was Money. great. And I remember I was watching and... At the, the time when, when like Beer Money out of nowhere just got split up and then won the title, like James Storm, it was it was like out of nowhere. They were like a tag team and then they split them up and they were in the main event. And then Bobby Roode is playing this great heel gimmick. And then he had the uh, they even had the run with Austin Aries where they were they weren't the they weren't a tag team that the world tag team champions. They were a tag team of world champions, which I love <laughs> that gimmick. I thought that was great. Um, what what did you did you like when Rude had this Ric Flair robe gimmick in WWE? Were you okay with that? I mean, I didn't mind it. I don't I don't, I don't mind think it, it hurt him. I mean, neither because it it's sort of who he he's kind of always been that way. Like yeah, that's always yeah, kind of been true. He is he is very like an old school kind of guy that would still have that gimmick. So yeah, I don't man when that song. Remember for about six months how hot that song was. Glorious! Oh, yeah. I yes, will give it. Fantastic! I will give fantastic. it. The Champa and and Gargano were doing those videos where they would be popping up <laughs> with the glorious song, like in the bathroom and stuff. Those were hilarious. I loved them. 
And uh, yeah, we we talked about the main event. We finish up with a great, great main event. Seth Rollins gets yeah. the win. But what I liked about it too is Kevin Owens felt like something's coming for him. You know, like it feels like he was kind of like shot back up towards the main event. Too like he's gonna be on the top of this card, or at least right now they want him to be. So I hope so because I'm a big KO fan. He's great. You can have him in any role, heel or babyface. Maybe we get like a KO Balor kind of feud. That's true. So, so I, I like can an, go with that. I would, like I would un, go with that. Like an unofficial number one contenders kind of feud. You know, um, for those two guys to have a singles match, and then maybe whoever ends up winning that moving on. And I think one of those guys needs to turn heel. Yes. Either one. Either one. Yeah. I don't really care which one. But I think for for the way the raw card stacks up, because we saw what happened the other day, right? On Monday night, there were a couple extra baby faces that they feel are sort of towards the top. You can have Randy in that mix too. But when you look on the heel side, if you t- if you flipped Kevin and Kevin was the next heel for Big E, oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. I feel like you could have a lot of fun with those two guys. There's a lot of good promos there too. And um and I love that uh, as we get set to finish up here, Big E's already been playing into some of the NXT relationship that him and Seth Rollins have. Cuz remember yeah. Big E like won the NXT title from Seth Rollins. That and is a good point. Big E used to do the uh, the five count gimmick, the King Kong Bundy gimmick where he'd pin people with the five count. So Oh yeah. Yeah. Um I look forward to where they're going now um, and, and Monday it just It felt fresh on Monday To be honest like I was really a lot More pumped with the way Monday ended This week than Friday which is not something we say A whole lot but I think we Don't say that often <laughs> Friday it, it, it felt like it was just It felt like the hangover from the, the Saudi Arabia show and the travel back And all of that you know Yeah it's a little bit of both And, and now look we said we had to get past uh, A crown jewel and we have. We've had one SmackDown, which was pretty good. Uh, I thought Raw did a little bit better uh, than SmackDown, even though there was some, you know, a couple of crazy rematches that were that were squashes we didn't need to see. But overall, you know, it, it, we still have a ways until the Royal Rumble, right? And, and it, it's you're going to have some things that are going to be head scratchers, just. You know, I don't know. I don't know where we're going with certain people, and that w- drives me crazy. But I guess you know that's what makes professional wrestling professional wrestling. We keep tuning back in because, as you said, if we knew what was happening twenty four seven and we knew what was going to happen next week, it wouldn't be fun. And he's not talking about the twenty four seven champion Reggie, folks. He's talking about twenty four seven Chad Cooper, <laughs> my man. Good, I, I'm. I'm a little worried for you over there. the The weather's been been crazy, Ooh. man. Uh, I saw you were posting some of those like really crazy winds and tornadoes and stuff, and that's that's some scary stuff, my man. So I hope that you uh, stay safe, and uh, I hope things, uh, you know, obviously change for the better weather wise out there. Uh, have you thought of uh, and do you have the opportunity to dish out a play or two for us if you have one this weekend? Yeah, I got smoked. I went one and one last weekend. I hate going big spreads. Oklahoma embarrassed themselves. But you know Kansas. what's funny? When you when you bet a team like that, don't you just want them to get beat? You yes. Know? Oh, absolutely. You're like, you're like yeah. God, I oh, hope yeah. they freaking lose now, you know? Yeah, don't backdoor cover. Don't you win by 20. I, I Just go ahead and lose. And look, Kansas is so bad that – 
they were opening their stadium an hour before and and buying radio announcements and just saying, hey, you don't have to pay to come watch this football game. And they still they it took Caleb Thompson doing a a one in a million move to get Oklahoma, you know, back into that football game and win it. But long story short, yeah, I've got a couple plays. Uh, I, I'm still on Michigan State's bandwagon. Biggest game of the year for them this year. They host their rivals, Michigan, and they're getting four and a half points. I'm going to go Michigan State here. I, I know everyone's on Harbaugh. They think Michigan, this is their year. I, I still don't think Michigan's the best team in the Big Ten. So I, I'm going to go Michigan State here. And I'm going to go against the, the grain. I, I said last week, and I just said now, I hate big spreads. I hate them. But you know what? Next week, we get our first college football poll ranking. And Cincinnati wants to be in the top four so bad. But you know what? They haven't been playing really good football here lately. Six quarters of bad stuff. You know, they uh, lackluster uh, performance against Navy. Now, here's your chance. They go to Tulane. No one's going to be there. They're 24-point favorites. Tulane doesn't have a quarterback. Here's your chance to show the committee you can win by 60. This is your this is your make or break moment for Cincinnati. Let's go Cincinnati minus twenty four, and let's go Michigan State my, uh, plus four and a half. Let's hope uh, that maybe we can get uh, Coach Luke Fickle out to USC next year from Cincinnati. Oh, I would love I would love that. Man. You know, as uh, yeah. the uh, the president out here at USC and some of the the folks um, who are now um, the, the decision makers, they came from Cincinnati. In fact, the, sure. the guy out here hired Luke Fickle to be the head football coach at Cincinnati. I just don't know if he's a West Coast guy or he would want to because, damn, Cincinnati's program right now is a lot better than the Trojans. It's not like you're, <laughs> it's not like you're moving up. Maybe you just would have some other well, we know it. Hey, we know it won't be Mike Tomlin. <laughs> we know, that was awesome. Was that not awesome? That was, that was a fantastic promo. That was, that was amazing. such a great promo. He said, there ain't a booster with a checkbook big enough for me. That was like... <laughs> That was so never, funny. He never say never, but, but never. never, but never. <laughs> that was a total wrestling promo. That would have been like fantastic. That would it's like MGF MJF one day is gonna be like WWE wanted me, but they didn't have a checkbook yeah, big enough to get. <laughs> I do like a shout out to MJF too. How he's playing into the fact that he might go to WWE. I love. I it, love yes. That's yes. such a heel yeah. thing for their fans that he that teases is. that every week, which a uh, uh, shout out to him, too. Well, uh, we didn't mention that, but him and Darby should be a lot of fun in the in the yeah. weeks to come. Chad Cooper, my man, thank you so much. I know you things are it, crazy buddy. for you over there. I love you, brother. You have a, a good weekend. You stay safe, and uh, good luck on your games. We'll talk to you again next week. Have a happy Halloween. We'll see you next week, Gino. Chad Cooper, ooh, it's going to be spooky <laughs> over there for Chad this weekend. Chad and I will have some fun in our respective homes uh, eating our Halloween candy. You know what else I did, Chad, yesterday? I just cooked up my pumpkin seeds. I love to do that. I do my homemade oh, pumpkin yeah. seeds. Old school. Old school with the salt all over them. I love to do it. It's one of my favorite things of the year. I got my big Ziploc bag that I'll be munching on these things over the next few days. Uh, you have a great one, buddy. Talk soon. And give Chad a follow at the Chad Cooper on Twitter, at the Chad Cooper on Instagram. You can follow all of his escapades. You can follow all the work he does, the great photography stuff. Chad is one of the best in the biz when it talk when it comes to wrestling. Scoops and taking those pictures, Chad, my man. You have a great one. You too, bud. That's Koopa Loop. Folks, do not go anywhere. Still plenty more on this episode of That's What G Said.
And that's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Big thank you to Koopa Loop, Chad Coop, for helping us out with another edition of This Week in Wrestling. It was a lot of fun talking with Jack, and we hope to welcome Jack back many times. Jack Fitzpatrick from over at DRF Sports, the social media manager there, and Eric helping us out each and every week with our NFL game previews. Next week is so much fun. It is the the shows that I'm the, some of the, the my favorite, the ones I'm the most excited about that I love putting together where we have probably going to be having 20 interviews throughout the week next week. Uh, mainly horse racing, but we'll still talk wrestling. We'll still talk football. And uh, I'm going to talk about some applesauce with my son Milo right now. Hope you all have a fun Halloween weekend. As you can hear the crying and screaming in the background, that's my cue to get on out of here. That's what G said. This episode is in the books. <laughs>